be out be there out channel. Please sub and share. Searching for the truth. UFOs, aliens, greys and ufology. Real images, real stories, real videos, real cases, researched and investigated by professionals in the field and cutting-edge discoveries. Multiple witnesses, abduction accounts brought to you by Team The Out There Channel. Good to, Good be, to back. be back. Five, four, three, two, one. Action. Action. Yo, yo, anybody out there? I don't expect anybody to be around. It's number late night. Uh, only people up will be UKers and Kiwis and Australians again. <laughs> uh, should be early morning Friday though, isn't it? So some people will be working. It is what it is. Uh, I gotta do this why I feel better. And here we got a pop up. Uh, what's this? Uh, trying to sell me stuff. <laughs> um, yes, hi from Cornwall. How's it going? Mark. I really didn't expect anybody to show up, really. <laughs> um, I tend to um, get less interrupted by side chatters then. But you're quite welcome to chip along. And uh, we'll see how we go. So I'm just going to post up what we're doing today. We're going to talk about the real truth of Darcy Ware and his UFO movies. Uh, because... He's knocking them out left, right and centre and uh, people that are meant to be truthers are promoting it. And I'm just going to point out all the problems with the movie that's currently out. So it should be fun. There's a lot to go over. Uh, but we'll see how much we can do of it. Uh, with my energy run, level run out because <laughs> uh, it is now getting on to 11pm here but I'm a night owl, I've always done night shift work and graveyard shifts so I haven't adjusted <laughs> uh, my brain tends to work better at night time 
I'll just pin that. Uh, is it screwed up? Uh, I think it's okay. Yep. Hey. Welcome. <laughs> ah, so that's working good. Um, so yeah, um, I suppose let's start it off. So I've got a zillion tabs here <laughs> just to cover it. So we'll see how we go. So um, his latest movie is. Um, well, let's just bring up, do a quick search and bring up his bio. I don't think I've got a link. Does he wear movies? Okay, that's just brought up this. So he's searchable. Typical Google. And you can see he's done a lot um, there. A uh, lot, lot, heaps a lot. Uh, so you might remember a debunk the hell out of the uh, volcano UFO ones, um, from airplanes to bugs to balloons to uh, long exposure of the moon, even claiming as a UFO. So he's doing the secret space uh, series, and he keeps adding on. With another subtopic each time. So you got part one there. Then he did NASA. And uh, was it NASA's first mission? UFOs, Apollo 11, 1 to 11. And he did this one with Tyler Klockner, which is this proves that, um, that he's a bit of a shill. Because uh, no one in their right mind would work with a proven hoaxer. Considering, since I've seen him all the information on Tyler before he actually included him in the movie, he could have changed his mind. But no, still went ahead and did it, right? And uh, yeah, he has a lot of these talking heads in the movies, uh, which are known to be shills. Uh, not just Tyler Klockner. But quite a few of them out there, including Jaime Mazan, or some call him Jamie Mazan, from Mexico. So, and this is another thing too. If I can find it quickly, um, blocked by. Darcy Ware. <laughs> now, an honest person doesn't block someone that's a critic, right? Um, you sort of address the problems, but if you can't address the problems and know that you have been shilling, um, the next thing you do is block people because um, they don't want you posting on their advertising on their Twitter page uh, by me posting out the problems with it. <laughs> and why it's uh, devious and what he's doing. But anyway, um, let's move on. So let's do a breakdown first of um, the latest one, which is 
um, uh, which I didn't see in the list there, which is um, uh, fast walkers. So yeah, uh, what is a fast walker? So let's find out. It means fast plus walker from the notion that UFOs travel fast. <laughs> Originally a code word created by NORAD. Uh, so that's what the Wikipedia say, or Wiki Dictionary says. Um, people have variations of definitions on that, saying it's objects coming from deep space uh, really fast. Uh, but that definition there doesn't say that, does it? Uh, it just means any object moving fast that the NORAD detects uh, in space and in airspace. doesn't have to be in outer space at all. Doesn't doesn't have any um, limiting factor there, does it? So uh, it's, a bit, it's a bit hard to find um, a lot of information on that side of things. As you know, the government's very secretive of how they detect things and all that. But I, I tried my best here. So it's known as the NASA Deep Space Network, um, which works in conjunction with uh, NORAD. And it talks about what it is here. Currently consists of three deep space communication facilities located such that a distant spacecraft is always in view of at least one station. So it's uh, Earth to Space Communications. And DNS is part of the NASA Jet Propulsion Lab. And uh, what they use also performs radio and radar astronomy observations so it looks for stuff coming from deep space towards earth right like uh, asteroids so that's now been expanded uh, to include the new uh, NORAD detection system I guess um, they both communicate with each other And it talks about the three stations, how they um, keep our contact all the time, because the Earth is spinning, as you know, at 1,000 miles per hour, even though you don't feel it. <laughs> and it's orbiting the moon at some crazy speed. I can't remember exactly what it was now, but uh, yeah. So uh, what's it got there? So they can see, communicate up to 30,000 kilometers from Earth. I think it's about 19,000 miles. The moon is 10 times further away than Geo. So you've got Canberra, obviously Australia. Merid, obviously India. Goldstone, obviously America, isn't it? So... So understanding how all these things connect, of course JPLs is also connected to NORAD as well, I believe. Um, 
Got a lot of information here. So now they're in part of um, also looking for UFOs, as you might recall. But before then, NORAD was around to detect uh, nuclear launches. And uh, we've got space surveillance here, which is a good little uh, rundown by Dr. Kelso. So most of you, most of us, satellite tracking interests extend to only a small handful of satellites. And uh, whether it be the amateur radio or weather satellites TVRO, or given that combination, uh, combined GPS and Clonus constellation, we're typically talking about. Um, tens of about tens of satellites I think it means tens of thousands of satellites <laughs> or ten different types of satellites I don't know it must be bigger than that surely uh, so what's it saying here among those duty to track now eight and a half thousand satellites in earth orbit so yeah it just makes you wonder if ufos are coming from outer space how it misses all that but you'd be surprised how big space is and the space between satellites or, or even though elon seems to be filling up that gap pretty quickly <laughs> and he will be part of the deep space um, surveillance system as well so you can bet he's got uh government links there right where he's going to sell data to them so as you know it's uh you remember the stargate show talking about the cheyenne mountain you know the entrance where they said they got the stargate <laughs> uh so this is talking about where about norad is and uh you might notice when i did a live show on skinwalker that uh, they're not too far away from NORAD uh, and Denver Airport because it's in the Rocky Mountains, right? So, yeah, when they when Skinwalker are launching rockets into the air, you can bet NORAD is detecting them. <laughs> so, they're probably going to send out a helicopter just to see what's going on because it is pretty close to where they are. Uh, what was that like 400 um, kilometers 400 kilometers yeah it's not that's not that far really and there's air force bases all on the other side too or skinwalker ranch but yeah and uh, you can see uh, they've got big large displays like you see in the movies and they've got a row of computers all although that's probably an old photograph there <laughs> they've probably got lcd screens now uh so you might recall that movie what was it called uh war games very good movie if you're not seen it as an early 1980s one or was it 86 can't remember now but uh yeah it talks about the space surveillance network here to accomplish its mission the c and they call it scc relays relies on the space surveillance network uh, which we talked about just before 
uh, with uh, those base stations <coughs> and, and its eyes and ears the SN is a network of sensors located at dozens of sites worldwide operated by uh, US Army, Navy, Air Force personnel uh, the SSN uses three primary types of sensors to monitor the Earth's population now just bear with me because my eyes are not terribly great again of artificial satellites, conventional radars, phased array radars and the optical system known as the ground-based electro-optical deep space surveillance system or geo, geo, geods <laughs> geods okay i never heard of that one before but there you go so there's all the dots and they also got uh sensors under the ocean too so they can detect um like an asteroid impact into the sea so it just shows you that's pretty much a skynet or like in terminator <laughs> but they're um, they're also going to connect into artificial intelligence so hopefully that's not going to end up being a skynet uh, to probably help them identify stuff because a lot of data from all those sensors needs to be uh, processed and uh, detect what's um, moving especially now they've lowered the sensor filter to include um, basically weather balloons and there's plenty of those that go up every day and high altitude balloons uh, most of those got radar reflectors though uh, but uh, yeah we got the ski of the Chinese balloons passing over America so they've lowered the filters so obviously they're going to have more detections I heard um, NORAD uh, someone mentioned in a blog that every every shift they get 10 unknowns uh, on the display that they're going to have to figure out so what I was trying to do was find out what those unknowns were whether because obviously we've heard about the the briefings of um, what's been classified as un really unknown and uh, I think there's only been like one added to the list in the last six months I think I covered in a few live streams back so it doesn't sound like 10 every shift so that means there must be like 20 or 30 targets every day uh, that they've got to analyze and figure out what it is uh, whether it's uh, meteorites asteroids coming into the atmosphere I don't know uh, because there has been stuff they miss right but maybe now they've recalibrated maybe they'll detect uh, slower moving things because missiles work, uh, fly at a certain speed right so they're normally calibrated to detect uh, nuclear missiles and uh, nuclear explosions and that sort of stuff that's why they got a light sensor but now instead of looking downwards they're also now looking outwards because now we've got other countries in space that have uh, spy satellites as well as satellites that sabotage uh, American satellites like the Chinese can actually fly 
a satellite that goes around and uh, basically knocks out satellites out of orbit. <laughs> so uh, I think I covered that also about a year ago, uh, those particular articles on that. Uh, there's always new stuff to cover, isn't there? So, as you know, microwave uh, technology is used in radars because uh, it gets absorbed into water droplets. But apparently they can detect things in space down to 10 centimetres. Uh, so, so you're saying typically these um, antennas operate in ballistic mode, right? I mean, by static mode, <laughs> thinking of ballistic missile. Uh, that is, one antenna transmits a pulse and another receives the return. One of more interest in conventional radars in the SSN is the NAV SPAR system, a network of three transmitting and six receiving radar sites. So that doesn't sound like it's in space. In space, they can obviously have some other system. Um, and I think they're also looking at speeding up the communications now using infrared lasers. So I'm not too sure if Elon Musk satellites will incorporate that. I guess uh, instead of just using radio, uh, rad a radio to transmit between each of his satellites, They'll probably have a, a, a infrared laser link. So it makes you wonder, time he's finished, all those early satellites he's put up will probably be out of date and need to be updated, right? So, yeah, will it incorporate some sort of uh, radar on each of those um, Elon Musk satellites? The Starlink that we're talking about. You can bet they're in talks because... His would be ideal if he's got a band of satellites going around in different orbits where it's always covering the whole of Earth. It's going to also detect things, right, a lot better. But yeah, we'll read through more of it here. The SNN phase array radars can track a dozen or more satellites simultaneously. Uh, and scan large volumes of space because they have no moving mechanical parts. So that's what they look like. Don't think I've seen anything like that at Area 51. <laughs> yeah, everybody keeps saying they've got um, a lot of that type of technology there being tested. These uh, are composed of thousands of small elements which can be phased to electrical that can be phased to electronically steer the antenna uh, so we're actually going to see the picture of it I suppose it's secret <laughs> uh, it's uh, made of hang on, I've lost my track here made up of Almost 6,000 transmitter antennas and 20,000 receiver antennas. And so they can tell us about it, but we can't actually see inside it. Obviously, that's uh, some sort of fiberglass cover there. Uh, 
and I reckon that one goes up to 40,000 so a bit further than D and S right for NASA Uh, capable of generating 30 megawatts of radio frequency power. Wow, sounds like if you stand in front of it, you might get cooked. <laughs> okay, so makes you wonder what happens if a UFO actually flies over the beams. I suppose since it's individual antennas, um, it's not a concentrated beam, right? Now looking at science-wise, right? so we've got the gods, geogs, gods, geods, kind of strange word. They could have come up with a better word for it, couldn't they? <laughs> uh, three telescopes, so that's them there, is it? One, two, is that the third one there? Uh, two primary 40-inch ones. And that must be those two because they look the same. And one 15 inch because that one does look like it's got a small hole on it and a different cover on it. Uh, so, yeah, it's a lot to get over through this. So, we're just uh, skimming through some of it. And I'll post a link on the site. So, if you're interested in reading on this. And this is a problem in this field. There's a lot of reading and a lot of understanding the science from it. The network of dedicated and collateral sensors generates up to 80,000 satellite observations each day and sends them back to the SCC via redundant communications system. Well, this may seem to be a, a lot of observations. It still does not permit continued tracking of everything in earth orbit so they even have trouble tracking our own stuff let alone possible alien technology right or other countries for that matter because ufo an anonymous object coming to earth doesn't mean it has to be aliens right and people tend to forget that um the chinese are up in space other countries are up in space and also um uh, Russia it's been up there since um, America's been up there pretty much although they haven't been to the moon or have they <laughs> yeah you never know what secrets uh, as in those uh, KGB files so they've got a satellite catalog and uh, it talks about that there a database I guess for signatures and identification and uh, they won't tell us everything about how, how they operate, of course, that's the problem. Uh, so what's it say? It quickly becomes apparent that there are almost 8,000 uncontrolled objects of various sizes and shapes tumbling through space at velocities ranging from 3 to 10 kilometers per second. Being hit by one of these could ruin your whole day. <laughs> Keeping track of potential collisions, especially with manned spacecraft such as the US Space Shuttle or Mir Station, it's more important part of the SCC. So this sounds like it's been written before um, 
International Space Station because I didn't mention it there. Wasn't the MERS space station uh, scrapped and burnt up a couple of years ago? Uh, or was that um, Skylab? I can't remember now. Uh, didn't they turn the MERS space station international international space station? So there's so much so much to learn. <laughs> MERS station uh, was MERS space station made into international because remember that made it so US spacecraft parts could uh, connect with it uh, what have we got well that kind of does look like the international space station Mir was the first modular space station and was assembled into orbit 1986 to 96 it had a greater mass than any previous spacecraft. At the end, it was the largest artificial satellite in orbit. Succeeded by International Space Station after MERS orbit decayed. No, no, it did burn up. You'd think they would somehow saved it and used parts of it for International Space Station, since that's a lot of money to put that up there, right? What was the purpose of the space station? Obviously, a bit like Skylab, you know, research, wasn't it? Understanding the presence in space. Obviously, lots of different experiments. How to live in space, uh, whether people got sick when they were in space for a certain length of time and all that sort of thing. What's the difference between International Space Station and Mir? International Space Station is developed by consortium of nations, but of course China was excluded because they were known to be spying and stealing information. So only the Russians were there and a few other countries, wasn't it? French, Italians, Australians. Anyway. Just a quick uh, lesson there. I think Sky is maybe it was Skylab that was turned into Skylab. What happened to Skylab? Did that burn up too? Six years later, in the early hours of July 1979, Skylab re entered Earth's atmosphere. Yep, it burnt up. Uh, spreading debris across the Indian Ocean and Western Australia. So all that hardware, you think somehow they would have saved it for the International Space Station. So they must have redesigned that from the ground up and transported all that stuff for the space shuttle. Because uh, that's what we had, wasn't it, at the time? They didn't have SpaceX. Uh, where did all the parts... Or International Space Station come from. Just a quick check there, see what comes up. Uh, the five international plants included the space agencies of the United States, Canada, Russia, Europe, and Japan. The first parts of the International Space Station were sent and assembled in orbit in 1998, since the year 2000. Uh, the International Space Station has had crews living. 
Okay. And there's the first bit. Where did the first piece of the International Space Station come from? Uh, let's see. 1998, first segment. Uh, the Soya control module launched aboard a Russian proton rocket. So there you go. Does quite a look more Russian than US technology there though, doesn't it? Subtracting out the number of active satellites, I think we read that. Uh, talking about the SatCat. Each item in the satellite catalog is identified by two unique identifiers. Photos. The first is international destination prior to 1963 and made up of two parts. Uh, it gets complicated. The launch year, uh, the piece of launch of the launch. What's that mean? The launches of each year were destined in order. Now let's just keep on going. An online satellite catalogue. Okay, so what's the end bit here say? Having access to the current SatCat can be a useful tool for those involved with satellite tracking, whether it's used to find something specific such as the NORAD catalogue number for a satellite in order to obtain the proper elements set or just to perform so i'm just wondering all these online programs that track satellites uh if, if they pull that information obviously that might be public and might pull that information into theirs and it tells it where exact position it is uh, instead of, i'm working on providing an online version of satcat here you go or the celestial WW site based largely on NASA satellite situation report combined with information from Jonathan Space Report and the monthly. Oh, well, so that's uh, that one's done. Don't worry, we're getting to the Darcy stuff. <laughs> so first of all, we've got to understand what's all going on here before we dive into it. And it's just uh, some useful information that's worth checking up on. Because um, the claims are made, obviously, in the documentary, I mean, well, the movie. I wouldn't really call it a documentary. <laughs> All right, so a good question here about the space shuttle, since a lot of these uh, NASA UFOs were, for the documentary, were taken from the SDS missions, which were the space shuttle missions. So someone's here is, why does the shuttle always orbit the Earth upside down? So this is a key part where you see the Earth spinning below all the time, because all the cameras in the bay uh are pointing downwards and uh, they've got lots of cameras on it 
and uh, the belly as you know it's got all the heat shields that they glide back down on which uh, of course you want to aim towards the sun to absorb the bounce to absorb this the heat or bounce the heat away again but uh, you want to keep the other side as cool as possible once you get cooked right the radiation and the heat of the sun so basically this is what this says here hey Shagun how's it going <laughs> yeah we're just doing a breakdown first before we dive into the Darcy stuff <coughs> because it's all relative to what uh, was presented in the movie uh, thanks for joining us uh, are you at work though because it is what's early morning Friday there so there might be a few people working but uh, yeah I have to do this when I can I guess because uh, tomorrow I'm not sure how I'm going to fill <laughs> but here's a big long answer talking about how the cooling system works and all that sort of stuff so what they got is pipes uh, going into the the bay area of the shuttle like a, a, a radiator and uh, the cold space um, cools it down cools the water down and then I pump it back around because all the electronics as you know uh, if you've got computers on in a room and TV and all sorts of other stuff and a lot of humans in there generating body heat um, it gets very very hot in a, in a room very quickly so um, they've got a coolant system in the payload bay as it says here uh, so it's quite interesting facts that people probably don't realize that uh, the shuttle was flying upside down um, and why they're on the dark, dark side of earth rather than the sunlit side of earth because it can get really hot as you know uh, if you're directly in the sun you know we've got the atmosphere and clouds uh, that sort of block but we still get burnt by UV radiation right uh, let's see uh, it talks about here uh, there have been times when we really needed to call the orbiter and w while we were on the dark side we point to deep space and reject more heat all right so it's quite a lot of questions here that i'm not going to go over which are quite interesting questions uh, that you might be interested in reading all that like how many gallons of water are sprayed onto the launch pad and all that sort of stuff <laughs> as you can read there and it's on the nasa site um, frequently asked questions, I guess. Right, so I'll just post that. Uh, NASA and secret uh, STS, which stands for the Shuttle Missile Missions. Hey John, how's it going? Uh, so I'm struggling a wee bit with my eyes, unfortunately, but it is what it is. I can only do so much. Yeah, it wasn't too long of a link. <laughs> uh, I like uh, timing out trolls. <laughs> um, what I can do is um, temporarily give you mod rights and then remove it at the end of the show. 
Uh, so give you uh, managing moderator. I guess that would solve solve most things. Yeah, I think I can trust you, Shogun. <laughs> You're not going to go screaming in the side chat and spamming on the side chat like some people hope. <laughs> um, trying to keep this sort of um, professional and scientific and uh, use my skills the best I can and knowledge to solve things, right? So I get upset when I see people ignoring uh, obvious flaws in people they're working with uh, called shills and to me that's a, like a double standard and being a hypocrite right so um, uh, it doesn't meet my level of standards and when you start working with people that are said to be um, shills in, in the field it lowers your reputation and people should then pay less attention to you for that reason, right? Because you can't attack some people as being bad for ufology while working with others that are clearly bad for ufology and have been caught in lies, right? So, um, like I said, I could bring up a lot of stuff and connect all the dots for you uh, if you're not aware of them all. But uh, we got a lot of stuff here to cover, of course. Uh, so we know the space shuttle flies upside down, and that's why you see a lot of the, the videos of uh, what looks like the Earth spinning below them. So this becomes important when we start analysing the videos. Uh, in the movie claiming to be UFOs so let's see uh, just draw a picture break it all down uh, so we've got a planet Earth <laughs> I don't think I've got one for a space shuttle though um, Maybe I can just do a symbol for it. Come on. Seems to be running a bit laggy. Uh, let's see, what can we use for a space shuttle? What looks like a space shuttle? <laughs> um, a cone. Triangle. Uh, what else we got there? Bullseye. <laughs> Uh, you've got uh, these ones up here, the arrows, chevron, decisions, decision, a spade, hmm, I have to try and figure out how to make your own ones and add it to the list, uh, we got a rocket, so we do a rocket, a rocket, <laughs> so, when you're seeing them, they're sort of orbiting mostly upright, I think, uh, with the bay doors open on that side. Uh, what can we do here? 
Is it the right thing I got? So the bay doors are normally open like that, I suppose. And they're looking downwards. And below you see um, that the earth is spinning right to left, right. And they're spinning around the earth also in orbit at uh, something like 18,000 miles. Oop. Well, that's good enough. <laughs> 18,000 miles per hour. And we know that the Earth is um, rotating at uh, 1,000 miles per hour, although I should probably bring that information on the screen. Uh, so now we're sort of getting a picture of um, the base science of things. Speed of shuttle in orbit, I think it's about 18. Let's just uh, space shuttle. Oop. I've got it backwards <laughs> in orbit yeah so what have we got well actually it looks like ah oh, miles per hour not kilometers per hour it's actually 28,000 kilometers per hour and about 18,000 18, miles per hour so uh, yeah so I was pretty close there wasn't I not bad for memory, <laughs> about 500 mile per hour off. Uh, so, and um, we know the space station travels at that speed too, uh, about 17, I think it is. Speed, let's uh, just put that in just for sake of memory. Uh, I got it per second here, damn it. <laughs> there we go. There you go, 18,000 miles per hour. So it's the same as a space shuttle orbit, I guess. Um, or near enough to it, right? Um, they're slightly faster. So I guess the orbit would vary depending on what satellites are the fixing, I guess. But there must be a reason for that speed. Uh, so yeah that would be another like more time research and all that why are they going at that speed obviously um to keep it in orbit more steady i guess and um, because they've got a lot of rockets on the shuttle that fired little retro rockets that would turn it or keep it in the same orbit plane and they would be firing all the time of course when they fire all the time the vernal rockets and um, they generate a byproduct called water and that's where you get a lot of these ice crystals that seem to float past the space shuttle. So it's all part of uh, the information that you need to look at videos with. Um. So normally they have like a data log. You can look up all that information uh, if you've got access to it. I'm not sure if it's public domain or not. Or when they fired the rockets and... Uh, all, all, all that business, but uh, James Oberger is uh, James Oberg, uh, like ufology people seem to hate a lot of, is actually um, quite factual on all that sort of information, and he's a great source of that sort of information that um, he brings forward on uh, certain cases, right? That um, people claim UFOs were in them.
So, so there's a lot of water around the space shuttle or spaceships in general. <laughs> but there's also other things that happen. Um, spaceships get charged with electrostatic. And there's a lot of plasma uh, in space. Um, do uh, spaceships get static? Let's see what comes up. So understanding all this stuff is crucial to doing video analysis on space videos. Spacecraft in low orbits are especially susceptible to space radiation effects from Earth's atmosphere. The hot and low density plasma in the atmosphere, oh, plasma, didn't Paul say that, can cause a charge to build up on the surfaces of the satellite or spaceship and cause the space shuttle services satellites. When enough electrostatic charge has built up, it can discharge. Okay, we've also seen static charge build up inside cameras uh, on the moon. And they caused those little blue UFOs that uh, Securiting loves to keep talking about. <laughs> All right, so, so it's talking about low orbit there. As you know, atmosphere doesn't stop at a certain distance. It goes for uh, quite a long distance out from Earth and it gets thinner and thin thinner. Um, how far does Earth's atmosphere extend? Uh, let's see if we can find some information on that. Earth's atmosphere stretches from the surface of a planet up as far as 10,000 kilometers or 6,000 miles above. After that, the atmosphere blends into space. So let's find out where the International Space Station is. How far up does ISS orbit? The orbits Earth at the average altitude of approximately 25 miles. So <laughs> uh, it travels at 17, which we already found out, and it circulates, uh, circles the Earth every 19 minutes, hour and a half. So uh, did I read that? It's only 250 miles up. And we're reading here that uh, the atmosphere of Earth goes all the way up to 6,000 miles, right? Plus. And of course, uh, how far away is the moon? How far is the moon? There you go. 384,000 kilometers. So... Uh, the Earth's atmosphere thins out way before then, right? So what would that be in miles? That would be like um, 200 miles. How far is Mars? Does it give us that one? Million kilometers. <laughs> That's a big distance, you know, space, big spaces between the planets. So it's going to take years just to get to them. <laughs> Uh, so that's another question. How long? How long does it take to get to Mars? And you can see it's millions of kilometers. Imagine driving that in the car. <laughs>
Uh, didn't actually give us an answer on the pop-up there. 480 million kilometers, 300 million moles. Uh, takes seven months. Uh, not quite a year. Well, that's pretty good. Just shows you that the spacecraft can keep firing engines and accelerate, keep accelerating. But then they've got to spend a few months decelerating and get in orbit, right? So that does bring problems into fast and light travel, right? So if you've got stuff that's moving through space at super fast speeds, how can it avoid all those mini uh, chunks of rock or meteorites? <laughs> Meteors, I mean, asteroids. Uh, if you, you know, um, when they talk about Star Trek and warp speed, I don't think somehow the shields would stop you passing through an undocumented world, right? You have to go into a, another sort of dimension, another energy plane, right? To avoid all the normal matter in the universe to get to the, the destinations you want to get to, right? So, so that's uh, another topic, of course. Uh, how could you travel at speed of light and not blow up? Even with a some sort of energy shield. Then that sort of delves into the problem of UFOs traveling from deep space. To me, it doesn't make any sense that they're flying at really fast speeds uh, to get here. Uh, as you can see, it takes a long time just to get to Mars. How will it get to the, the another solar system that's light years away? Uh, you can see the problems. So really, unless they're delving into science that we've yet to learn, uh, like uh, the idea of stargates or wormholes, um, and portals but again that's another topic for another day I guess <laughs> uh, so what we got here uh, Grandmaster how's it going uh, it doesn't take a long time to get to Mars seven months we read <laughs> um, well if you were in prison for seven months would that be a long time to you you know, just sitting around in a spaceship. Because that's basically what it is. It's like a, a living prison, isn't it? You can play checkers and chess and computer games, I guess. <laughs> Not a lot of you guys would love that. Uh, you can trust me, you know that. <laughs> you know the saying in this field, trust no one. <laughs> but yeah. I will trust you. Um, at only one times gravity acceleration, it takes three days, including the acceleration, to get to Mars. Um, that's not what it said on on here. Um. I think you might be talking about the moon, aren't you? Where are you getting that information from? Is that uh, pseudoscience or real science? Because that's not what it said there. Um, oh, right, you're talking about UFOs. <laughs> These objects can pull 10,000 plus Gs. Well, 
if you accelerate right at a constant speed uh, then you're not going to feel inertia and uh, turn into jelly inside the spaceship so you can travel build up the speed real fast and travel faster and faster right as long as you've got the energy uh, the fuel to push it along which uh, conventional rocket fuel wouldn't be possible right so uh, this is what they talked about solar cells and uh, um, what's other technologies like nuclear fusion if they figure out fusion then you would have any uh, if you can then scale it down into a small version uh, then you would have endless uh, supply of power from just um, just taking helium gas with you, I guess, and uh, about to drive uh, iron plasma thrusters. If you can um, mix in some other gases with it, and uh, that give you a lot of thrust. Yeah, I suppose people are always working on new ideas there. So. Uh, moving back to this idea of fast walkers and DSP and the NORAD are they covering up so uh, I got this page for some reason in my research so I guess that's what they typically look like kind of looks like something from James Bond Moonraker <laughs> The def uh, Defense Support Program is a satellite constellation in geosynchronous orbit. Geo is what it's called. Uh, that detects rocket launches and nuclear detonations with infrared sensors. DSP satellites are operated by the US Space Force. <laughs> the DSP first satellite launch took place in 1970. Although the constellation remain operational, its uh, military mission is now primarily satisfied by the space-based infrared system program. DSP satellites provide the United States with the continuous space-based uh, space early warning capability. The satellites include a spinning sensor with short and mid-wave infrared radars so they're not using microwave that uh, have a 10 second revisit rate though they are not direct, uh, dynamically taskable uh, the first DSP satellites that were launched in 1970 had a design life of a little over a year and weighed 2,000 pounds, had 400 watts of power, and included 2,000 detectors. Holy moly! Satellites currently in operation have a design life of five years, weigh approximately 5,200 pounds, which is uh, almost two and a half thousand kgs. So, what's that? Uh, 1.5 tons of power provided by solar panels and host 6,000 detectors each. Uh, they measure 10 meter in height in orbit, 85 meter at launch 
and six and a half meter in diameter in orbit. Oh, they measure, not uh, <laughs> they measure in size themselves, not the actual measure things in orbit. <laughs> Um, as I think, uh, I think they can get down to 10 centimeter in size objects now, uh, detection. I think I read somewhere in this or something like this page. Uh, anything else there? Satellites currently in operation have a design life here, we covered that. Uh, DSP satellites orbit and geo recovered that one. Trajectory 22,000 miles or 35, 36 kilometers above Earth's surface. So it's not, it's uh, outside the the atmosphere level. So they won't get interference from uh, obviously static charge I guess from the atmosphere <laughs> and other problems so that's a fair distance out isn't it and it's looking down as well as out they have been launched several they have been launched several rocket types including Titan uh, UIC Titan Titan 4 Titan Delta heavy and one occasion a space shuttle okay yeah I've maybe reading that so we got now a picture of one so I guess that would be the radio transmission back Yeah, it doesn't really tell you how how it sends out the pulses and how far they go. Chinese nuclear ballistic missiles. Durance. Like I said, it's really hard to pin down all the facts of this. Um, you can bet that they, they won't tell you everything about it. How many false positives they get and all that sort of stuff. And what sort of things they detect. Uh, which they call anomalous and then figure it out later that's the sort of information we need to know because people would call those things that they have detected UFOs right so it talks a bit there about um, the Cold War all right and it's finished so what they're saying here, Space Warning Squadron, a unit within the 40, 460 operation group loaded at Buckley Air Force Base, uh, Corolado, uh, which has performed this role since 92. What's that? Uh, I missed something. <laughs> Information product system is gathered and dismantled by the USAF 2nd D Air Force Warning Squadron. Okay, so in June 2020, the US Defense Department awarded a 222 million life extension contract for DSB. Contracted work will continue up to March 2030. 
Uh, also, apparently, there's meant to be uh, an Earth uh, asteroid approaching us where it's going to hit Earth in 2042. Uh, unfortunately, uh, unfortunately, I won't be alive then unless they can pop your brain into an android body. <laughs> uh, Elon might still be around. He'll probably figure that out before he dies, probably. And there'll be all sorts of chaos. You can't do that. You gotta die. <laughs> uh, oh, right, I should actually post that. So you got all these um, NASA and all these different things happening. Now, looking at things in the sky which are threat. But um, my question is, you know how that plane disappeared? What was it called now? Uh, from, was it from Thailand? They reckon it crashed into the sea somewhere off the coast of Australia. Why couldn't uh, NORAD detect um, the aircraft? Was their filters not calibrated for aircraft? Surely that must be because you get um, aircraft that have bombs on them. So why couldn't they pin it exactly where it crashed? You see what I mean? So apparently we meant to rely on them for detecting UFOs, but seems to me that things slip through as large as a 380 jumbo. <laughs> uh, so yeah, and obviously uh, meteorites also have not been detected or asteroids haven't been detected. Um, there was no like a warning system put out. Remember that one that sort of come down and burnt up? It turned out to be a Chinese rocket or something. So yeah, you've got to ask questions about that too. Yeah, um, MH370. Yeah, but the, the plane make was like Airbus 380 or something, wasn't it? I can't remember all the details now. It was a quite a large plane, wasn't it? And they said the pilot was like maybe suicidal and crashed it into the sea. Which may have happened, of course, but why uh, kill all those people because you're because you don't want to live because they clearly wanted to live, right? So obviously you expect um, all this to be detecting fast walkers, right? But they can't detect a plane crash. So straight away, um, there's more questions that I want to ask, and if I had the chance. To be able to talk to someone from NORAD that knows all this, what, we'd better put all those hard questions to them, couldn't we? We could make up a list of all these questions. How come this wasn't detected? How come this wasn't detected? And yet, you, you expect to detect hypersonic UFOs that are cloaked? <laughs> yeah, right. So, yeah, apparently national... Uh, there's plenty of videos of uh, UFOs next to the space shuttle in Darcy's movie. And uh, you got all these people making claims that NASA, NASA airbrushes out everything. So, you know, if, if there's a delay in recording and sending it down to Earth, uh, if there was a UFO in it, um, they got plenty of time to airbrush it out before they send it onto a public stream, right? Uh, so that's another problem I have, and all these people making these strange claims about NASA covering up and not 
uh, telling the truth. Uh, well, uh, they seem to make lots of mistakes in that case because that's what how separate uh, secrets get left uh, leaked out, right? On to the next page. Okay, so this is a fairly good research piece by James Oberg that um, UFO people tend to hate, but the guy, you can't knock out his research and uh, bring in information forward. It's, I think it's his own personal belief. You know, a lot of these scientists that uh, believe there might be life, obviously believe there's life out in the universe because it's so large and there's going to be other Earth-like planets. They believe that um, we probably aren't unique and the only life form planet there's got to be other ones out there. But uh, they don't believe UFOs and aliens are coming here to visit because there hasn't been any solid evidence. And... Uh, a lot of people said he's a disinformation agent to cover up uh, what the government do and they hire him to cover up. But uh, you can actually fact check all the stuff he's got in these articles on the different missions where so-called UFO claims were made by astronauts and uh, we'll just have a read of them uh, before we start looking at Darcy movie because a lot of this relates to what's being said in the movie. So again, it's just background stuff. Astronaut UFO sightings. Okay, so this is talking about the early missions pre-Apollo, I think. Up to a certain, a lot of Mercury ones. Glamour and drama of manned space flights has been transferred to the UFO field via a highly publicized group of UFO sightings and photographs allegedly made by American and Russian space pilots. Hardly a UFO book or movie fails to mention that astronauts have seen UFOs too. Careful examination of each and every one of these stories, and they totally, total more than 20 or 30. Uh, it's probably a lot more than that now, probably. Uh, can produce quite reasonable explanations in terms of visual phenomenon associated with space flights. On a visit to NASA Johnson Space Center in Houston in July 1976, Dr. J. Alan Hynek of the Center of UFO Studies concluded that none of uh, the authentic cases as opposed to the majority of reports which are fictitious really had anything to do with the real UFO phenomenon. So he's saying here, obviously Heineck is saying here that most of the UFO signings can be mundane and explained, right? Which we know that uh, from MUFON and other organizations that analyze this stuff. And it's really only like 1% of really UFOs that um, can't be explained. Skeptical investigators were pleased that Heineck had dismissed all astronaut UFO reports uh, as unreliable, uh, has insisted that his body of stories has quite a lot to do with the major problems beset in the UFO community. <coughs> How, they ask, can a body of stories so 
patiently false and unreliable obtain such seemingly authentic city simply by being passed back and forth among researchers. <coughs> Hang on, I need to have a little sip. <coughs> That's the problem with talking and presenting all the time, you get dry throat. <laughs> Without ever being seriously investigated, is this a characteristic of UFO stories in general? And if so, the skeptics ask, can a study of how the astronaut UFO myths begin and flourish help us to understand better the UFO phenomenon in general? Hynek's uh, disavowal of the stories came after his book Edge of Reality, uh, co-authored with Jack Vallee, which uh, we talked about last time, has endo uh, endorsed a hoax. <laughs> Uh, but back then with Heineck, um he was actually quite credible and uh, working with Heineck. Carried out a long list of astronauts' sighting reports, Heineck told colleagues that the inclusion of the list compiled by George Forsett in the book was Valet's idea, idea, not his. But even... So he wanted to generate interest and decision. He insisted that inclusion of the list was not a judgment on his belief in this credibility and that the readers had no right assuming that the data had actually been verified just because they were included in the book. Fawcett, on the other hand, claims that he just assembled the list from all available sources and assumed that somebody else would check the accounts before publication. Maybe 1% of the stories are true UFOs, Fawcett suggested. Oh, there's that 1% thing again. In 1978. This is a complete uh, Fawcett list as printed in Edge of Reality. Uh, following each incident we supply in italics and most likely explanation of the report. So here we go. <clears throat> February 20th, 1962. John Glenn pilot in his Mercury capsule saw three objects following him and then overtake him at varying speeds. Glenn also said that these snowflakes were small and seemed to be coming from the rear end of the capsule. Later flights also absorbed, uh, observed them and were able to create snowstorms by having astronauts bang on the walls of their capsules. Verdict, significant data was withheld totally altering uh, the nature of this incident. So, was it ice on the outside of the craft? Breaking away? It sounds like it, doesn't it? Snowstorms, water. Uh, as you know, uh, you've seen it with uh, a lot of the SpaceX launches now, that um, you've seen ice that looks like a mouse running around the booster at the top because it's shielded from the heat. 
of the booster is actually a chunk of ice that's uh, formed from the vapors of the byproduct. And also you've seen sheets uh, break away from the skin of the craft and fall behind it. Okay, we got uh, May 24th, 1962, Mercury 7. What was the first one? Uh, it said Mercury Capsule, but I'm not sure which one that was. Is that Mercury 2, maybe? Mercury 7, Scott Cumter reported photographing fire-like objects with a hand camera and that he had what looked like a good shot of the saucer. Capitan did see fireflies as well as uh, a balloon ejected from his capsule. A balloon. Balloons in space. We've got enough of those in normal Earth orbit. So that's a bit strange. I never knew they would have had balloons in space. Why would they have a balloon? Is that uh, when the capsule used to come down and used to have balloons to keep it buoyant, stop it going underwater? Don't know, it's kind of weird. Uh, I have to, we have to look that one up, I think, to find out why they would have a balloon. A claim that he reported photographing a saucer as counterfeit. His photograph taken into account the glare of the starlight, smeared window and gross enlargement of the small image has been widely published as a saucer but was in fact the tracking balloon. So we need to find out what a tracking balloon is I guess. Um, so that might be one I've looked at on Darcy Weir's one. I'm not sure if that was Mercury 7. I thought it was Mercury 3. But it could be the same thing in that case. Uh, Mercury Let's have a, see if we can find a picture of it. Uh, space capsule. Uh, I'm going to have to zoom in. Capsule um, tracking balloon. Is that the thing they, they add onto the parachutes, maybe? Mm. Let's find out. Oh no, not the balloons. <laughs> We want the Mercury one. So it's probably going to be a bit hard to find all the information we want. Cooper's Faith 7 mission closes out Project Mercury. Okay. So there's obviously a lot of stuff here, right? Was that part of the experiment then? Um, There we go. Reported seeing a series of small particles floating outside his capsule. We just read that one. So Google finds it. So it makes you wonder um, why it's in UFO movies. Uh, why it's not coming up, I don't know. Maybe, maybe let's put that in quotes. Now, you can see 
Uh, it's come up with the same comment from James Oberg here on our wiki page, is it? Um, browser report tracking, radar tracking balloon. See, it's not come up with anything to do with the Mercury thing. Wind tracking balloon is called a Rawin Sondi. Uh, that's not how you read that. <laughs> yeah, I've heard that word before. They just call it Sondo or something, don't they? Okay, let's see if there's any pictures. Uh, crap. <laughs> Mercury, Mercury capsule. Okay, what's that one there? Uh, spy balloon again. S stupid, stupid Google, haven't it? Uh, what have we got here? See more anyway. How about giving us the, what we're after, stupid Google? <laughs> uh, I suppose we might not be able to find out. Might have to move on. Like I said, uh, I've spent days looking into this stuff, right? And it's very hard to find everything you're after. So what's that one there? Uh, let's try Mercury comments here. I should narrow it down. Have we got any pictures? No one's taking any pictures. And I don't believe it. That's all we got. <laughs> Uh, let's try getting rid of the tracking balloon then. Yeah, uh, here we go. So there's the capsule. Has it got any picture here of a balloon? God, it wasn't much room in that, was there? One person, is it? Or two people? Either side. Uh, it must be one, is it? Looks like one there. Looks like uh, something you see on Ancient Aliens, you know, the so-called man that's in a rocket. <laughs> Which was de de debunked as well, by the way, if you've not watched the episode. So, uh, tracking balloon. Have we got anything listed there? So maybe it's part of um, the other part of the rocket that's released behind it, maybe. It's got a recto rocket package here, but it doesn't say balloon. Bit blurry to read it though. It's doing my eyes in. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting having a look at the pictures of the early stuff though. Yeah, it's not really big, is it? Is that it? <laughs> My God. That's, uh, that would be freaky, wouldn't it? Those men were certainly brave. I'd, I'd give them that.
Uh, so where's the balloons? Is it part of the parachute system? Or is it part of something else? I suppose if they released uh, stage two, is it? Um, that might have a balloon that pulls out the parachute, maybe, as it gets into the atmosphere. But then wouldn't they say track and balloon with stage two attached? So, yeah. Looks like we're not going to find the answer on that one. Let's uh, put in track and balloon. It sounds like track and balloon space. And that's what we got coming up. What's that one say there? No. Uh, everybody's stuck on this Chinese balloon crap, right? <laughs> I suppose since it's 1962-65, we might not have any uh, information on that side of it, on the web, scanned in. We need uh, James Oberg to come and give us some images what our tracking balloon is for Mercury. Um, he does actually sometimes troll my videos, <laughs> and he sort of makes a comment, not a negative comment, more uh, helpful comments. Yeah, I just don't see anything there to do with the Mercury mission. Track and balloon, if we just type that in. Okay, it's all the Chinese stuff again. It's just crazy. They're tracking the Chinese balloon. That's how Google's reading it. Um, the search is not very clever. They definitely need an AI system, don't they? Perhaps we should use Bing. Uh, Jet. Uh, Jet. Uh, what is it? Chat GPT or whatever it's called. Anyway, uh, we'll move on. As we spend ages on that, trying to find it. And this just oh, minimize that. Oh, we still got four people watching. <laughs> Haven't bored you yet. Didn't want that. I wanted this one. There we go. Okay, so where did we get to? Uh, well, a balloon. Ejected from his capsule, so it must have been part in the capsule then. Is it's like a, like a waste product, you know, where it's got uh, wee wees in it, and they eject in the balloon, and send it down to Earth again. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Or does it have like uh, a, some information in it, and they send it down to Earth, and they pick it up? Tracking does seem to suggest um, that it has some vital purpose, right? Okay, so moving on, it's talking about May uh, 30, 1962, X-15 pilot. Joe Watson photographed five dislike objects. 
Uh, the story appeared to be a complete fabrication. Oh dear. The real pilot's name was Joe Walker. So we don't have too much information on that one, do we? Um, 19, uh, July 17, 1962, X-15 pilot Robert White photographed objects about 30 feet away from his craft while about 58 miles up. Well, that's not terribly high up. Um, right, and as he reported, the objects were small, about the size of a piece of paper. Well, that's pretty tiny aliens, and, and we're probably flakes of ice off the super cold fuel tanks. And that's what I told you. Rockets get this um, build-up of water, and it forms like a thin sheet on the outside of the craft, and it breaks away in orbit or in space, uh, especially when the sun heats it up, right? Uh, or you get vibrations. So, a sheet of paper doesn't sound like UFOs, does it? Okay, next one is Gordon Cooper. Uh, May 16, 1963, Mercury 9. Cooper reported a greenish UFO with a red tail during his 15th orbit. He also reported other mysterious sightings over South America and Australia. The object he sighted over Perth, Australia, was caught on screens by ground tracking stations. Cooper has recently denounced all stories of UFOs on his space. Has he? Space flights and as fabrications. Oh, you crap. Never heard that before, have you? Gordon Cooper admitting that he lied about UFO stories. Why did he do that? Uh, the men in black got to him. <laughs> uh, the multicolor UFO is based on a deliberate misquotation uh, by the author of Cooper's post-flight report on a sighting of the Aurora Australis. Not the, the other one, of course. Verdict fraud. Oh dear. See, that's something new I've never heard before. You never see that on a UFO movie, will you? Uh, or James Fox movie. October 1963, Mercury 8, Walter Scuria reported large glowing masses over the Indian Ocean. Hey, this one's on Darcy's one, isn't it? Mercury 8, is it? Indeed he did, referring to lightning lit cloud masses over the ocean. 100 miles below. Uh, the author of this story deliberately quoted out of context. Verdict, fraud, and note. Wrong date, really 1962, not 63. And Mercury 8 follows Mercury 9 in this reliable chronology. <laughs> Uh, so on to the next one. So yeah, um, was that the one in the movie? I'm not too sure. It was definitely over 
Africa. That's next to Indian Ocean, isn't it? Uh, let me just check that up. Like I said, um, I gathered all this information, but I haven't gone through it in depth, so I'm doing that now on the live show. Um, Indian Ocean. So it doesn't mean it might be the one and only uh, live show on this. Uh, there may be follow-up ones to come. Okay, obviously it's going to be somewhere near India, is it? <laughs> Indian Ocean. Okay, so where is it highlighted? Indian Ocean, there we go. And it's right next to Africa there. So, is it the same report? I'm not too sure. So, um, just makes you wonder how much research was done in the movie and fact-checked. Because I, I certainly don't recall them using information like I'm reading out now. So let's go on to the next one. Buskov Hood, two Russian customers reported an unidentified object just as they entered the Earth's atmosphere. Several hours before returning to Earth, the cosmonauts spotted a cylinder-shaped object they assumed probably correctly was just another man-made satellite. Such sightings were becoming more and more frequent as the number of manned flights and unmanned flight satellites rose. And of course, what a satellite's going to look like? Uh, probably white or silver, right? Or reflecting light. And it's going to probably be spinning and it's going to be pulsing bright and dim lights. Uh, or even red light, right? Because the sun does that. So we see that from the ground when people film International Space Station and other satellites passing overhead. Now, this is one has been doing the rounds in ufology for some time. Uh, June the 3rd, 1964, now we're on to Gemini 4. Jim McDivitt reported he photographed several strange objects, including a cylinder object with arms sticking out <laughs> and an egg-shaped UFO with some sort of exhaust. This is most uh, famous astronaut UFO case and has been embellished and extort uh, distorted in dozens of publications and of course we know this is uh, happens in ufology a lot where the story um, the initial story gets changed over time hey do I see Michael King how's it going uh, thanks for joining us a bit late to the party though but we're just uh, breaking down stuff here before we go into the movie uh, review of the UFOs in it. And I'm going to do some video analysis on it. Uh, there's a lot to cover. <laughs> but yeah, all this stuff is uh, interesting because it's the first time I've read this myself. And it's well worth having a read of this because you're going to come across it in ufology quite a bit. And new movies that keep recycling it. They don't fact check 
as claimed by certain people, which we're going to cover. Uh, this is the most famous astronaut case. We got up to that. McDivitt uh, saw a beer can shaped object, which he took to be another man made satellite. Some observers believe it was his own booster rocket and tried to take a few photos, which did not turn out. Haven't we heard that so many times? <laughs> a still from the movie Camera, which uh, McDivitt uh, insists he never touched during the sighting, was mistakenly released without the astronaut's review, showing what turned out to be a light reflection of his co-pilot's window, <laughs> according to McDivitt. Yeah, of course, we got some of that in this movie coming up. UFO buffs took this photo and acclaimed it as some of the best UFO photos ever taken, showing they claim a glowing object with a plasma towel. Uh, McDivitt never saw anything like that in space. Verdict, gross exaggeration and distortion on the part of the UFO writers. Also, the year is wrong. It should be 1965. So you see these ones on TikTok. Uh, we've got Gabba also promoting that one quite a lot. Uh, okay, so let's get on to the next one. I was just doing a quick check on the side chat. It <coughs> looks like it's going all right there. Hey, October the 12th, 1964. Viskov Probably saying it wrong. <laughs> One, three Russian customers reported they were surrounded by a formation of swiftly moving disc-shaped objects. This story appears to be a complete fabrication. Oh no, not another one. But UFO buffs cling to it while challenging skeptics to prove it did not happen. <laughs> uh, so it doesn't say too much because um, uh, it was a quick list and uh, looks like Oberg's added his own uh, bits to it, maybe. I don't know. But anyway. So it's quite a good base and then you can go back and see what information you can find it. Although we just found it's really hard to find some of the information on the tracking bullying. Uh, so yeah, it's not like I spent months and months searching non-stop until I got all the information. So this is why it's called a live research, a live debunk or whatever you want to call it. Um, and there may be more to come, which I said before. But uh, December the 4th, 1965, Gemini 7, Frank Borman and Jim Lovell photographed uh, twin oval-shaped UFOs with glowing undersides. This uh, famous photograph is a blatant forgery. Oh no! in which light reflections of the nose of the spacecraft are made to look like UFOs. Perfect for a Darcy movie. By airbrushing away the vehicle structure around them. Verdict fraud. Now, I didn't actually try and dig up all these images, um, but I've got some of the SDS ones to go over. 
so is this uh is this the same one no full 1978 so where are we going with this one so I'll look at the high quality ufo photograph guys love it <laughs> yeah it looks like a ufo with a contrail uh so what have we got here all oh, right this is the, this is the one famous mcdivitt ufo photograph actually a still movie uh still movie film which has been reprinted in dozens of ufo books and magazine it's only a reflection of the sun on the co-pilot's window yep and we see something really similar to that in the darcy movie analysis coming up all right, so, so what have we got here? We've got some other scanned in photographs, high quality stuff, great for UFO movies. Come on, James Fox, put it up. <laughs> Come on, Darcy, you can do, do some more UFO movies. Photo of nose of Gemini 7 with sunlit gleaming off it. Okay. Uh, can we actually see the nose on that? pretty crappy in it that looks like there's something in the darkness there doesn't it and if they airbrushed it out have they what in 78 were they doing airbrushing in 78 and uh, what have we got here which uh, with the help of airbrushing hmm that looks the same to me. <laughs> Are you seeing any difference, guys? I don't see any difference. Uh, maybe we need to find the originals. Lighten it up a bit, maybe. Uh, it's pretty crappy, isn't it? Uh, I wonder if we can find them. Uh, might do a quick search, I suppose. Gemini 7. So this is what really pisses me off in ufology that documentaries are being made of this kind of shit uh, videos, images claiming to be the UFOs and mixing it in with uh, talking heads and uh, doesn't do a thing for ufology, it doesn't do anything for hard evidence. Um, we're best to use new technology and see if we can capture the better images now and not keep digging up all this old crap which um, doesn't prove a damn thing this uh, takes money out of people's pocket right Gemini 7 UFO let's see what we get for that images okay looks very much like the mercury capsule doesn't it So, where's the uh, UFO pictures? <laughs> mm. You'd think something would come up straight away, wouldn't you? And this shows um, we're not going to get the image, doesn't it? I can't see that one we saw listed in the paper. So I guess um, we're looking 
for a spacecraft like that with a reflection off the nose cone here. I guess that's what we're looking at in the picture, but we can't see it because it's dark side of the Earth or something and bad photograph. Yeah, you think, I suppose it separates there, so maybe that part of it's gone. And you're only seeing that floating around, the black bit blending in with the blackness. Uh, you could photograph stuff out, couldn't you? Unless, um, unless it doesn't separate, but I don't know. It doesn't, doesn't make sense. It'd have to separate, wouldn't it? Because that's, that's a lot of mess here. Float around with the boosters, and then when they want to come down, they separate. And then it comes down. That would make sense, wouldn't it? But, yeah. UFO... Reflection. So, this, like I said, this is why it's a bit hard to uh, find stuff. It might be here, maybe. Could be that there, maybe. Zoom right in. Yeah. Yeah, it looks like we're not going to be able to find it. I probably have to put in uh what was his spelling of his name again? Uh let me just make sure the spelling's right. Uh what was his name again? Divot or something, wasn't it? Uh, MacDivot. 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 Okay, we'll just type that in, maybe. Photo. Maybe that will find it. Okay, so that's the guy there, is it? James MacDivot. So, what they're saying, that he saw uh, the reflection off the nose cone, they said it was UFOs, was it? Was that the one? Yeah, it's not coming up again. Let me see. There's that one. Uh, never touched during the sighting, mistakenly released without the astronauts review, showing what turned out to be a light reflection of the co-pilot's window. Okay, so the first one, but uh, what was the other two? Alright, that was, looking at the wrong one. Frank, Frank is Gemini 7. That's where I went wrong. Uh... That's the other photograph from those nose cone. Like I said, there's a lot of UFO sightings in space and they all have these crazy um, simple explanations, right? 
really, not really crazy, but simple explanations. Uh, UFO, let's see what comes up there. And uh, that looks like something. Don't know, it looks like a foreign, foreign location. What is it? Warsaw, somewhere like that. I don't know. Well, that's just hopeless. Maybe it's been scrubbed off of the web as being solved. Uh, let's see. Oh. Uh, you can see it's saying the similar things here. Uh, let's put UFO in quotes. I see they put dots in between. Google still finds it though. You can see it's definitely a lot of stories everywhere in different places about it. But are they telling the full story is the question. We ain't got time to go through all of the web pages and see how many shills are promoting it as a UFO and not actually telling the full, full story there. It left to 93. Wow. Daily Express, okay, let's have a look at that one. <laughs> I don't think it's the same one, but... Aurora Borealis, that's the other one, not Australia's. <laughs> yeah, I think I remember that one. Um, that did the rounds a couple of years ago, didn't it? So there you go, all of them are explained so far, but we can't find the photograph to analyse, so we have to move on. So yeah, uh, this is the sort of thing I do in private and try and get it all together so I can go through it quickly, but uh, I haven't had time to do it. If you're sleepy, uh, go and sleep. <laughs> uh, you might have to watch it after. You know, um, there's, like I said, there's a lot to cover. Uh, how, how long have we gone for now already? About an hour, is it? Yeah, about an hour we've been going already. Time just flies by. So this is the one we wanted. I suppose you could do a reverse image search and get the same junk though. Um, So let's get to 966, um, July 18, Gemini 10. John Young and Mike Collins saw a large cylindrical object accompanied by two smaller bright objects 
which Young photographed. NASA failed to pick them up on screens. The astronauts reported two bright fragments near their spacecraft soon after launch. Primarily, presumably, I mean, a pieces of a booster or some other satellite. No photos were taken. They were out of range of NASA's radar at the at this point. Dramatization of ordinary space events. So you can see how crappy their photographs are though. <laughs> Sixty-six. Um yeah, I remember all my childhood photographs after that point were pretty crappy uh, on slides and stuff slide cameras and you had to use a projector to see them they weren't printed on paper <laughs> uh, September the 12th 1966 Gemini 11 Richard Gordon and Charles Conrad reported a yellow orange UFO about six miles from them Yellow orange sounds like sunlit stuff, doesn't it? It dropped down in front of them and then disappeared when they tried to photograph it. Isn't that always the case? <laughs> the astronauts described the close passage of another space satellite identified by NORAD as the Russian Proton 3 satellite, but later showing it to have been some other object. The men got three fuzzy photographs. Hey, that's ideal for a UFO movie. <laughs> Which, much blown up, have never have been widely published. Have been widely published. But their eyesight accounts describe a solid satellite-looking object on a ballistic... Uh, what's that last word? Non-maneuvering... Newvin path. Uh, what's that mean? On a ballistic non-maneuvering path. Does that mean it's not moving in a curve? Um, does if it's satellite looking, it kind of sort of suggests maybe it's a Russian satellite or some other satellite they saw back then they didn't have all these uh, tracking services from NORAD I guess <laughs> and all these apps that you get on phone now okay moving on to the next one uh, it's not too long this this thing but it's good uh, seeing what's out there So, they're saying they photographed it, but then it says here, they got free fuzzy, which much blown up, have been widely published, but their eyesight accounts describe a solid satellite-looking object. Yeah, it would have been good to include the photographs here, wouldn't it? Uh, anyway, um, November 11, 1966, Gemini 12, Jim Lovell and Edwin... Aldrin saw 
four UFOs linked in a row. SpaceX, not back then. <laughs> Both, but then again, could have been um, satellites because uh, they sometimes were flying in formation. Both spacemen said the objects were not stars. Indeed, they were not. Since the astronauts were talking about four bags of trash they had thrown overboard an hour earlier, so they is that was that a deliberate, uh, yeah, deliberate uh, misquotation by a UFO book author? So they knew what they were. They were saying they saw the four bags that they trashed that they flew threw out of the spaceship. Um, not only not only recently did they stop uh, ejecting pee from shuttle missions before landing. Um, but they also ejected water into space uh, that they didn't need before landing. Uh, so all that's up there still. <laughs> I think, um, well, some of it will be up there still, but um, the P, I think, would have come down and burnt up in the atmosphere. Because gravity is meant to exist everywhere, right? It just gets weaker and weaker. So gradually it would keep on drifting down towards Earth, you would expect, unless solar winds knock it out further into space, right? Maybe years in the future they'll discover space astronaut P that's got some DNA in it and they can regenerate, clone the original uh, Edwin. <laughs> Imagine that. Another sci-fi movie. Buck Rogers. December 21, 1968, Apollo 8, uh, Frank Borman and Jim Lovell uh, reported a bogey, oh no, I've got bogeys, an <laughs> uh, unidentified object, 10 miles up, actually Borman referred to a bogey, boogie, boogie, on the first um, space flight three years before describing same pieces of debris associated with his spacecraft separation uh, so another great photograph especially for ufo people so what's it say here photo of the snowman ufo reportedly made by buzz aldrin in lunar orbits also described as a mass of intelligent energy in the science digest a series of pictures of this event appeared in a japanese magazine was widely publicized in america by bob berry 20th 20th century ufo bureau bureau I mean, uh, is that how you say it? Yeah, I think it is. And have now been entrenched in UFO folk folklore. Snowman. I think I may have heard about it before. So that's reflection of um, was boosters or booster. Great stuff. Huh? Uh, what's it say here? The forgeries have been widely printed. 
Yeah, snowman UFO photograph is a forgery. Okay, forgery. Uh, Apollo 11 film magazine F were heavily retouched to eliminate other reflections and it's been photoshopped <laughs> and accentuate sharpness of primary reflection of inner lights. So it's not a booster. They say it's reflection of the window, which is very common. As I've talked about those before. Yep, that one looks like there's not much said about it, so maybe it was a reflection of a window. But then it says space separation pieces here, so yeah, I don't know. It's kind of a bit confusing there. Moving on, uh, July 16, 1969, Apollo 11, ah, the famous Apollo 11. This was a mission on which a UFO reportedly chased the spacecraft. I think I may have seen that video, reportedly indeed, but not very accurate. Actually, several UFO stories have attached themselves barnacle-like uh, to man's first mission moon landing. A photograph of a installation fragment um, taken soon after third stage separation has been widely published, published uh, as a UFO. Yeah, um, one of them being <coughs> Secure Team. Right, Secure Team, the disinformation agent and proven hoaxer of hundreds of UFOs to make videos to sell to people and they still listen to his garbage. The astronauts watched their booster through a telescope on the way to the moon. A series of UFO photos allegedly taken by astronauts uh, Aldrin and Luda Orbit are actually forgeries by a Japanese UFO magazine an alleged astronaut radio conversation describing a UFO uh, ambush as a hoax. Okay, moving on. November 14th, 1969, Apollo 12 astronauts Pete Conrad, Conran, Alan Beam and Dick Gordon said a UFO accompanied them to within 132,000 miles off the moon, preceding them all the way. No, they never said that. They were joking with the ground control room about a tumbling piece of their booster rocket that was flashing in the sky. UFO bus completely misunderstood the meaning of the conversation and conjured up a UFO. On the way back to Earth, astronauts were puzzled by a light between them and the Earth, which turned out to be the reflection of the moon behind them. <laughs> On the night time, Indian Ocean below them. 
there we go uh, many other astronaut reports have been added to this list included including photographs from Skylab of a passing satellite distorted by some some somewhat camera artifact <laughs> from a pile of lunar flights movie showing debris floating around inside the cabin and from other Mercury and Gemini flights none when investigated with a appreciation of the actual spaceflight environment appears to be extraordinary or unusual although many sightings of passing satellites remain technically unidentified since the actual satellite has never been named nobody has taken the trouble to spend several hours of computer time researching uh, memory banks <laughs> uh, you, you can see a lot of time just reading this summary alone uh, the entire phenomenon of the astronaut UFO sightings however does explicitly demonstrate the carelessness and lack of verification among UFO circle eager to exchange the latest hot stories without any regard to authenticity or accuracy. Skeptics have claimed that this uh, characteristic is not limited to astronaut UFO sightings. The topic is not uh, with a is not one to watch UFO specialists can point with pride in their oh where, where's it gone to in their own behavior and standards of reliability this is a problem in ufology right a common claim is there is some sort of NASA cover-up never a straight answer or secret photographs or voice transcripts from space in fact every photograph taken by NASA in space is available for publication and can be inspected by accredited news media representatives there are tens tens of thousands of photographs that sure is there's no way to arrange public viewing and volume and volumes of voice transcripts are readily available at Houston although this was probably written before internet advances and data storage rights and web speeds and all that sort of stuff so a lot of it now is online and a lot of it's been scanned in 2005 wasn't it re-scanned in of course, um, the scanners produce artifacts with lint and scratches and fingerprints and all sorts of other factors, right? Um, often astronauts are quoted about UFO. Sometimes they are referring to experiences they had before or after their roles in space program. In other cases, they are making general statements based on reading the news media. Many quotations are fictitious. Only one astronaut claims to have seen a UFO in space and that is Jim McDivitt who uh, who stipulates that his definition of a UFO covers the probability that his object was some 
other man-made satellite which has not been identified. He does not think it was alien space vehicle. So there you go. And you can, you can do a lot of search around on TikTok and stuff and people just get suckered in. So this is what I said at the very beginning of this live show. UFO doesn't necessarily mean that it's alien. It means it's unidentified. Okay. Oh, that's that. Uh, there's a lot of stuff on on his site like that that really done um, write-ups. But it doesn't sound like he wrote that list, right? It says at the beginning. I'll post the link to it. It's a PDF. Uh, Michael King, it's rare I get to <laughs> watch you during afternoon. Love it. <laughs> yeah, but bit harder on me though. <laughs> yeah, who needs sleep? <laughs> I'll see how I go before I get um, neck ache or whatever. You know. Um, like I said, I've been here like two days uh, looking up all this stuff and finding all this great information, which um, I find very interesting. And that stuff about um, Gordon Cooper, uh, admitting that all his UFO stories were fake. <laughs> oh dear. Uh, how come James Fox didn't tell us that? It's, um, so let's just go back to that story because um, that's uh, quite an interesting one up here just to recap that one because everybody sort of puts praise on thing but he was a bit of a joker you know a lot of these astronauts joked around a lot <laughs> uh, I guess they like the attention right that's why they're in in space they like the challenge and they like the the status they got from it, right? So which year was that again? Uh, Gordon Cooper, here we go. 1963, it's even before I was born. <laughs> Mercury 9, Gordon Cooper reported a greenish UFO with a red tail during his 15th orbit. So yeah, he's been up there quite a long time, wasn't it? Yeah, what age did he die at? Uh, he also reported other mysterious sightings over South uh, America and Australia. The object he sighted over Perth, Australia was caught on screens by a ground tracking station. Uh, so it says here they, they tracked it though. So then it says here, Cooper has recently denounced all UF stories of UFOs. So this one here of the greenish UFO and red tail, it was probably a satellite, well, was it? If they tracked it on their screens, they, they would have investigated it, probably. Because they've they got to know if there's something falling off the spacecraft, which uh, makes it dangerous to land, right? So they would have been scrambling to try and identify it, and also checking all the sensors. Uh, denounced all the stories in UFO flights as fi uh, fabricated. The multicolor UFO is based on a deliberate misquotation, there you go, by an author of Cooper. Ah, oh, right, that was the Aurorus Australis that he saw. Ah, oh, there you go. 
But also, we know satellites do reflect the sunlight and also cause that sort of thing to happen too, which we've read on these other stories here. So just keep that in mind. <laughs> so we'll just move on. Uh, so some of the people that appeared in this um, Darcy movie are, you know, are meant to be on there for balance as skeptics. But to me, this Seth um, guy is a complete moron. <laughs> and this interview here um, proves it. And uh, there was another one here. Uh, doubts aliens have ever visited Earth, right? But you, you think, well, if he's saying that, then he's researched the topic as good as I have and to make that statement, right? So we just play what he says here. So you think if he can deny that UFOs ever existed, then he should know the ins and outs of all the major UFO stories. And it's not the case. I'll just hopefully play uh, playback here. Uh, Why is that? Reload. Fora TV. The Fora TV. Okay, I'll just skim through here. <laughs> oh and, and around holidays when the college is going break. And, and, and by the way, in two counties in in Britain too. By the way, we're not we're not going to talk. They're English speaking aliens, aren't they? Yeah. Well, apparently, well, they they make these nice patterns. You know, they would be good as maybe tile designers for your bathroom or something. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but they're not conveying any information. Perhaps intelligence that far exceeds our, our own capabilities. But that it, these aliens are not visiting us. Well, several things. It isn't impossible that they could be visiting. You know, right? A third of the public believes that aliens are visiting Earth. I mean, that, that's not you know, a, a small minority of the population. You know, one out of every three, some, some polls, one out of every two. You know, half the people in any room will think, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I thought it was more like 50%. And it's covering up, by the way. So, um... People love to think our government covers stuff up, and for its part, the government occasionally does cover stuff up right. to, you know, keep the, keep the game interesting. But my, my objection there is, is twofold. Ah, so he's admitted the government do cover up stuff. <laughs> Confessions of an Alien Hunter. So he's written a book. One, uh... Why are they here now? That, that to me is an important point because the Earth's been around for four and a half billion years, right? And they just happen to arrive now. We, we start seeing things in the sky, you know. Well, who's to say they've been arriving here now, right? So, you know, his argument just falls a bits, right? Uh, we know maybe 1940s uh, it picked up because the technology improved after the war, right? That doesn't mean they haven't been around for a long time. You know, in the very decades when we finally had the technology to put a lot of our own things in the sky, mm -hmm. that's a little bit suspect, I think. Yeah. Why now? They don't know about us. I think it's safe to say no aliens know about us because our TV signals, our radar, and all that hasn't gotten very far out into space. There's probably nobody's watching I Love Lucy yet. Not yet. So they don't know we're uh -huh. here. So if they're here now, wow, that's an amazing coincidence. So that's point one, you know, just on sort of... So... You know, radio signals. Who's to say that the aliens are using radio signals anyway? Uh, they're probably using light waves, you know, something communicating with pulses of light 
flashes of light between each other, a bit like signals on a ship. Who's to say they're using radio? <laughs> Who's to say they're not using some sort of technology we've yet to discover, like some sort of faster-than-light particle, right? Uh, and, uh, yeah, it's just making a lot of assumptions here, you know, just like the early uh, people from school, the teachers and... Uh, a museum curators would give a speech saying that no such thing as aliens coming here, but us would look at each other, uh, us kids would look at each other and say, "Hang on, how do you know how old they are? And they haven't been travelling through space in livable ships for millions of years and uh, colonising different planets as they go." So they're making they make assumptions uh, <laughs> that they couldn't be here, but they they could be. Uh, they could be on one of the moons or planets on on the outer solar system here and in the oceans right uh, which we don't know too much about so a lot of assumptions for a scientist to keep making claims right it's just that uh, it's low information zone again right we just don't know all the information so i don't see this guy as a really credible scientist at all it's probably worse than mick west in my opinion uh, theoretical grounds, if you will, it doesn't seem to make a lot of sense. But the real objection is something else, and that is, thousands of reports are made every year of things in the sky that people think are alien craft. It would only take one good report that you could stack up in the museums or or farm out to academia, and everybody would believe this is true. And yet, all these thousands of reports, there's not one good one. And to me, that's that's mm -hmm. significant. Okay, so would you believe that there's not one good report of a credible UFO sighting? Uh, that's stupid, isn't it? Oh, what's it doing? I'll just Hollywood close that tells down. Us time and time again. Uh, so now we're getting on to the Steve Cambian review. So I'll be doing a review of the reviewer <laughs> and all the stuff he claimed in it, and I will be um, looking at it in detail and seeing that his opinion is not scientific or professional in my opinion so so i'll try and prove that as we work through it all but yeah this is an interview of seth um he didn't even know that the army actually released the the news report about a line just crashed right <laughs> he, he totally has it all wrong now we'll just play a clip from Martin's show from Fair Use here, uh, just a wee, wee bit. What happened at Roswell that fits all the facts rather nicely, but of course... Uh, is that loud enough? All di different volumes. If you're convinced that aliens came to New Mexico and crashed, uh, you, don't, you don't buy into that. But, you know, there was some debris. The debris was identified by the people who were involved with this project mogul and they say yeah that's our balloon train but there are other people saying no 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 it was alien crash but you know if it was an alien crash why was it so limited in size and scope that you could throw it all into a truck and take it 70 miles down to the city of roswell i mean th those kinds of things you know that that isn't good if it hollowed out a crater 500 feet across and there was all sorts of debris at the bottom of it okay that's so um, we're meant to be covering the Roswell thing in depth again with Robert uh, when he gets all his information together. Uh, but you can see the thinking of this guy. Um, makes a lot of assumptions here and 
false claims, you know, <laughs> everything could be fitting in a truck. Well, how about uh, maybe they, they didn't tell you they carted off the flying disc and bits to Edwards Air Force Base or some other Air Force Base, right? And there may have been two crash sites even uh, we've heard the stories off, so who knows? <laughs> but why did they release a news report about a crash disc if it was a weather balloon? Surely people can tell the difference between the two, right? So uh, to me, it's this, this guy is just um, not the best uh, skeptic to have on a movie, is he? Because uh, he doesn't even know the basic UFO stuff to be able to debate it. Different, right? But I don't see that kind of evidence. Uh, I don't know. You know, I, I don't want to get into a Roswell debate with you, but no, I no. will tell you that, you know, the one thing that always has puzzled me about that is why on earth the Army Air Force at the time actually you know posted uh, a press release saying that a flying disc was found by them when if they did find something if exactly. they found a mogul the project mogul or whatever it was they found they didn't have to say anything there was no reason for them to say anything i, I just think that's a that's what they didn't have to say it was a disc did they well they weren't digging up a mogul what the project mogul was a, a project i know i know what it is i'm just saying okay. that even if they had found a project mogul balloon system or whatever right. that they had i know what that was you know supposedly for so they could see if the russians were doing anything in the nuclear world but um if they had found something like that why would they even put anything in the paper at all you know what i mean that that's just a bizarre well because we had exactly uh, martin's correct here hasn't he been in the paper because that story was out there and they had to respond to it. No, no, it was the Army Air Force that actually released the story first. To the know. paper. No, the paper came to them. Look, <laughs> this guy Brazel, whatever his name, he carries the debris into Roswell. He goes to the newspaper. He shows them this stuff. They say, what is it? He doesn't know what it is. I, so I, they follow I think you may be getting your facts a little wrong on that one. Except, <laughs> I'm not 100% sure, but I think you, I think you might have that one. So, so you're saying that the that the military called up the newspaper and said, "Run this story." Yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah. That's what's that's what's out there. <laughs> um, hang on, just so one minute. I know. Called, you're, when I, they I, were called, they gave an explanation, and at first they said it was a weather balloon, and they realized that everybody would know that it wasn't a weather balloon, so they changed the story the next day to a flying disc. No, they didn't. Right? Or maybe it was the <laughs> other way around. They had these two stories, and they were trying to. Uh, distance themselves from the story because, of course, this is a backwards. secret operation. <laughs> well, well. Anyway, uh, I didn't want I didn't want to go Roswell tonight, but that's okay. Go on, go Roswell. Anyway, uh, Seth, thanks so much. It's it's been a pleasure. <laughs> that's hilarious. Um, yeah. So the first report was from the the thing saying it was a disc right and then later on they said oh it's a mistake it was a web balloon and then they changed it to the mogul balloon right it, everybody should know that <laughs> um uh let's see i'm probably better i don't know if there's anything online you could even he could have been searched on uh who reported okay let's see who reported Roswell crash. Um, let's try that one first. See what comes up. 
Okay, it's come up with Wikipedia. Recently uncovered 1947 headline from long defunct. Okay, let's have a look at that one. CBS News. Where's the headline? I suppose we haven't got a picture. Mm. Oh, that's too much reading there. <laughs> I just wanted though, like a history of events. I wonder if his, uh, someone's broken it down for us. Closed. Was all closed. Has it ever been closed? <laughs> I don't think so. Um... I think the army released a press release to the newspaper then then published it right I think that was the first one uh, was it uh, what was it was it the army what they call it back then <sighs> probably have to read uh, the wiki page does it actually have a list Uh, it's not going to click it for me. Oh, it's going slow. Now this, this uh, the headline, right? Captures flying saucer. Uh, so they didn't call it a distant then, did they? They called it a saucer. Uh, published a report identifying the crash. Um, Object as a nuclear test surveillance balloon in 1994. But what happened before that? 47. Let's see. I want to break down. Let's see. On July 47, Roswell Army issued a press release stating they had recovered flying disc. Okay, this must be it. Uh, the army quickly retracted the statement and said instead that the crash object was conventional weather balloon and the Roswell incident was never widely discussed until the late 1970s when retired Lieutenant, Lieutenant Colonel Jesse Marcel in an interview with ufologist Stanton Friedman said he believed the debris he retrieved was extraterrestrial. So that's got to be the order of events, right? Uh, remember that thing I did? I did the memo analysis that he was holding his hand, and I think it said um, they took. Um, the disc to uh, what was it now Texas Air Force Base for further analysis that's what I read on on trying to decrypt um, the poor graphics re the high-res scan of it uh, I could be wrong but that seemed to fit and then later on it said uh, like it looked like a CV 
cover story maybe a keyword to use the story that it was a weather balloon uh, and it talked about um, sea and air services at the end of the memo but you can look at that episode I did on that and see uh, if you think maybe I've got most of it correct or some of it correct but anyway flying disc yeah so Seth I don't really like <laughs> and uh, uh, he talks about all sorts of other stuff that he knows dark matter exists on this episode uh, I'll post a link to it since we used it uh, you might want to listen to the whole interview there Uh, we're getting there, we're getting there, we're getting to the dusty stuff. And there was sort of covered the main subs suspects used in the movie. <laughs> Martin ex exposes Seth's lack of knowledge, basically. Uh, yeah, it's funny, he wasn't Googling on his iPhone there or whatever he uses. Ah, uh, sugar, sugar, you're still awake. <laughs> uh, I'd hope so. What is it there? It must be lunchtime. You, you're probably munching on sandwiches or something, are you? Well, if you fall asleep in the day, you'll be like me old old man. <laughs> he has uh, afternoon naps. Gets up at six in the morning, makes a load of noise when I'm going to bed. <laughs> has the TV on max volume because he can't hear. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Anyway, so yeah, we've got all the stuff to go through. Yeah, <laughs> all right. So, Cambian, uh, which I've had a falling out with uh, because, uh, as I said at the beginning of this live show, that I don't team up with people that I see as double standards and hyper hypocrites or hypocrites. <laughs> in ufology because uh, it's bad for your own reputation so it's best to steer clear of people that you find have tried to infiltrate you and bring you down from within and uh, we've had a lot of those people in the last eight years of doing my channel of exactly doing that you know we've had um, people that claim to have seen sightings and all that uh, have turned out to be devious types of people uh, namely, Tin the UFO man. He was actually on my side chat for a wee while. Wasn't paying any attention to what we were saying, of course. <laughs> uh, even though he was on the side when we were exposing Tyler Klockner for his leak of fakes that he did. Um, because he didn't care because he had him already on his website. Still at the time, generating lots of subs and extra views since Tyler deleted them. So I've had shills like that that infiltrated me, claiming to be um, working with other sky watchers or being credible ufologists, researcher when they clearly aren't, and just after clickbaits and uh, cash. And we've also debunked many of his sighting since and he's threatened to trying to strike me which I've actually got uh, the chats on that as well so anyone that comes along 
true tries to say they're a truther or debunker and turns out otherwise that they got double standards and they get kicked off uh, because my standards are much higher obviously but anyway we'll just go through this and uh, we'll use this as a base under fair use and uh, talk about it uh, so we'll just skim on past all the intro here so I'll just play bits and pieces here and skip forward uh, but it's a bit hard because there's a lot in this movie and there's a lot covered and not just about UFOs on various subjects but when it uh, so I need to get to the very beginning here it's one of the few places that you could go to before cable TV and streaming services and see well-produced, well-researched, well-filmed, well-edited, good documentaries. So every year my father would throw a couple of dollars at PBS because he really, really enjoyed documentaries. And, um, you know, one of my uh, memories of spending time with my father was watching those documentaries. And PBS documentaries gave me this view of documentaries, what they should be. First of all, they should be as truthful as possible, <laughs> you know, and secondly, they should be uh, informative, education. Oh, yeah, so we've had a lot of um, Moko documentaries on History Channel, and they were meant to be credible, right? So I'm uh, saying stuff that's um, credibly researched and credibly presented um, is... Uh, probably not really true i'm sure pbs also had lots of factual errors in their reporting uh, bbc does um, certainly um ufo rags have and um, they just care about the clickbaitness of uh, ufo sightings or whatever so um yeah, we'll just keep on going here. So if he's saying Darcy Ware is a credible researcher, uh, where he's backed up all his claims, I'm going to prove otherwise that's not the case. <laughs> so off we go. And also, certainly, they should be entertainment. Uh, they should be entertaining. A documentary is, after all, still a form of entertainment, but I think it is worlds above you know i don't watch very much fiction television so science documentary is entertainment mm. i would say vaguely <laughs> i'd say it's more on educational learning from it or it's meant to be right and you meant to take it as factual so if a ufa documentary comes out and says this is all backed up by documents then you expect it to be all fact-checked and uh, have um, video analysis guys tell you. And plus, um, all that that we read out beforehand about all those fabrications, uh, how many of the reports in the movie are going to be fabrications? Or something else, right? Misquoted. All right, so yeah, let's just keep on going. Television, other than science fiction, which I freely admit I'm an addict of, um, but I uh, really spend most of my viewing time watching documentaries and not just about UFOs on various subjects. But when you get into UFO documentaries, um, the, the usual 
expectations of a documentary often are thrown out the window. Um, many of the documentaries about UFOs and aliens completely out the window in most cases are simply garbage. They are not well researched. They're not well filmed. Up until recently, I'd say the last five or 10 years, UFO documentaries have historically been low quality garbage production, sort of, you know, indie. And now they're sort of high class garbage productions. <laughs> terribly filmed, not very well edited, bad sound. Um, I am encouraged to see that UFO documentaries have taken quite a step up in quality lately. Uh, however, the quality of the information... Yeah, well, I've seen a few UFO documentaries now, uh, even one with um, Lou Elizondo and... Uh, uh, what's her name? The, the newspaper thing. Uh, Leslie King. And even she's got lots of facts wrong, you know, talking about full streak holes, how they, they develop, which is untrue. <laughs> and uh, other claims, uh, she's friends with Dr. Greer straight away is like a red flag right off there. So, yeah, you always got to question everything, right? Everything you watch, you got to always fact check it. Don't take it as, oh, they've done the research, it must be true, uh, because it's not always the case. Information that they give you is often very, uh, let's just call it suspect. Um, people making statements of fact without any facts being in evidence and in, in to support those is one of those things that really bothers me. Uh, you know, quite often we'll see UFO documentaries and people are telling all kinds of fantastical stories. It, and we've seen it from certain producers of garbage documentaries that we've covered in the past. Um, I... Namely, third phase. <laughs> but they make millions of dollars out of it. So why do you think more movie producers pop along? Because it's a good money earner. Uh, from 100,000 to 300,000 people that buy it, and that's quite a good amount of money. Sometimes it by rental uh, or buying it. Uh, what is it, like $15 US? That's like $30 our money. 15 US, uh, so it would make millions of dollars, right? Uh, kind of am going to go and try to watch some other documentaries related to this topic and cover them here. Um, tonight, of course, uh, we are talking about secret space UFOs, fast walkers. And uh, this is, of course, something of uh, an interest of mine. For those unaware, the term fast walker is a code word. That has been identified as a code word, essentially, that the United States government and perhaps other governments use to describe UFOs in space. Uh, no! So, at the very beginning of this episode, we went through all the stuff I could find online from credible uh, fact-check sources, and it just means fast-moving UFOs, which doesn't mean alien craft. <laughs> doesn't mean unknown object. Uh, and this term has been found in declassified documents by the United States government and more. Uh, so the term is fast walkers. This documentary sort of plays off of that.
uh, again, it's called Secret Space UFOs, Fast Walkers. And there is a link in the description of this video tonight where you too can uh, purchase the documentary if you so choose to. No. Before we get into my notes, <laughs> uh, I have... <laughs> I have so many notes about this one. Uh, before we get into the notes... Uh, you haven't got all of my notes up there. <laughs> hey. In full disclosure, pardon the pun, I have to say uh, that Spooky, who once worked for us uh, here uh, as a graphics person, is also a very talented uh, video editor. And for this project, I'm not sure how much, but Spooky was responsible for editing. In this project but before anybody starts spreading yes before paul gets onto them <laughs> uh, so this is the problem i have with darcy where as you know uh, he worked with this clown secret space ufos another one but on rise of the tr3b and this clown here was half the movie <laughs> totally um if that was meant to be a credible piece on tr3b's it certainly wasn't and uh the other maybe made a major chunk on that was done by alien scientist who does good work but he's also been caught out promoting ufos that weren't ufos on his channel namely one that was like uh, three helicopters uh, flying over a city uh, lights and shining a light onto the ground and he said he was going to do a follow-up which never ever happened and i think lion's ground also outed him on that in a recent video he did and uh only took a wee bit of analysis on my part to identify it's it was most likely a helicopter and Alliance Ground had a better video quality than I did and noticed that there was a, a rotor, a, a tail fin of a helicopter on the last few frames of the video and also proved it to be a helicopter. <laughs> so, yeah, so this guy here on a trailer, let's play a bit under fair use. Um, Okay, just uh, skim some of that. Hey, what's up, guys? Tyler here with. <laughs> it doesn't make you cringe as soon as you hear that. What's up, guys? And they even playing his music. How come it's not pausing? That's, that, that sucks, doesn't it? Far from the only example of official space. Hey, that pauses it. But clicking there, it doesn't pause it. <laughs> uh, so. You know, he's, he's, he was um, talking about uh, TR3Bs. All of them ha I have debunked in it. As solar tube balloons, uh, artifacts on low-res NASA footages, and also a space shuttle toll, right? <laughs> and he keeps on using those ones. Um, so this is my problem, main problem with Darcy, that he, would, he went and interviewed this guy to add it to the movie after... I had sent him lots of, uh, before I sent him lots of stuff on Tyler, faking stuff, um, totally ignored me, and uh, still produced a movie with Tyler. 
So obviously he didn't have much content on TR3Bs and it was probably a bad choice of topic for a UFO channel. But I'm pretty sure there might have been more credible people out there that you could ask. Uh, even if it was to debunk TR3Bs in a movie. Imagine that. A credible producer producing something that actually puts doubt on the whole TR3B thing being alien craft or black ops craft um, the only thing that that was produced in that movie was done by alien scientists right and uh, he did a fairly good job in it but still just takes one shell especially the number one shell in ufology to put doubt in all the all your movies how much you researched or took it seriously uh, whether he was doing it for the field or for that his greater interest in finding disclosure of information on UFOs or just a cash cow. So I saw this as a cash cow. And uh, here's the regular talking heads. He normally has a few people like uh, Dolan who has been promoting fakes like um, the Wilson documents recently in alien autopsy stuff. And also Richard Doty and talk about issues about all right, UFO disclosure and okay, so there's, there's a very a Richard significant Dolan. argument. And this thing doesn't pause. And they, uh, what is this? TV Apple sucks. <laughs> all right, so Dolan uh, is a bit of hit and miss, though, isn't he? Um, He's, he, he talks about documents of people, what people said and stuff, but that's not really evidence, right? Um, it's like hearsay. Um, or they misinterpret it, what they they saw. It's a bit like that Donna O'Hare seeing a photograph she claimed, or, well, a video uh, that was being airbrushed of a cattle mutilation from outer space doesn't happen um, their cameras didn't actually film that high-risk quality to be able to determine that a, a cattle op uh, mutilation was happening back in those days and I uh, still they probably still don't now uh, they probably have to get that kind of quality images from and these uh, drone spy planes right we've seen some of those with the Corbell and the Heron um, the Q9, um, MQ9 images, right? And you can see how good they were. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, Donna O'Hare either got punked or she was lying. Uh, or misinterpreted what she saw. So, uh, all these other people that saw reports of things... Uh, that they shouldn't have, they may have misinterpreted it. So you always got to keep that in mind. And again, it's not solid evidence. Anyway, back to... So, anyone that's working with Darcy, uh, that's meant to be a truther, is a hypocrite, right? So it doesn't matter if you're an editor helping him produce a movie that's full of factual errors trying to generate cash flow for everybody's pocket 
and trying to sucker people in and on the UFO side of things to me is kind of disgusting especially using someone like Tyler but there's also Jamie M Musan or Hamie Musan as is, is how, how you meant to say it but um, on volcano UFOs there was no no um, balance in that whatsoever in that particular movie and uh, didn't have any debunkers on there like Mick West or Scott Brando even which are the main common ones, right? Uh, you've seen uh, the, you've, uh, the Proof is Out There TV show even had um, the so-called storytellers as, and then they pass it over to the, uh, the actual scientists that understand video technology like McQuest and all that sort of stuff they had on there and audio people and also... Um, Zoology people, where you call them cryptoidology people, that could identify uh, creatures and videos as not actual anything abnormal, uh, like fish, you know, uh, and all that sort of stuff. <coughs> so, so for Steve to defend uh, that his best friend or best helper on his channel. Is just perfectly fine to go and help uh, Darcy Weir produce uh, content like the TR3B and uh, and this current one, which has got a load of BS in it too. Not as bad as the other ones, but it still still has a lot of BS in it. Uh, it's just uh, sickening to me <laughs> as a person that is in the field to find the truth and. I used to watch some of these documentaries and believe it too, but I woke up, right, and I wouldn't waste my time on them anymore other than to expose the lies on them <laughs> or the bad research on them. Uh, John P., I like Stephen. Well, Stephen um, does do good stuff, but he also is a hypocrite. <laughs> you see what I mean? Like he has his uh, uh, things that he does find out stuff on, maybe because he uses a lot of other people and they send him stuff and he has them on the side talking about it. Um, he does do some research, but he doesn't do uh, everything in research. He doesn't fact check everything before he presents it. And this is an example in this review he's doing here. Uh, so I've just looked at it from a neutral perspective, right? So um, not totally throwing him under the bus. It's the same as Goofon. I don't throw him totally under the bus. He is correct on some of the things he says uh, about people as well as um, fakes and videos. But uh, a lot of time he's wrong too <laughs> because um, he doesn't do research. He doesn't keep up to date on... Um, phone technology. I, I doubt if he even knows about Roland Shutter and what it really is, and uh, Roland Shutter and motion and motion blur. Because uh, from what I've seen, he gets a lot of stuff wrong, but he also gets some stuff right. So, <laughs> but uh, Stephen's the same, and I've called him up on certain stuff he said in the side chat um, that never gets um, talked about. 
Uh, I'm, just, I'm just trying to think of some of the stuff that he said, which was wrong. Oh, right. He was um, saying that um, Paul Pilates he would like to interview because uh, he's got some interesting stories. And it wasn't until I brought attention to Pilates' uh, criminal history and uh, doctrine stuff that he then reported on the next live show. Uh, or a few live shows after, I believe, um, that information, some of that information, right? But I don't think Pilates would go on a person that busts people, right? Because uh, he would get busted on air saying, why did you lie about this and this and this? And how come this person's still alive and yet you wrote in there they went missing, <laughs> you know? Because uh, I think some people that apparently disappeared uh, did actually show up again you know and uh, yeah I did have covered that in past lives again as well if you want to go and dig them up I have actually a playlist uh, I thought Stephen was in the dock well I don't know if he is or not. <laughs> I don't think he is. I think he's going to be in the next movie from what I've heard on The Grapevine. Uh, I'm not sure if he's mentioned it publicly yet. But uh, I heard that he had a film crew over his house. So until that's public knowledge and confirmed solidly and he ends up in credit names of a Darcy movie, that would make him more of a uh, hypocrite, wouldn't it? So here, I think he's sort of defending Darcy's movie and Darcy himself, ignoring uh, the blatant shills that he did in past movies. That would be like uh, you could forgive Third Phase of the Moon for their documentaries, right? For having Stephen Greer on, right? If they change their ways. You see what I mean? It's like a double standard. You can't sort of bust the balls of... Um, some of their panel members they have on the movies, Dr. Greer, uh, Michael Schratt, and uh, Jim Goodall, and a few others, is it? Um, and then defend Darcy Weir, because uh, they're, they're the same fish. One might produce a better movie than the others. <laughs> It'd be more interesting than the others, but they're still the same fish. In the same ocean you know, so this is what I'm saying so this is why I'm staying clear of that because you remember Steve wrote a book on uh, Wendell right with uh, Carl Croft and as you know Carl Croft is um, what you call it stolen valor guy um, which we can find online this uh, Google paint boy paint ball warrior Carl Groff Gorov, or whatever his name is, <laughs> Gorov, I'm not sure you say his name, last name, but um, yeah, um, Randall has um, exposed him, so you could just type it in here, um, paintball warrior, okay, so Stephen has said uh, he made mistakes and didn't realize about the people he's working with, blah, 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 so I just pushed that to the sideline on that one. But then later he had the guy on talking about Roswell. 
So um, clearly, he wasn't telling the truth. Um, so yeah, he's still using the guy on on the air, right? So to me, that's a no-no. But he's not all bad, is what I'm saying. But um, you need to be squeaky clean in this field. Always. Like I have been. <laughs> I don't team up with anybody. Uh, I don't take lots of money. I don't get make lots of mega bucks from it. I just do it. I keep on doing it for the reason for truth and to expose the fraud and that so we can get to the truth, you know. Um, I know people got to live. Uh, and some claim they spend it on the channel. Um, and all that sort of business, but we don't actually see any proof of that. You know, um, they might just save it up and then spend it on a house, you know, that's exactly what, uh, obviously, um, Secure Team was doing, right? Paintball Warrior Korf, what's his name? Uh, Cole Korf, is that his name? Let's see if it comes up. There you go, straight away. Different perspective, Carl Croft, Paintball Warrior. And I think that's the same one uh, on, on the book. Let me just check it up. Because sometimes you can get the same, similar name. Cambian Wendell. Uh, Kof, I think it is Kof. I'll just try that. Could be. Um, have I spelled it wrong? All oh, right, here we go. CI conspiracy against Wendell Stevenson. Is that the one? Okay. Carl Colton Kof and Co. Uh, and author Stephen Cambion. So I think I got it right there, haven't I? Uh, did you know about that? I'll, I'll post uh, a link to those ones. But um, yeah, people can be forgiven, right? For not knowing that back in 2020. But uh, when was the article written? Because this really shows, so this was written in 2010, was it? So there's no reason for doing background checks on people that you're going to work with. Uh, so let's see, is it 2010? So 10 years prior, this story was about the same guy, right? So there's no excuse for writing a book with that guy other than to make money. And this is the problem I have in this field. So Carl wrote his last, this last week, heading back to Pakistan towards Afghan border. I will be out doing drills all day and a fast war exercise during, before taking off. Looking forward to this. Uh, he also wrote our war game exercise included a female Indian Sharpshooter, blah blah blah. 
there's so much wrong here that I didn't know where to begin. <laughs> he knows nothing of fire discipline. Spraying the area might look good in movies, but wastes uh, ammo. So they're pulling it all apart here. He does not understand firearm and maneuver, though he does understand that in that in paintball war, you can jump up and run forward, spraying the area. I doubt the Israelis uh, train will paint train with paintballs or learn to run and gun. <laughs> Why not? So sure that Cole was playing paintball in Prague and not commanding war games in Pakistan. Well, to show himself uh, the hero, he posted pictures which prove my point. As you see, Cole is holding a paintball gun, not a real infantry weapon. Not anything in NATO arsenal. Uh, it's a bit hard to see, but I guess you can sharpen it. Uh, so it goes on and on and on here. So we're not going to talk about uh, this guy. And all the comments there are quite good read as well. <laughs> but yeah, uh, is it called Stolen Valor, where you make up claims of being a war hero and all that? Stolen. Uh, okay, I'll just do stolen. No, nothing coming up. Uh, I suppose they might not use that word, right? But anyway, we ain't got time to read through that. We have covered that before, many years ago, right? But I'm just saying, yeah, it just, just takes how, how many seconds of research did it take to find those two articles and, and, uh, bring them up right I was going to post a link but you guys can rep uh, reproduce what I just did <laughs> and find the article to read or look at a past live show where Rob was talking about it uh, everybody likes Rob Farmer uh, so yeah this is the problem I have with Steve um, anyway and other things right and I, I just wanted to do sort of break away and uh, distance myself from that but um, I will help him out here and there for stuff if he needs it but um, I'm dis disappointed in this Darcy stuff and uh, spooky attacking me about me having two higher morals <laughs> in ufology but anyway um, moving on uh, we got some comments here. Uh, I think just uh, fact Paul does not lick anyone's bog channel boots. Maybe why? Maybe people are here. <laughs> um, like I said at, at the beginning of the live show, I said I didn't expect anyone to be around. Maybe some UKs might pop along, but I don't expect anyone in USA to be up at these crazy hours. Hey, look at me. I'm now at two in the morning and I've hardly touched this one. <laughs> so there might have to be a part two yet or I'll go right on to early morning. <laughs> um, so you can see why I just get annoyed. And we haven't even 
kicked in the really good stuff yet. <laughs> but as you can see, I'm trying to always back up what I say. And if I make a mistake on what I find on my name, that might be the similar name or whatever, then I will correct it later and apologize. But that's the way it should work, right? Um, I do make mistakes and, and I do correct them, unlike so many UFO channels that don't, right? So I'm not saying I hate Stephen, but I can see how people can want the greater good, but still get suckered in by so many people out there uh, and uh, want the, the money and the fame eventually, right? They might not say they want the money. But you can guarantee um, that they they would like the money, <laughs> you know, because Steve is always mentioning about why frauds make millions of dollars and he doesn't. We well, I hardly talk about money, as you know, and I don't promote the money every episode. Uh, I just post a link there and say, "There you go. Uh, if you want to donate, you can just go to that website." Uh, it's really up to people, you know. Uh, not really far, but we haven't really got into it yet, <laughs> but, um, yeah, like I said, I haven't thrown them under the bus, I just want less to do with them, you know, and, uh, some of the things he said behind my back sort of upset me, as you know, in the rant live I did, <laughs> which was a bit of fun as well, as well as a bit of mockery, um, but not... Not bad mockery, you know, not character attack and like uh, body parts or whatever, <laughs> like a certain other person does, because uh, I don't think that's really professional, but <laughs> I was just letting off steam because I was, you know, just annoyed so much about things that were said, and I forgot other things that were said about me, which um, are very hurtful, and... Uh, I could have easily presented them as well, but yeah. Uh, let them at least three fells, Shogun. <laughs> well, um, yeah, it's, you know, when someone says they research stuff and fact check it, and uh, they make mistakes and they don't correct it later, uh, that sort of upsets me as well, right? Uh, so yeah, um, better health, good, no drinking, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, Steve was on the drink, wasn't he, uh, there's always something to learn from each other, yeah, but, um, there's no respect in this field, right, um, <laughs> uh, Uh, yeah, this, you know, some things I can't say on here. <laughs> um, some things you got to keep bottled up, right? Because uh, it just makes things worse. Um, I didn't cheat on my missus once and then hope she'll give me a few more chances. Yeah. 
Yeah, I don't think Steve cheated on his wife. I think he's pretty much uh, solid there. But, um, yeah, ufology is such a... Such a... Well, ufology is toast. <laughs> it really is so bad. And uh, so many grifters in it. It's just... We're just not going to win getting the truth out there. So, you know, it'd be like me now going to work, uh, be interviewed for a third phase movie later, right? Uh, you would lose total respect for me. And I keep telling you that will never happen, and it won't. <laughs> I don't care how much even they offered me millions of dollars, I wouldn't be interested because my morals don't let me do that sort of thing. You know, I don't know how... Someone like Secure Team sleeps at night, right? Uh, for all the stuff that he's faked. And he's actually admitted to it, right? And I've got all the videos of that and admitting things, as well as all the things, or some of the things he faked. A lot of it happened before I actually started my YouTube channel. But um, Scott Brando's got a few on his Twitter page still that you can find. But I have documented some of those in some of the lives and given credit to um, Scott Brando for them. Um, uh, yes, I heard there were cams there at GIS place. Okay. Uh, fidelity is deep. <laughs> I'm not sure I'd handle a horn unless I cheat too. <laughs> uh, so you're talking about other stuff there. I uh, really appreciate your work. I don't understand why more people not here. This is an honest channel. Well, I tried to be. I, I, like I said, I don't... Uh, I'm not perfect. And I, I do have trouble reading stuff and... Uh, they get stuff wrong now, especially till my eyes are surgeried, but because uh, my immune system is stopping that happening, and the immune pills have been making me sick, and now I've been off it, I feel like a normal human again. So I know the pills are not good for me. <laughs> Anything to suppression your immune system can't be good, can it? Uh, what they need is a pill that targets your eye problem where they might be attacking the nerve endings or whatever. <laughs> I don't know. I don't stand all the technology behind eyes and that. I don't want to. I've got enough to understand and try and figure out science-wise and ufology alone. Uh, I'll leave that up to the doctors, but can we trust doctors to not to make mistakes? No, you can't. See? So sometimes I Google stuff um, and the meds I take and find out stuff they didn't tell you, uh, the side effects and all that sort of stuff. Uh, so yeah, uh, better get moving on. <laughs> so we'll just go down through Steve's review and then I'll look at stuff uh, independently. But uh, one I did look at, which um, I'm not sure if he talked about it, is actually on the trailer. But uh, we probably need to watch the trailer while Steve's here. And hopefully it's not copyright. And uh, go from there spreading rumors or anything like that. Spooky's only responsibility, as far as I could tell, with this film was some editing. 
Uh, oh, yeah, so Spooky didn't produce content or find images for the film. So what? <laughs> He's still editing a movie and getting paid from a shill producer, as far as I'm concerned, right? They're making money uh, promoting a shill like Secure Team on a movie just to try and get uh, ratings and uh, all his subscribers to buy it. That didn't happen, I don't think. Uh, people like free stuff. And most, a load of people that watch Tyler only got like 10, 10 minute maximum attention spans. They're not going to watch an hour and a half movie. <laughs> Spooky was not responsible for the uh, content, you know, the subject matter, the, the interviews or anything like that. So, um, you know, I'm just putting that out there. Spooky was involved in this project. Now, I'm sure some some. Idiot- well, he certainly attacked me on Twitter in the comments, <laughs> and they had it all totally wrong, which I covered in that rant one. So I'm not going to go over it again. It's uh, especially lying scumbags might say, "Oh, well, he he's given he he's given them a pass or whatever other nonsense." Uh, so the scumbags here, so that's probably including me, is it? <laughs> Used to be scumbag goof on, right? Yeah, so to me that's like double standards hypocrite right there. Because he is given a pass, right? And if he starts fil- um, doing stuff inside the movies as interviews, that makes him a total hypocrite in my books. And we're yet to get that confirmed though, um, but... Uh, we'll see what happens in the future, right? Why would you want to be in the good books of Darcy? Where? In the first place. After him interviewing Tyler. <laughs> you know? Tyler Klockner. Heck, that's not that's not forgivable. Um, no. Uh, since Spooky's only responsibility was uh, editing, as far as I know, you know, uh, my tongue is not tied. Uh now, will I talk about the editing? Maybe, uh, but there's really not much to talk about. It, it was well edited. Um, and as far as I understand, Spooky didn't do all of the editing, just a portion of it. I don't know what portion. Um, somebody can correct me uh, if they are aware. Uh, See, again, it's all low information, so <laughs> we don't know the full facts. But he did say in the comments to me that he, he was part of doing some editing for it as well which again to me um just uh, i just find uh, double standards now if he was editing another movie that uh, was credible <laughs> like another documentary there wouldn't be any problem but how could um people just give a pass for Secure team being in one of Darcy movies. Now, we're not even talking about all the other shills that he's had in the, the movies. We're just talking about the major one here. Um, the other ones just add more and more to it, right? Um, so, let's keep uh, However, going. the entire film was produced and directed by one Darcy Weir. And... Uh, so, Darcy Weir produced it. So, that means he must have... Uh, in Britain, so he must have done all the interviews right and uh, found all the footage and but why didn't he get it checked out why didn't he do a simple search online to find 
uh, that article that I found from Obuk. Why didn't he include that in the movie? <laughs> Which then puts doubt on lots of, of all the other sightings in the videos as misidentifications or something natural. Uh, or camera artifacts, which we read quite a lot in that article there. And of course, the space, uh, the astronauts didn't say UFOs. It was um, mainstream media that uh, decided to change the story up a bit for ratings, right? Um, so we've always got to do thorough checks on this stuff. Uh, Darcy has produced many films, some of which uh, I really liked. Um, and some of which I didn't like so much. So I'm going to try to be as fair as possible um, with my total review of this. Um, so so um, he does a fairly good job here, Stephen. I'll say that. But he got lots of it wrong and used his opinion. And that's the bits I want to cover uh, just to fill in the extra bits. Uh, the code open the, the film opens uh, talking about the code name Fastwalker, which was used by NORAD, North American. You know, they're responsible. NORAD is responsible for everything in our skies. Um, and that term, Fastwalkers, was used by NORAD to designate UFO sightings. Well, as we read, it was also um, those three observation things were using radar as well as telescopes so so that um was uh what is it dsn deep space network uh deep space network and more red i think they're probably working together obviously so it's collecting all information and combine into like metadata uh, so there you go there. <clears throat> uh, that's a good point. What does it mean? <laughs> I think I might have skipped over that. North American Aerospace Defense Command, which uh, we know is not too far away from Skinwalker Ranch. So, um, yeah, let's just put that in. DN, DSM, Deep Space Network, wasn't it? Work with NORAD. They've got to. They have to. They must get information from them. Who works at NORAD? So they're not the only people looking for stuff in the skies. It's unique about Canadian and American interceptors, personal and assets work together seamlessly. Uh, we need like a flow chart. <laughs> uh, Who is, let me just see, um, DNSA, let's see if it comes up, NASA Deep Space Network, okay, Do, they must work, um, 
And they said they work with JPL. Connection. Okay, let's try this then. Connection to NORAD. Like I said, it can be really hard to find all this kind of information. And a quick live search here. Yeah, there's all sorts of things I should have probably looked at to add into my live show tonight. There's only so much you can do, right? Uh, I thought it might have said there. What is the data source name? I think that's talking about programming there. <laughs> Okay, so let's uh, try this then. Does NASA work with NORAD? Top secret. <laughs> NORAD and uh, US NORTHCOM routinely provide military support to NASA shuttle launches. So that, that obviously proves they work together, right? Ensuring airspace safety, uh, safety and security for launch landing. Enforcing the FAA's temporary flight restrictions zone. So there we go. They must work together. Does NASA track Santa? <laughs> a Santa track tracker. That would be a good code word though, wouldn't it, Santa? Because uh, that's meant to be like um, something in the sky, right? Uh, we keep on going. What's this here? Uh, turf Wars. <laughs> Erupts over Santa tracking. Uh, has sparked a turf war between NASA and Pentagon. NORAD does not appear to be thrilled with the situation. <laughs> uh, so I'm not sure what kind of crap we're talking about here. NORAD satellites have been spotted, spot, have spotted Santa on the truth path. So that's all sorts of crap here, isn't it? Uh, NORAD, NORAD protects a variety of national assets across the nation on any given day. AF North works with NASA. So what's that? It's got NORAD here at the top here. AF North. What's that? Air Force North? Uh, NORAD Dubai National Command responsible for air defense of North America airspace. Support will consist of fighter planes and US Coast Guard helicopters enforcing the TFR. Uh, ANOF is made up of Operations Information Command and Control Specialists and Supports Personnel who understand, focus and employ DOD's unique capabilities. ANOF works with NASA, DOD installation, US military surface. So there's a whole shebang there, right? Uh, NASA's media service goes on and on yeah anyway sounds like they all work together right so and they must share data 
beings entering Earth from outer space. So these are very specific, according to the term fast walker. This, these type of UFOs, fast walkers are, the term fast walker is specifically used as a designation for UFOs that come from space and enter. No, we just read that was in, in that Wikipedia, but maybe you can find more references to it. What is meant? I think there was some uh, movies even where Goofon appeared in it, right? Uh, some documentaries where one was called Fast Walkers or Dreamland or something. They're talking about Fast Walkers. And of course, that's got to be a scene in the skies, right? Rather than space. Meant by Fast Walkers. At pace to get various definitions of it. Uh... More red, let's see. Okay, we got movies. Uh, again, another movie, movie, Fast Walker. Again, looks like it's got the link to what I had. Um, motion that UFOs travel fast, originally a code word created by NASA. It doesn't say anything about space. So, as usual, NASA, uh, NORAD was more focused on below, what was it, 22,000 uh, miles uh, where the satellites orbit, the DSP satellites orbit, right? So, is that really classed as deep space? Not really. Uh, that would be like... Um, outer space maybe I don't know there's all that terminology out there or inner space <laughs> uh, here we go that's uh, another one that's got the same definition coming up here so no no mention of space there so I'm not sure where Stephen got that information from obviously it can refer to fast-moving objects in space as well as in air but it's not just designed for space by the looks of it Uh, so again, more movies about it, but we're after definitions. Uh, has it changed over the years, maybe? Just to verify it. And it's all selling documentaries, right? Fast walker UFOs traveling over 20,000 miles per hour. They're called fast walkers. Travel speeds well over 2,000 miles per hour. These UFOs, mere streaks of light. Okay, so that's on the Geek Shop. <laughs> Don't know if you can trust that too much, but probably can. That sounds about right, doesn't it? Uh, code word used to classify UFOs approaching if, which doesn't mean alien craft. I, I just unidentified, right? So that's on alien agenda but it's on a movie database and it's part of the summary of whatever the producer used there right which uh, again could be wrong approaching earth from outer space you can see where things can go wrong in entering that atmosphere 
Well, it didn't say that on these other definitions, but technically it is right. There's a space and atmosphere, right? But you see, you just got to keep looking up these things and double checking because over time, uh, UFO people have uh, adjusted what the pilot, uh, the air pilots say, or the astronauts say, or the original story, you know, embellish it. Um, so which one do we go with? You see, see what I mean? Maybe you can someone do a search and find maybe a foyer request. Maybe uh, the Black Vault uh, has a foyer that actually creates a definition. In fact, that probably might be a good place to actually look for the definition and see what it says there based on the government's meaning, right? So I'm not sure. The Black Vault is always a credible source of information on foyer requests. And I don't think uh, he's teamed up in S.H.I.E.L.D. with people, but he certainly has had interviewed S.H.I.E.L.D.s on his show and sort of befriended some. So do we let him away with it? Well, he's not really well-versed in the ufology side of things, I don't think. He's more of a foyer request man. And uh, I think he just wants to put in some big names on his channel to get more traffic as well, you know. They all do it, you know. They all sort of dive in deep there. Would I have Linda Moulton Howe on to interview? Uh, probably never would happen <laughs> in the first place, but unlikely I would want to interview her because her mind's so open that it falls out. <laughs> Uh, Black Vault, Fast Walkers. Uh, he's probably got a whole section there, probably. If I can... There we go. Black Vault here. You know, it's probably going to be buried in lots of documents that you have to do lots of reading on. Um, which, uh, in this field, we haven't got time to get through everything. But yeah, I might have to put Fast Walkers in quotes there, maybe. And also depends if it gets uh, indexed by Google, of course. Here we go. Let's just click on that one. Let's have a look. Oh, well, we've got a couple of PDFs there. And it doesn't give us much. <laughs> okay, let's just open up one of them. And you can see it's 113 pages, so... Uh, is there any way to search that? Yeah. Uh, I suppose you have to do it with the control F, is it? Fast walkers. Okay, something's popped up. How many references? 12. Okay, we can handle that. Objective and scope. That sounds like something that's official, doesn't it? Um, Space, uh, space satellites tracking and characterizations, non-imaging uh, passive sensors. Okay, so what's it saying? A comedy called. Okay, so let's just read out this one. Satellite-based sensors looking down at Earth. Okay, there we go. Occasionally observe reflected light from an object passing through the image. 
which again could be anything right it could be like a, a meteorite or asteroid with the sun bouncing off it which is moving too fast relative to the ground of the image to be located within the atmosphere so it's a streak uh, these objects are commonly called fast walkers uh, so I guess this is the correct term then isn't it the term refers to any orbital object seen passing through the field of view of an earth observing sensor which is suspected of being an orbit our objective of this uh, thesis is to do, develop a method to determine the orbit of these objects from a sensor in a highly elliptical orbit and geostationary orbit and then match them to an object in the Air Force Space Command. So, yeah. So, that's not a bad document there. Uh, let's see what else. So you can see what I mean. We've, we've now looked at different definitions and how um, it can be interpreted differently each time. This is the sort of thing I do, you know. <laughs> I always uh, double check things and, and then just put up all the various versions. So here it talks about slow walkers, right? Those are those, those are the very old UFOs. No, <laughs> I'm just joking. In your request letter, you asked for the following: a copy of all Air Force regulations, procedures, and manuals, either percent or pass, that reference fast walkers or slow walkers. For further clarification, your request for NORAD and US Northcom, which we just read about, regulations. That reference the term fast walkers and sky, uh, slow walkers. I'm thinking of Skywalker now. <laughs> After performing a search of our systems of records, we found two responsive uh, US Northcom documents. Upon the view of the response documents, we have determined that they are currently and properly classified in accordance with executive order, blah, blah, blah. Sounds like a government document, doesn't it? If you're not satisfied with our commands response on your case, you may ministry, uh, administratively appeal. So they rejected it then. Just need NORAD is exempt from FOIA request. <laughs> there you go. That's why we can't find much information on what are these anonymous objects and how many are um, meteorites or how many of them have been an unknown Chinese or Russian craft, right? So it got rejected there. <laughs> so this is what I mean. Is that on the movie? And here's another one. Let's just have a quick look at it. See, and this is why I like Black Vault. He does uh, some good work. So he can be... He can... Be forgiven for having Linda Moulton Howe on there, <laughs> talking about space debris, because um, he wasn't promoting it for money. He was trying to verify something, which is fair enough. I guess I can let that slide. <laughs> but uh, if he had security on there, he'd be history. 
because security team is uh, unless he's going to ask him the hard question and uh, get security team to admit everything uh, he he would be toast because then uh, he'd, if he's all friendly with him and starts saying yeah he's a good guy now he's committed to things which is untrue uh, he hasn't he's only admitted to one thing <laughs> Uh, only because he got caught out really badly on it. Um, then, yeah, toast is what I say. <laughs> but I can't see um, him ever having a security team on, or third face for that matter. But, yeah, there are exceptions uh, where you can let some things slide, uh, of course. Um, but, yeah, security team is not one of them, <laughs> as far as I care. And that's why I want to keep away from that. Uh, people that uh, think that's okay, right? Uh, so, uh, what's this one about? These objects known as fast walkers are creating a suspicion that some uncatalogued objects may exist or are being cross-tagged within the data. Makes sense that um, they would call UFOs a different word, and we heard about UAP, but maybe they call them MUAPs, right? Because uh, chat GPT come out with that word. So, yeah, um, you'd use like code words to hide stuff in plain sights, right? In plain sights, so your FOIA requests would never find it. Um, So obviously they might not use a fast walkers much in documents now, right? They might have a new word for it, because <laughs> that would make sense. But as they said there, uh, it doesn't come under FOIA requests anyway, which uh, is a bit sad. And this is a problem with America and all the cover-ups, you know, right? We want the truth and we're not going to get it. Uh, are we still live? I thought I heard some strange noise there. Let me just uh, check Google. Uh, excellent condition. Uh, we got one watching. Okay. <laughs> Who's that? Is that Shogun? I reckon we got one. Uh, one there as well. Yeah. Have you all fallen asleep or gone to lunch? <laughs> so, yeah. The, like I said, the good stuff's going to come up. But, yeah, it was worth uh, just checking and see what happened in there on Black Vault. Like I said, there's a lot of research in this that uh, needs to be done. Earth's atmosphere from outer space. Uh, I do have to say right off the bat that this documentary includes many historical documents. And uh, I took note and just said historical documents included very good research here. So often some of these documents... Um, what would the G-forces as it enters atmosphere at 20,000 miles per hour? Is this, you know, since we read that, because that's a fast walker, is, um, miles per hour. Is that uh, Mach 20, is it? There's my science brain kicking in again to max speed. Let's find out if it tells us. Speed of sound, 26. Mac 26. Uh, that's pretty damn fast, isn't it? So, how would people survive, or aliens survive at that speed? Uh, unless they slowed right down uh, at a reasonable deceleration, 
humans could survive that too, couldn't it? But uh, not passing a camera close to orbit to Earth, no, nah. <laughs> unless you went flying past it again. So, yeah. Uh, what was that thing I was going to say? Uh, G-forces. Uh, I wonder if it will tell us. How do you click G-forces? 230 miles per hour is 33.7 feet per second. Uh, acceleration due to gravity. So we probably have to read up that. <laughs> okay, so it was G-force. Uh, 5 G-force and miles per hour. We can look at that one. And then go from there, I suppose. 190 miles per hour. <laughs> so that's really low down for 5Gs there. So we'd have to scale that up by a factor of 10 at least, wouldn't we? Uh, that's getting up to 100. So that'd be 500G force. Really? Uh, have we got it right? Uh, let's see. One of its got a calculator because that would make it really easy just plug in the number without having to do all that mess in your head that uh was it three in the morning now no getting there well, i was talking about banking and additional things there when a calculator so we don't have to think too much G-force calculator. Yeah. That made a funny sound there. Probably best to ask Jet GPT. I'm not sure if you can have it live on there though. That'll probably tell us straight away. In fact, that probably help with research actually. I should start using it more. But it only, it only gives you limited information if you don't pay a subscription. Everybody wants money, right? Oh, here we go. Oh, God, look at this. Uh, final velocity. That's too many inputs. <laughs> yeah, too many inputs, man. We want something simple. Acceleration. Oh, God. No, no, no. It's too much. <laughs> too much for this time in the morning. Linear motion, that'll do. Keep it simple. Okay, is it simple though? Uh, let's see. Start speed, end speed. Okay. That's a good question. Well, let's say it goes from 0 to 20,000 miles per hour. Let's see if it works it out for us. Uh... I don't know. It's asking for time here. Do we need that? Can we calculate without that? No. <laughs> now let's say uh, typically in the sky. Let's try zero hours. Uh, let's say how fast would you see it in the sky? I'm talking about the navy stuff. <laughs> um. 
let's say in one minute, zero seconds to see what it comes up with. Calculate. There you go, 15 G's. Wow, so there you go. Uh, so what happens when you tweak up the times here? So let's try two minutes, calculate. Aha, uh -huh, the G's drop. Uh, 10 minutes. Down to 1G. I suppose that's the time to accelerate, right? So let's say it's doing 20,000. Let's see, we'll go the other way. 20,000. And then it comes to zero speed and stops. Let's see, we go the other way. Negative 1G. <laughs> well, that makes sense, doesn't it? So let's say 16 Gs. Um, I think the maximum uh, is a few seconds at GeForce. Eight is it or nine? How many G's can pilot handle? Let's have a look. I have looked at this information before. Eight, here we go. Fighter pilots can handle greater head to toe G forces up to eight or nine G's and for longer periods by wearing anti G suits. These specialized outfits use air bladders constrict legs and abdominal during high G's to keep blood and thing. But I think it's only a certain amount of time. Uh, how long for? Uh, it's always more questions to ask, right? Uh, let's see, does this one tell us how many? So if, if it can do, if the pilot can handle 9Gs with suits constantly, then that could explain why something moving that fast could still have someone inside it, right? This is what, what I'm thinking. If they found a better way to control the effects of G-forces while you're accelerating, and then it's possible that humans could be inside such craft. And all for length of time. Of course, how fast does it get up to the max speed, right? And then, then you'd have constant G forces, then, wouldn't you? But like on a plane, you know, you feel it when you're going up, and then when it's an uh, flight path, then it's just like you're on the ground, right? But you're still moving that. Uh, how fast do planes work in the sky? About 500 miles per hour or whatever. Oh, 300 plus length of time. Does it tell us on that one? Uh, so you've got to keep the blood in the upper body. So there's other problems here because you want the blood to be even in this, inside a UFO, right? Or craft like, like a UFO. But yeah, we got a bit sidetracked here, but it is interesting stuff that needs to be researched. Maybe a future live show again. Now we've seen it on these movies where they're diving down 
on the movie it looks like a four minute at high g-forces and they pass out right and then they wake up when uh, they level off or whatever uh what's that one a uh, top gun or whatever it's called so how many seconds is it a poop bag ah right there you go <laughs> Uh, here, okay, a quick snap to 10 G's and back to 2 for a second is better than a quick snap for 5 and holding it for half a minute. What are they talking about there? <laughs> Aerobatic pilots that's talking about here. Okay. So 5 G's and holding, so that's how many G's they put, not 5 pilots. But it's still only one, fifth, uh, one third of what we need for those craft. But I think um, maybe it's doable. I wonder what research they've done into that better than G suits. Uh, maybe they've got some other way in doing it now. Or maybe some chemical they inject into the body. Uh, so they've got oxygen going to the brain. Yeah, anyway, we're getting sidetracked there. <laughs> um, another future live show, perhaps. A deep dive into science of G-forces. Documentaries will just cite a, uh, a document, and you don't get to see it. Now, the documents are included in the documentary. They're shown on the screen. They're very clear, easy to read. So if one wanted to, you can make screenshots of those historical documents and find out more. I find that to be, uh, they did that very, very well throughout this entire documentary. They included... Well, how come they didn't do it for the stuff I found? <laughs> and also finding documents of what people said, uh, like Dolan, doesn't back up um, other than what they said. Doesn't back up what they saw may have been misseen, uh, like I said earlier. Like they may have seen uh, a report of something coming from outer space and going orbit and only got part of the story when it might have been a, a, a space test flight, uh, maybe Secret Space Force. <laughs> maybe they had one back in the 1980s, 1980s. That kind of makes sense, the Reagan era, because he was talking about Star Wars and all that sort of stuff and aliens being a threat so kind of everybody kind of thinks why would he be coming up with that they must have known something right so i'm not saying there's no such thing as aliens and ufos obviously uh not being uh, non-humans as they call it um so that you know there's a good chance that some of them were But again, I always maybe older te technology back then because UFOs had to probably improve uh, their craft and designs and maybe science and cloaking as well. Maybe they didn't have cloaking back then. Maybe they didn't think they needed it. But once they encountered humans and 
there's claims of humans firing at them and maybe they added uh, some sort of defense capabilities right so there's all sorts of theories you could throw out there <laughs> and maybe you can be lucky and actually find some information they might have post uh, posted and piece it together i think alien scientist does a bit of that all kinds of historical documents mentions of fast walkers you can see that just like we did with black vault there <laughs> that this documentary was very well researched so maybe i should make a ufo documentary and just um, post up all the different things too well actually this is a like a documentary <laughs> or maybe a um initial research phase for a potential documentary <laughs> The, the real truth about uh, NASA missions <laughs> or something, you know. Secret space, fact or fiction. <laughs> this isn't just people saying things. Here's the documents that we're talking about when we say the United States government has this code word, fast walkers. Here's the documents from NORAD that were declassified to show that, yeah, they have this term, fast walkers. Um, yeah, so we just verified they do in some documents and, of course, um, the refusal to even do a search on it because it's not part of the Quest system is pretty sucky. <laughs> but you think um, if Fast Walkers is mentioned in other documents or emails, then they should release them, right? Maybe that's what those other documents were then. The film begins with a May 14th, 1973 incident during a Saturn rocket launch, uh, which was carrying the first space station into orbit. Oh, before we get into this, the other thing that I just have to say is, you know, growing up, I built uh, a lot of model rockets and things like that. I followed NASA, uh, the space shuttle launches, the ISS, Sky, you know. So um, Saturn launch, was it in that list that we went through? Um... There's Mercury, Gemini. I don't think I read anything in about Saturn in that list that we read out earlier. Um, the first one he reckons in the documents, Saturn um, launch. UFOs. Don't have anything pops up. Uh, see, um, that didn't pop up, so we probably need more information to search that one. Um, list of space ships, uh, yes, let's see, we got a list, okay, here we go, uh, list of shuttle ones, here's every spaceship, space.com let's have a look at that one uh, 
Mercury 62 has to be the first ones, right? Uh, we think about Mercury, Gemini, Apollo, and then Space Shuttle. So Saturn launch must be part of Mercury, is it? And uh, the spacecraft was actually called. So let's have a look. Uh, Saturn. Saturn. Yeah, it looks like it's a name of just a rocket, but not actually program. Saturn four. Uh, what um, NASA program was it? Saturn four five. I mean, uh, super heavy launch vehicle developed by NASA under the Apollo program. So starts off with Apollo one, which is not the earliest. Uh, so yeah, we need to know what mission it was. Saturn. So, uh, Apollo UFOs. So it's got to be on that list that we read, I think. Uh, Saturn V rocket was used for moon landing, so it's Apollo 11. So we know there's a lot of UFO things, so yeah, he hasn't said there. But we'll see. Oh, everything that I could in the history. Um, and this May 14th, 1973 incident surrounded Skylab, which was 100 tons. Okay, so 1973 is saying there. Let's have a first listen. Um, American uh, space station. Um, it had 10,000 cubic feet of space in it. It was uh, so Apollo. Let's just put that one in. So this is uh, where Stephen should have done a better review there and actually put up images of these particular UFOs <coughs> on the screen. Or just even a snapshot, or even a snapshot from the movie on the screen. Apollo, because anything to do with NASA is public domain, even if it's on a movie, right? Apollo, UFOs, Skylab, let's see what comes up. You can guarantee it's going to be a chunk of ice that floats past or debris, you know. That's a UFO, man. Out of space, uh, UFO non, no longer unidentified. Uh, so we need Skylab. So is it this one here about the two astronauts that we've already covered? <laughs> Jingle bells. Oh no, that's something new. Uh, Skylab.
doesn't really sort of pop up with anything. 1973 is said, so I'll just add that one in. Skylight was launched, there you go, 1973, that's what he said. A Saturn INT21. Uh, the Skylab incident. And nothing about UFOs, right? So that's that's kind of strange. You think something would pop up in a search? Uh, yeah, it doesn't sort of say there. Oh, here we go. 73. Experiments. Article on supposed UFO site during Apollo 11 mission. I think, uh, again, Osberg debunks these UFO claims. We already covered it. So, again, the first UFO uh, has been exposed. 73. I'm pretty sure we did, actually. And this... Uh, so was that put in the movie then? Uh, no, obviously not. But yeah, how come we're getting a load of garbage here? All oh, right, let's put it. What the hell is that? That makes it really hard reading. Uh, yeah, I'm just trying to think which one in that thing we read out first. But again, it says it was solved. So why is that not in the documentary? Yeah, it's got a lot of dates there and it was all over the place. <laughs> yeah, they might be uh, look like individual articles. Um, just makes it too hard to work through that. Um, let's go lab patch. So this is time-consuming research and. I guess someone's got to do it, you know, and actually give more of a balanced view on the claims in the movie, right? Uh, you think there'd be lots of references to it. Obviously it was garbage, right? <laughs> it's already been solved, so no one's talking about it. But Darcy Wearers, obviously. <laughs> and Stephen now. Uh, so, uh, what was that one with the two things? That was the nose cone reflection, was it? I suppose I should have kept it open so we could reference back. But it doesn't matter. Um, Let's just keep on they going. Used Skylab to study long duration space flight on the human body. This documentary includes an incredible amount of very, very well researched and good <laughs> historical detail into yeah, good stuff, these events. You know, not just saying, hey, uh, this thing, you know, this NASA flight, there was a UFO, here it is. They 
they sort of explained to you what Skylab was about. I appreciated that uh, because Skylab served as a, a lab. sort of orbital. Let's um, see. Sky is in the, in the sky. A lab in the sky. Oh, what they do in labs? They do experiments. <laughs> observation platform and scientific research space station, the first one of its type yeah, launched by on, the Stephen. United States. They had special optics on board Skylab to study the sun, oh, really? the moon, Today. and more. Um, and Lasers. astronauts who went there would study the sun, the Earth, uh, in ways that were never possible before. And the water droplets in space. That. <laughs> uh, so getting into the UFOs of that event, while passing over Africa, there was a bright red object that was oscillating ah, between one. bright and dim every uh, every 10 seconds. Um, so we read that was um, in the article of James Oberg was Indian Ocean, right? Which is next to Africa, right? Um, wasn't that a fabrication? of the story of the original information uh just trying to remember what it was now uh, uh it was a satellite wasn't it reflecting the sun was that the one and they thought it was a russian one and it turned out it was an unknown so yeah it's hardly a ufo uh, they said it was similar shaped and short, right? doesn't sound like an alien would fit in it. Um, but visual content was lost after... Visual yeah, contact right. of that object was lost after about 20 minutes. Uh, and this is, in, was included in NASA documentation that supported the sighting. So... Yeah. But uh, you didn't read what Oberg... Uh, additional information was presented there though uh, what it was most likely uh, but yeah it's definitely documented that they uh, did things yep but where's the conclusions <laughs> we've got an excellent story here that includes the NASA doc documentation Oh, and before we get fully into this, uh, also one of my pet peeves that I can't stand when people make documentaries is, did you know that sometimes on YouTube, if you play the trailer to a film or a movie, you get a copyright claim? Yeah. Which I think is that. absolutely ridiculous. If people yep. are making films, they should want people to review them, talk about them uh you know do, yeah but do. darcy weir doesn't want criticism <laughs> no one wants criticism because it's bad for sales but then will it stop people buying it no they still will buy it to check out for themselves but at least um they might have some knowledge of what to expect in it and uh see call it bs if they want to but um yeah would they bother spending the good money on it? I suppose they might waste two bucks renting it. If that's what it cost. Uh, or wait till it's on Sci-Fi Channel, whatever it's called, <laughs> over in America. Uh, do Netflix. videos about them. Why should you not be able to play the, the trailer? In this case, I checked and I will not get a copyright claimer from playing the trailer for you. So before we get full headlong in, um, I want to show you the trailer 
Uh, and again, we are reviewing Secret Space UFOs Fast Walkers. It doesn't matter if you get a copyright claim anyway. It just means you won't get any advertising money for your three hours of hard work, Steve. It <laughs> uh, shouldn't be a problem. You keep the super chat still. Here we go. Some uh, music, that's the problem. Uh, here we go. So I'll just uh, we'll pause it and whatnot myself true then there's something very special about earth and the people on it and all the other uh, flora and fauna on it that sounds like seth uh, which we talked about earlier <laughs> i'm getting it all wrong about roswell events right and if you say that there's something really yeah really special about earth <laughs> in order to support your hypothesis that we're the only clever things around. You know, if you say something is a miracle, you're probably not doing science. So this Tehran pilot that almost... Bob MacGyver? <laughs> um, so, um, yeah, let's just check up on this guy. I don't know too much really about him. Uh, obviously, a skeptic is it? Doesn't make the movie credible though. Bob. Have I got it spelled right? What's that kind of name? German? He's from Paperclip. <laughs> there you go. Look, he's mentioned there, so it must be him. Uh, what's his bio? Uh, let's put UFO. Uh, I guess they didn't put up that much information on the movie or the trailer at least. <laughs> Bob Lazar's come up. Hey, I didn't say Bob Lazar, did I? <laughs> um, let's quote that there. Jim Goodall. Yeah. Okay, so he works on SR seventy one, but still hangs around with Blake Cousins. And now he's hanging around with uh, Darcy Weir. And tut tut. Scientist Bob McCry. So he's a scientist. Explains the UAP reports. Do we really need to have it explained? The U.S. government doctor Bob McQuaver, McGuire, whatever his name is, and Christopher TikTok video. <laughs> no thanks. Uh, Science Bob <laughs> uh, on TikTok. UAP triangle photograph. Is the founder and technical advisor of Hawkeye three sixteen. Serves as a technical director of Federated Wireless. Is that the same one? Chris Bledsoe. It has to be, doesn't it? Uh, so he's a scientist. So they got a scientist on there. Bit like Seth, right? Uh, this is another thing with Stephen. He went on Space Out Radio, which is a known 
entertainment channel that doesn't actually um, that just promotes woo for entertainment, right? It, and uh, you can't trust anything on SOR to be credible, right? So why would you want to be credible by going on Space Out Radio? Doesn't make any sense to me. Again, this is another thing with Stephen. And again, that just shows that maybe he's just trying to get more views and subs and uh, more money out of it. Uh, again, uh, why would you lower your standards to go hang out with Dave Scott on SOR, Spaced Out Radio? It doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever. And you got to remember, he's promoted a lot of shields, uh, Spaced Out Radio. Uh, probably everyone under the sun, right? But anyway, that's getting sidetracked, okay? <laughs> but I'm, d I'm just saying why I don't want to be a part of that anymore because of things like this, where there's double standards. I'll keep to my own Truthology channel and not to mingle with other so-called Truthology channels. So yeah, that's all we found, there's two pages of his name with UFO on it. Professor, researcher, alien disclosure. Aha, it's a scam site. That's probably, uh, yeah, there we go, PL. Probably crawled it from another website, got it into search engines. And try to get ad money from you by clicking through. Or implant some Trojan on your system. And TikTok. No, I don't want to play that. I just wanted a simple thing. And uh, see where. Maybe we can find it from there. Movie database. There he is. The culprit that's smiling because you're making him rich by buying his movies with Tyler Klockner on them. <laughs> oh god, has he done all those? That's, that, that's like someone that sees UFOs all the time. He's a serial movie maker. Unbelievable. <laughs> See all. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen. All oh, right, stays up here. <laughs> seventeen. Well, we can confirm that. Uh, seventeen times. Let's see. Um, I, I, I don't know if we can find out what the average UFO movie makes. How much? Well, if it made, let's say you made a million dollars and you paid out a lot of that to all the talking heads and the movie distributor and you get half, uh, the quarter of the money, that's $200,000 times 17. That's not too bad going. Okay, uh, let's actually look that up net worth of Darcy Ware. Have we got any information on that? 
is worth four million bucks. I find that a bit hard to believe. Uh, but yeah, that might be right though. Let's see. 17 times $250,000, so he makes from it, is, where's the calculator gone, <laughs> $4,000,000, there you go, well a bit more actually, did I say, I said times, yeah it kind of makes sense doesn't it, okay, Google normally comes up. Oh, here we go. There we go. Same number. Four million. There. There we go. We confirmed it. Wasn't a bad calculation I did there in my head. Estimating it. Saying that he made a million. So that means a hundred thousand people buy it worldwide, which ain't many, for ten dollars. Uh, so there you go, hundred thousand. Well, it's actually probably less than that. Less buy it and more rent it probably. So probably say uh, maybe fifty thousand buy it and the rest rent it. Oh, what we more than that? Uh, the rest fifty thousand buy it and probably two hundred thousand rent it. Anyway, this uh got me interested. So we're actually trying to find out about the scientist. Uh, the people in it should be something there, shouldn't it cast? What's heaven there? Uh, how can we find out? How do we get to it? <laughs> uh, God, i got so much to do. Uh, how long have we been going for? Ages. Could be an eight hour string this one. <laughs> um, the sun will be rising time I go to bed. Three o'clock. Can my brain last that long? I suppose it can be. Um, credits. Director, writer, editor. Get your name and print there. Spooky. Uh, so I suppose we've got to click on one of the movies. Okay, click on that. There we go. There is name. Okay, let's see what that brings up. Zero. <laughs> this normally has a bigger write-up, doesn't it? Um, Uh, let's see, add bio, so we've got no information on him. Oh, well, that's worth a try. Well, we know he's a doctor, scientist. Uh, that was something I, I found in the search, but that's not part of the movie, but I thought it would be interesting to talk about that. If we get time, might have to pass it on to another live stream tomorrow, maybe. Maybe after rest, another nighttime live stream. Who knows? It's possible. Part two. All right. Uh, this is the one of the images from the movie on the intro, which we're yet to watch. So we get to that now. 
crashed his F-4 back in the 70s in Tehran. That was an incident. Their government should care about it. This is uh, Steve Bass is like a... I don't know. He was really bad in the other movie, Volcano UFOs. He was like a rambling... Uh, lost his mind, ufologist. <laughs> Precedent stuff. Nothing like it, even remotely, has happened. Is requiring. Got to remember, he worked with Dr. Greer of all people. So that all of the entities that could have intersected with this issue. So you notice they always got music in the background on these. Right, which is basically all the entities in the park. That's generally where you get the copyright claim on. Need to supply copies of all the non-disclosure agreements that are in their files. Yeah, as if they're going to do that. Are the government going to release all their files? <laughs> oh, dear, dear. So, uh, yes. I suppose he's going to break it up now. Of the story. Um, in other words, you know, uh, some of these people involved in this film are, are real believers in an alien intelligence and presence on Earth. Um, but nicely, Seth Shostak is also included to be a little more rational, a little more skeptical voice. <laughs> and I thought it was incredibly refreshing to see that return oh. to let's let's give you the whole story. Let's. He's the worst person you could include in UFA documentary. We talked about Seth and all the stupidity of him. Statements he was making. Uh, so we just want to move on a bit. So this is a genuine UFO, meaning they don't know what it is. Completely unidentified. Seem to exhibit intelligent control as well, which is another sign that this is not space debris. This is not you know, yeah. ordinary terrestrial objects. Apparently they were... Uh, so ice um, can move at all sorts of crazy angles. Um, but yeah, might just talk about that later. Just keep uh, on going. Phil mentions there's four photographs taken with 35 millimeter camera, 300 millimeter lens, and they give the frames and you can look that up. You can go see photos of this. Anybody, you know, I've said this before, the mark of great research is that I can go after the, the researcher and... Hey, that's what I did, and I exposed the lies. <laughs> ...find the same results. So in the case of this first case, they present... You find the same results, plus more. <laughs> and it's very compelling. There is a genuine UFO. Here's the frames. You can get the, those from NASA, I believe. Uh, so when people start saying UFO, people naturally think alien craft. Um, so is Steve being uh, honest here? Is he saying it's an alien craft or is he saying just an unknown object? Which could be debris, which could be ice, and it could be uh, another object like a satellite, right? Or camera artifact even, um, which we'll be looking at some stuff. Um, and interestingly, there's a little bit of a conspiracy about this because NASA, they, they tape all, everything that happens on a spacecraft is at least audio recorded. In other words, the conversations between the astronauts. So there's a bit of a conspiracy about this UFO sighting because NASA says that their channel A taping system was not active during the UFO encounter. 
In other words, they weren't recording for some reason, the astronauts' conversation while they were viewing this UFO. But the recording system was active, according to the astronauts on the mission. So this is quite, uh, you know, it leads some credence to the, the claims that people make that NASA actively covers up. Yeah, uh, so I'm um, not sure what number one he's talking about there, so we can look it up, but... Um, was it that one? This Tehran pilot that almost crashed his F-4. No. Um, so uh, we we start the film. This film starts with this first sighting uh, from May 14th, 1973. And again, it includes documentation from NASA back. In yeah, so uh, I really should have kept that document open. Iceberg one about the uh, 1973. I wonder if I can find it. Yeah, I should be able to. Let's just refresh our minds. Uh, there was something about the recording uh, mentioned, I think. Uh, is it there? No. Um, shame you can't do it simpler. Oh, I could take it from the side chat. I think I posted it, didn't I? I uh, should be able to search on that. Oberg. Let me just... Uh, it's a couple of hours ago now. <laughs> uh, was it not coming up with anything? Oh, right. Uh, no. Uh, is it, maybe it was before... Um, not sure uh, what search it was. C and D, Canadian. Oh, here we go. Let's just open up that again. Let's see, 1973. Let's see if we can find it again. <sighs> 63 I think it was in here 64 68 uh, Apollo 11 69 as we got the right year Booster, booster. Uh, camera artifacts. Skylab. Here we go. This has got to be the one, isn't it? Strange squiggle photo of Skylab is probably. A film or camera faults since crew testimony and other photos show this was a brightly point source, clearly a near nearby artificial satellite. Uh, so that must be the one. Indian Nation, that was the one, was it? Many other astronauts' reports have been added to the list, including pictures from Skylab off passing satellite distorted by some camera artifact. 
So we haven't got too much on that one. Uh, but there was something about no recordings taped of it. Maybe it wasn't in that article then. Okay. I must have read it somewhere else. Uh, did I keep a link to it though? I have got uh, various things here about various people mentioned in the documentary and the videos to look at. Uh, what was that one? Uh, hopefully I've got the right link there. <laughs> um, yeah, we've got various numbers there. That really helps. Uh, so... Yeah, so it sounds like the Skylab one was explained. Picking up that uh, a UFO sighting took place again, refreshing. Look, we've got there's some evidence here that we can show you to support what we're telling you uh, that while passing over Africa, a bright red object was oscillating between bright and dim every 10 seconds and visual contact was lost after 20 minutes. The documentation to support the sighting is included in the film. Uh, that's very good. Another thing that I noticed... But it doesn't include <laughs> what it was for analysis, right? Uh, I, I am a music... Or what experts, because um, they would have had to analyze it in case there was parts fell off the... And the, the rocket and stuff like that to make sure the pilots are safe, right? So they would have analyzed it. So why are those um, explanations omitted then? Position. I have very good ears, and I just was on Dave Scott from Spaced Out Radio's oh, uh, show. Uh, Dave Scott did some of the voiceovers and read some of the astronauts' original conversation, and then so words, even... there was a text doc. Even Dave Scott is working for Darcy Ware. <laughs> There's a whole shebang crowd. Doesn't matter that they, um, doesn't matter if he worked with Tyler Klockner and other shells. No, that's all right. It's all right to make some money off him as well. Document um, that I suppose Darcy found uh, that was a conversation between the NASA astronauts in space and, and ground control. And they reenacted that, uh, and Dave Scott was the voice of one of the astronauts. Just, just a weird thing that I noticed. But I see so again. Why not just put up a few photographs from the documentary of that? You know, and it should be okay um, under copyright, fair use, right? Especially if it's NASA footage, which is public domain. So you should be able to put up at least some of that documentation on air here when you're doing a review <clears throat> i thought that was nice to me it was like an easter egg that they <laughs> dave scott from spaced out radio was the voice of one of the astronauts an easter egg a easter egg i wouldn't have thought it was an easter egg myself <clears throat> i thought bingo <laughs> that makes more sense than anything <clears throat> 
which I thought was uh, he did a good job. And it was nice to hear that conversation. Maybe he was like a cheap um, narrator compared to other people that they could have used, right? Because that History Channel one that does all the Discovery Channel ones probably charges a fair bit, probably. Station recreated. Uh, I thought that was incredibly well done because uh, they could have just read the document, but they gave a nice recreation. Um, and so what we find out about that sighting is that there was no known satellites. And from the documentation that they included, there was no known satellites, orbital, or, orbital debris, known space trash anywhere near the Skylab during this incredible UFO sighting. And it was well, that's not what we just read, was it? <laughs> so, yeah, um, maybe that initial document said that, but maybe they adjusted it later, right? Also confirmed, that sighting was confirmed by NORAD. So this is a genuine UFO, meaning... Which could be space debris that's reflecting light. <laughs> they don't know what it is, completely unidentified seem to exhibit intelligent control as well, which is another sign that this is not space debris. This is not, you know, ordinary terrestrial. Um, intelligent control. That's a word they always keep throwing in. But then in space, you got all sorts of things that can move an object, right? Um, you got Skylab. How far would that be up? That would be fairly high up, wouldn't it? What orbit was Skylab? Probably the same as International Space Station. Uh, orbit. Um, how far up was Skylab? Okay, let's find out. Skylab, um, what's that say there? How do we read that? <laughs> 400, that's not very far up, is it? And of course it fell to earth, and that's why you got to do thrusters, right? <clears throat> which causes things in space to move. Um, solar radiation. Uh, far away do you get solar radiation? Okay, I mean distance. So there's one strong unit. I don't think. Due to radiation of some Earth distance, the whole radiation intercepted by the Earth varies 3.3%. Now that's the distance, not the height. <coughs> Uh, what height? Basics. <laughs> There's always a lot of science reading you have to do. 
solar solar energy calculator electromagnetic waves okay so let's see if you had like a floating panel in space right and you had like a, a, a whole bunch of micro meteorites which you don't pick up on camera suddenly hit that panel it's going to spin and it's going to change direction right so there is ways to explain how debris can move in space that appears to be under intelligent control this is how i'm thinking it right so it's it's like um making assumptions again But also thinking about solar radiation, depending on what distance it is, whether it could hit hit it like a solar cell and actually move it. Uh, but yeah, uh, that we probably have to leave for another time to search that out information. But yeah, we always got to be questioning everything, right? We can't just believe everything's going to be an alien craft or some uh other country spying on us but which that could have also been a possibility right it could have been like a um satellite that had boosters on that they could change directions and actually just spy on what was going on in space that would probably make more sense wouldn't it uh, but anyway just just carry on real objects apparently there uh, the film mentions there's four photographs taken with 35 millimeter camera 300 millimeter lens and they give the frames and you can look that up you can go see photos of this so why Anybody, didn't you put it up now you know, Steve? i've said this before the mark <laughs> of great research is that i can go after yeah and why didn't you look up those frames and see what other experts had said about them you know this is my problem here the, the researcher and find the same results so in the case of this first case they present it's very compelling there is a genuine ufo here's the frames you can get that, those from nasa i believe and i'll just give um, you some possible explanations for what it could have been as well <laughs> and interestingly there's a little bit of a conspiracy about this because nasa they, they tape all everything that happens on a spacecraft is at least audio recorded in other words the conversations between the astronauts so there's a bit of a conspiracy about this ufo sighting so could the tapes got wiped because uh, in the article i got at the end here it talks about how they wiped the first moonwalk <laughs> tapes because back in the old days they didn't have a lot of storage and they reused tapes the same as bbc did um they lost a lot of the old classics like Dad's Army because they erased it for putting on new shows before the technology improved. So NASA obviously did the same. Uh, so maybe th those tapes had got erased. Maybe they haven't uh, got a, a copy of it because um, they had to reclaim some stuff from broadcast which um i might have time to read maybe not this live stream but maybe a follow-up live stream but um 
yeah, who knows? Uh, they might have thought it was being recorded and they were talking to, to a microphone. That's happened to us on live shows and you think people were hearing you and you've actually got the mic muted. That's happened quite a lot with Gabba on my live show. And uh, think, oh, you've got it recorded. No, because uh, no, nothing come through. So mistakes do happen. Uh, but yeah, of course it's conspiracy and cover-up. <laughs> That's the first thing ufologists dive to right no, not not everybody because nasa says that their channel a taping system was not active during the ufo encounter in other words they weren't recording for some reason the astronauts conversation while they were viewing this ufo but the recording system was active according to the astronauts on the mission so this is quite uh you know it leads some credence to the the claim so um, we'd have to look at the equipment and see how any mistakes could happen. Like, could it be simply a light bulb that had gone out uh, or turned on and jammed on, which they thought was recorded when it was actually not? You know what I mean? Um, it's all sorts of possibilities there, but using that to say NASA lying and covering up, uh, it's just not good enough, you know. Claims that people make that NASA actively covers up UFO events. Next, uh, Richard Dolan enters the film. Oh, and, uh, I got a lot of uh, bad things to say about Richard uh, we Dolan. We said about Dolan uh, before, you know. Um, he's a UFO historian. He has done some good work, but uh, he sort of lost his way of uh, the alien autopsy and Wilson documents and claiming he's got uh, top secret documents, which if he had, he would have been raided and arrested probably, but by now. So obviously that's BS. So yeah, we got problems with Dolan. So let's just skim past Dolan. <laughs> Search pathway. If you're interested in this case with the Simone... Mendez, you can find the documents, you can find documentation about this specific point made in the film. Next, we get into something that I love, which is DSP. And DSP stands for De Defense Support Program Satellites. Uh, a lot of people are not aware, but most of the satellites in our sky are not civilian. Yeah, so we covered DSP and uh, all that at the start of the show. Um, and we looked at the, the how far up they are, right, and all that sort of information. So what they class as uh, deep space and all that sort of stuff. And it was 22, I think it was, 1,000 kilometers. And NASA ground-based stations can go to... Uh, on various bands by uh, S-band could get to the moon, right? But also their detection could only go a certain way. Uh, I think it was 10,000. Anyway, you can wind it back <laughs> and uh, see the information that we covered. They're military. I'm getting too tired to remember. Many of them are what is called DSP, or Defense Support Program Satellites. And in this moment, I thought that Dolan did a great job. He talked about, again, Mm, did I misquote it? Did I say space program or something? Well, anyway, I was probably was thinking of the other one, the NASA one. Despite what, I, look, I don't space like the network. guy talking about 
fake stories with no evidence. When he started, he was very fact-based. He looked at things. Uh, so, yeah, we said that ourselves. 70s, the 80s, the 90s. So he's not always wrong. <laughs> 70s. Every one of the cases presented in this documentary includes new information. At least it was new to me. I did not know some of this stuff. So there's a famous UFO case involving Iran, and we've probably all heard the story. Uh, I'm pretty sure we've done our dash on that with Robert Farmer. Uh, but yeah, uh, the claim was that it comes from deep space, the object. Now, I haven't verified that myself and all that. So I didn't think it was necessary to check on that one. We'll just skim on. Documentary. Um, it should be noted that during the event, this UFO from the Iran sighting was first picked up by these DSP satellites, and they termed it a fast walker. In other words, the same UFO that we've all heard about from that Iran sighting was actually picked up from space entering Earth's atmosphere from a United States Ooh, we're defense. We're going to five hours satellite. already, and we haven't really That's in yet. <laughs> this is what I'm talking about. If you're going to talk about an old case, you know, it gets really boring if you're really, it's probably the fault of us UFO dorks, right? We're too into this stuff. So we've seen all the documentaries. We have all. So Steve's a UFO dork, is he? <laughs> a UFO believer. The books, you're going to talk about that. When I, when I saw that they were going to talk about this, this Iran UFO sighting, I went, oh, here we go again. We're just going to hear the same yeah, story. Yeah. We've heard a hundred times. Uh, so... Uh, that the U.S. Air Force got involved with the Iranians, which okay, the Iranians were already. And uh, here's bit. another thing that I will say in in glowing support of this documentary. Oh no, they glowing support. Include an incredible amount of historical footage from NASA, both from the ISS and yep. from and I will space go shuttle missions, all that historical and from, uh, footage. I think from uh, Saturn V rocket launches and other things. Also, uh, there were some excellent animations here of the International Space Station and other things. Oh, yeah, you got to have some uh, And one other point <laughs> that I'd like to make is one of my pet peeves with documentaries, especially UFO documentaries, is they tend to be jam-packed, just jam-packed with stock footage, right? It's like you get a narrator and... Uh, so, so they got someone that wanted to make some little emanations. So what? <laughs> uh, let's carry on. Okay, so people are speculating that aliens are responsible for us not getting in a nuclear war with the Soviet Union. But do you have evidence to support that speculation? And no, it was just a sort of offhand comment, but kind of bothered me. It's like, oh, okay, uh, the aliens are making sure we don't get in a, in a war with the Soviet Union. Come on, bro. Like, that was, uh, but, you know... It is what it is. I like... So he's making excuses for including non-factual stuff, you know. People making statements with no evidence to back it up. <laughs> UFOs don't want us to fight. Mm. They haven't done much in Ukraine then. Jim Goodall's work on the SR-71 Blackbird so much because it's my favorite airplane. Oh, yeah, so it was Jim Goodall from Third Phase. No wonder he'd be making claims like that. Plane. 
So, uh, but when it comes to just throwing out statements like the aliens are stopping us from getting in a nuclear war. Yeah. So that's another reason that Jim Goodall shouldn't be taken too seriously other than uh, working on the SR-71. Had direct involvement in space programs and secret programs and things like that. So when that guy says there's a number of cases involving UFOs, he said, that are classified and kept secret and hidden from the public. Well, that's a true statement, because even from a defense perspective, they would certainly classify things. You know. right, so there's half-truths mixing with actual statements. Uh, really, why is that included in the documentary, then? That's meant to be totally factual, because it makes good for gullibility of people to buy it saying oh so and so reckons this houston this is discovery we have an alien spacecraft that's what he says uh allegedly yeah right, so um we read that astronauts like to joke around and even make up stuff right we read it in that uh, report at the beginning so yeah um where's the code word <laughs> you know so kind of very suspicious that one alone that he's making comment on there now nasa has denied it was an astronaut on the same channel uh, uh so there you go so there's some ham uh, radio that was transmitting on the uh, what band it was probably s band probably uh, what bands do they use? Uh, S band, X band, is it? <laughs> L band. Uh, they use various bands. Um, but unfortunately, there wasn't enough data there to do a voice print analysis. So that one yeah. is one of those tantalizing maybe proof. We allegedly have an astronaut recorded from NASA's own feed saying, this is discovery. We have an alien spacecraft. NASA. Yeah. Um, John, you're back. <laughs> uh, what happened to Shogun? Is he around still? Uh, John, prefer watching Steve to Dufon or Third Hoax. Yeah. Uh, he's pretty good at uh, shouting at them. <laughs> I agree. Um, but why is he doing this? It's because I called out Darcy Weir, I think. <laughs> or something, something else is going on, yet you're yet to find out, right? Um, so, but I think he was trying to defend uh, Spooky and Darcy Weir here. But to me, this, a lot of this is uh, still speculation. How would you prove that a ham radio opera, which is like an amateur radio, person hadn't broadcast on to the same channel and uh, tried to be funny you know <laughs> uh, Nessa might be quick correct in that um, but even so even if he did say UFO it doesn't mean it's alien craft could mean um, uh, it could have been a Russian spy satellite spaceship or whatever because they weren't the only ones in space, right? So denied it. Interesting. Uh, then, and NASA here's where I like this one as well, being a space <laughs> nerd. 
Uh, Darcy visits JFK Space Center to see the space shuttle Atlantis, which is decommissioned and it's there in yeah, the museum. We don't really need to know that book too much. Was that in the movie though? Um, just to pad it out to one and a half hours. You know, some stuff sounds like it shouldn't be in the movie because I don't see the point of it. Unless you're going to talk about, I suppose, to be fair, to talk about cameras on the space shuttle and the UFO videos, um, and that they could film in different spectrums, might be useful later on in the movie, but I don't think it was actually brought up again uh, in this review of Stephen. So, but he's going to talk about cameras here. I did not know this, but apparently uh, the space shuttle Atlantis is completely covered with high-tech space cameras. Same as SpaceX and uh, other things, because uh, like the space station, they've got it cameras all over the place to uh, on on like the robot arm to direct it properly and uh, 3D goggles and all that sort of stuff. Right? Makes perfect sense. <laughs> And also to make sure critical areas are not leaking or uh, stuff like that, you know. Tolls, they wanted lots of cameras on the space shuttle, especially after that space toll that flew off, which uh, secure team called a TR-3B, <laughs> when it's clearly documented what it was. Um, it's just so laughable, and it was included in a Darcy Weird movie previously. So... Um, yeah, that's why they put cameras everywhere to look out for that sort of stuff. Uh, debris breaking off so they can identify it, see if it's dangerous, that it's, it's broken off, you know? These are special cameras that are designed to withstand the rigors of space, uh, the radiation, the heat, all of it. Um, yeah, but you've got to remember a lot of that was inside the the bay itself, right? On the doors that open up, uh, the, the robot arm is inside, so it's all... Um, protected most of the time until they open up in, the, in orbit to work on satellites and stuff. Obviously, they're designed to work in that uh, extreme temperature. Uh, as we talked about, why the space shuttle travels upside down with the temperatures uh, to keep it cool on that side where the cameras are, because um, they get cooked the other side. <laughs> And they're special ultraviolet light cameras. Um, and you can see these cameras all over Atlantis. At this point, I stopped. Oh, yeah, so where would they use ultraviolet light? Probably to see cracks and, and things, right? And tolls. The film, and I looked up a lot of this because I went, how come I've never heard about all these cameras all over Atlantis? Is he? Oh, you're too busy doing live shows, obviously. <laughs> Getting this right. He got it right. There are uh, cameras all over this space shuttle. Uh, so let's just move on a bit. I probably missed something though doing this though that I need to talk about. <laughs> Friends, right? Uh, so let me get back to my notes here. Next, we get to hear about Martin Stubbs. And for those unaware, Martin. Okay, so he's a big Martin Stubbs fan, right? Um, so yeah, I did have some stuff on him. Uh, some bio. Um, so let me just find that. Here we go. 
So it's in the right order still. Martin Stubbs vs. NASA video classic. <laughs> uh, so yeah, uh, what was this? I'm not sure if it's going to play it or not. Okay, the secret NASA transmissions. I think I watched it uh, years ago. A great video of a guy in Canada, Martin Stubbs, who with his ham, his radio took uh, radio tools, I mean, intercepted NASA transmissions and caught them talking about UFOs. Great video from the early 200s. But that, in fact, is not correct. Uh, he did not intercept them with his own radio. Uh, so, uh, I'm not sure if it's on the Reddit post. It must have been on here somewhere. Nope. Recorded. Here we go. James Oberg is posted here uh, with the facts. <laughs> Intercepted NASA transmissions note recorded the public affairs office video replay over an open cable channel. <laughs> uh, if promoters can so dishonestly promulgate such uh, nonsense, why should anyone believe? any assertions made on such channels so why didn't he say that and to be more credible on this mutton stubs then that's what he's saying uh love this guy the secret transmission so he's got a link to amazon here so obviously he was making money from he's not alive now i'm not sure how he died uh, but he did die didn't he video quality is pretty low even on the official dvd as they are 21 years old, you know, the grainy stuff that uh, people classed as uh, UFOs and smoking gun. <laughs> Spud cam UFOs, right? A lot of interest in raw footage, but it was on cable TV. Uh, pulled directly from NASA's own satellite feeds. <laughs> the guy worked at a TV station. There we go. Um, and in his free time would tune their satellite dishes to NASA frequencies and record everything they sent back. But that's not what, um, and put it on a VHS tape. So yeah, that's going to degrade it quite a bit, isn't it? Unless it's um, high eight, is it? Uh, which were expensive. Um, or S-Video, which come out later, wasn't it? Uh, it's double the lines, the same as Hi8. There are parts where you hear an astronaut doing spacewalk asking what a light is he's seeing flying around him. At one point he says the light entered uh, the ship with him. Um, yeah, we talked about um, how radiation affected uh, lights been seen in the, in the brain of uh, astronauts. Um, can't remember the, what they called it, fireflies, was it? Um, there was actually some uh, research done on that. Uh, radiation can't be good for you. <laughs> Uh, so, I couldn't quite get what this person was discussing. He mentioned something about an object being picked up on only frame in the sequence of frames, captured at a high frame rate. Uh, 
what was the high frame rate though? <laughs> um, to catch a bug, you need properly. You need one over a thousand uh, images speed, right? A thousand images a second to be able to get it properly. I was expecting to see an image of the object, but I didn't see anything in the video. What exactly is he talking about? <laughs> so there you go. Uh, this takes me back. Okay, James Einberg here is talking about it again. Takes me back. Great interview with a guy knew his stuff. I wonder if the equivalent could be done these days with the live YouTube transmissions, etc. A guy knew his stuff. Sadly, Stubbs never knew his stuff. He was highly imaginative and totally misunderstood common. Uh, he misunderstood common astronaut jargon. Stubbs monitored the public uh, retransmissions of NASA downlink TV from a commercial satellite, then would selectively edit weird-looking sequences into exciting scenarios. Best example, a view of a test tether. Oh no, not the tether. On the SDS-75 breaking loose and then four days later when normal wastewater dumps had resumed that uh, routine, routinely created blizzards of ice flakes. Uh, he added a view of dots streaking by when uh, the loose tether also again passed the shuttle and labeling the sequence uncut, tricking thousands of viewers into assuming incorrectly that the swarm dots had shown up soon after the tether break. In a intelligent response to it, he uh, steadfastly conceded date time of the video he showed. So uh, that double checking investigators wouldn't be able to determine basic content such as sunlight illumination or routine fluid jettisons. He missed. Uh, perceived routine voice transmissions into bizarre secret codes only he could prob probably interpret it like when here in mission control say we're sending you an orbiter state vector uh, precision time uh, hack for the spaceship but then claiming that the ground said we're sending you an order to stay vector <laughs> which he claimed was the secret way NASA directed astronauts to ignore the UFOs. <laughs> uh, yeah, so the Tefa in, in, uh, incident, I'm not sure if James Oberg knows, but I don't know if he's talking about the same sequence, he's talking about four days later, uh, was uh, grommets inside the Tefa cable that spun out as it was going like a snake in the space. And these grommets were going all different directions and spinning at different rates. And that's where it had a little side cut out, right? Um, that information come to me from El Grey, where his um, nephew worked for NASA on that project. And he said, oh, I've seen that before on Blueprints. I'll see if I can dig it up. Unfortunately, I didn't get a follow-up information on that. Uh, I think he was going to ask him, but it may be classified information, right? That was a like a experiment. But here they're saying, uh, obviously, it's 
four days later of ice crystals. So, um, yeah, I don't think it's the NASA footage they're talking about there, but he's combining things, is what he's saying there. Without actually playing the video clips that he's talking about, we could actually then verify it, I guess. Uh, so he's got various YouTube links here. I'll post a link to it on the side, and you can just go and check it out if you want to. Note that stub shows the nighttime playback, but when the astronaut announces intention to switch to daylight playback, which shows exactly what the object was, a deployed science satellite, Stubbs cuts away to prevent this, his audience from seeing what it really was. Uh, the astronaut himself explains the video here and debunks Stubbs' misrepresentation. Well, there you go. There's evidence out there that debunks Stubbs. So he was just a shill trying to make a documentary and a buck out of it. According to that, um, go and prove him wrong, I guess. Uh, so how do you spell his name, Martin? So it's probably new people coming into the field probably haven't heard of him before. So obviously um, the astronauts there are backing up Obers claims. So he's just not pulling it out of his ass. So that's good, you know, that's uh, good evidence. So why isn't that not included into the film? So we can get rid of that one. Okay, so let's just carry on. Martin Stubbs is kind of an unsung hero of <laughs> UFOs. Steven, you got caught opinion. out, man. If you have ever seen any video of a UFO around the International Space Station, if you have ever seen a video of a UFO, especially around space shuttles, the reason that you got to see that footage is because of Martin Stubbs. Martin Stubbs was a broadcaster. Oh, God, Stephen. You should have done some research on this. So wrong. <laughs> uh, he worked in broadcasting, and he had access to all That's of correct. this broadcast equipment, high-end broadcast equipment. So Martin Stubbs was interested in space and UFOs, and Martin Stubbs, uh, back in the late 80s, he hijacked the feed from NASA directly. No, he didn't. Uh, this is in the late 80s, early 90s. He intercepted their downlink. In other words, no, NASA has a broadcast that's coming from the space station or from uh, from the mm -hmm. spacecraft down to Earth that NASA... Hang on, but wouldn't that be encrypted back then? You'd have, an, have to have an encryption key? How would that work? Um... So maybe you give that encryption key to approved channels to rebroadcast it. I don't know. Back then, now, now, now nowadays it's encrypted, isn't it? But yeah, tapping into it. Why? Why just him? Why is there not other people that did it back then as well? Because there's got to be more than one person out of eight billion people on the earth that thought NASA was covering up something and recorded the transmissions as well, doing exactly the same thing. It takes that feed and then broadcasts it on NASA TV or whatever. But Martin Stubbs, he hijacked the feed and he started recording everything up there that they were doing. 
and he used a high quality 60 frame per second recorder. He started recording NASA's feet. Uh, VHS tape was mentioned. <laughs> and he was shocked that nobody else was interested in, in these tapes. He worked all day and he would go home at night and review the tapes. And when there was some interesting UFO or anomaly, he would mark the tape, make clips later. Um, but interestingly, nobody was interested, including MUFON. MUFON is a total joke. It is a money-making scam. How could they have <laughs> hundreds of hours of... Well, maybe they did some background checks on it and found out exactly what Oberg had said. <laughs> space footage and MUFON... And those astronauts also. ...care about it. And by the way, a lot of that footage includes all those famous... Uh, UFOs, NASA UFOs, you may have seen documentaries, NASA UFOs and stuff like that. Uh, it's because of Martin Stubbs hijacking their feed and taping it all and then painstakingly watching a bunch of it. Uh, so Martin Stubbs to me is an unsung hero. Uh, it uh, that's really poor research in my book, man. Uh, prove it, Stephen. <laughs> if you have seen any NASA UFO, it's big, probably, most likely, it came from Martin Stubbs doing this. Uh, no. A lot of the videos we're going to look at come from NASA archive. <laughs> anyway, just keep on going. Next, we also see Jeff Challenger's work. And he was that paralyzed. You may recall there's a guy who's paralyzed. And he his name was Jeff Challenger. He was interested in UFOs. And he spent all this time studying painstakingly watching every minute of nasa tv and nasa feeds probably did he go crazy because i probably would off it's the same as looking at ufo stuff every day it's driving me crazy stuff from martin stubbs um uh, were some of the same data uh he studied the images and the video from nasa's public channel um and there he found in 1989, the Space Shuttle Atlantis mission UFO discovery, UFO, uh, uh, an incredible UFO sighting. And Jeff says it's not an ice chip, it's not satellites or any known terrestrial uh, spacecraft. It appeared to be under intelligent control. Jeff Challenger. So where's the evidence to back all that up? Challenger also made the claim that NASA was purposefully making the feed noisy and filled with distortions when there was UFO sightings. Uh, well, we're going to see a lot of those sightings. Uh, we don't see any of that at all. <laughs> They're all crappy anyway, most of them. Um, he asked the question, why does the noise or distortion comes through in color banding on some broadcasts and others are completely crystal clear? Well, again, we'd have to dive into radio, ham radio, and all that sort of stuff, and to see if anyone's got information on that. Just makes sense that uh, when you're talking about electromagnetic waves, uh, radio waves, there's always going to be interference, right? Um, it may be a coincidence, but it does seem yeah. strange that NASA, <laughs> suddenly the camera angles would change when there was an unknown object in the frame. Noise was added to the feed. Oh, God. That sounds really uh, conspiracy-minded, right? The angles changing and all that sort of stuff. According to this Jeff Challenger, um, or the feed was cut off. <laughs> Which... Uh... Did you check to see 
Uh, we're about to say we're in orbit to the base station that they're transmitting to. Does anyone do research on that? Because I'm not going to do it for them to disprove it. <laughs> but information will be out there where you can disprove that they got out of range of the signal. And that's why the signal got dropped, right? Until um, they come around again in orbit to a base station somewhere. Next one. Uh, if you ever watched the movie The Dish, you can see the sort of problems they had in that. Uh, even though some of it's like drama, it was based on the true story. Um, it did actually have a lot of technical stuff in it, which was factual as well. But um, yeah, just keep on going. We get James Fox, who again, I am not. <laughs> well, we know what James Fox is like. Um, he's just another movie maker. Not a fan of and people know how i feel about james fox i think he's a ufo profiteer and he how dare him like darcy you mean <laughs> you're trying to say is good this doesn't move on a bit rabbit hole runs on the face of mars and i believe that the face of mars is complete and total garbage story um it is a trick of light and shadow that's my opinion so i was kind of disappointed that you that they would these filmmakers would include anything about the face of so he's admitted there's a lot of crap that Darcy added in but uh, he's missed quite a lot actually Mars especially unsupported claims that the photos were doctored uh, that NASA like doctored the photos to hide the face of Mars there's Mars orbiters now you can get super HD high quality images of all of Sidonia you won't see a face. You'll see a mountain. Yeah, come on, Steve. That's a cover-up. That's NASA covering up, airbrushing it all. Come on, tell the truth. <laughs> you see what I mean, though? It's a story told by UFO profiteering whores. <gasps> um, but it is what it is. It was included here. Yeah, it's included in Darcy Weir. And that should tell you everything right there in that comment. Here. James Fox talks about Edgar Mitchell's thoughts on astronauts, and Gordon Cooper denies claims he saw a UFO in space. James Fox uh, also claimed that somebody got to buzz before that CNN appearance. Somebody, you know, like the government leaned on him to lie and say he didn't see UFOs when he previously said he did. And, and. Oh, yeah, so that, I have a document that we read out at the very start talking about um, Gordon Cooper denying that he ever saw any UFOs. So, um, I guess he never said UFOs and like aliens, but he might have talked about seeing certain things and unidentified. Uh, yeah, so probably need to look more into that document and see if we can actually find more references to him denying the UFOs. But, I remember seeing Gordon Cooper on an interview on a, a video where he's around a table saying that he actually believed in Billy Meyer of all people. So it kind of puts very much doubt on Gordon Cooper right there and then as far as I'm concerned. Um, I sort of changed my opinion on him once I found out more and more about him. And he, I think he was a wee bit of a joker and a prankster as well. Uh, just like a lot of the these um, astronauts, you know, the 
My pilots and all that. You know, come on. These are claims that are being made, but there's no evidence to support the claims that any, you know, oh, the men in black must have got to that astronaut and told him to lie about the UFOs. Well, great, but <laughs> there's no evidence to support that. Yeah, so unless um, you can find the evidence to support it, then that's different. But in this case, included in the documentaries like sensational claims that people are just going to suck up, right? Next we get STS-51A mission, uh, which was deploying a... Okay, the A mission. Um, I actually did see that one, but I didn't actually save it. Canadian satellite. On the third day, uh, another satellite was de deployed, and they retrieved two malfunctioning satellites uh, with uh, spacewalks. And that's balls. They just went out with jetpacks and grabbed the satellite and brought it back to the space shuttle. I kind of had forgotten about that uh, interesting part of space history. They literally sent guys out with rocket packs. Go get that satellite and bring it back here so we can fix it. Uh, but interestingly, during that specific mission, which is STS-51A, um, a metallic sphere UFO appears. And it appears to be... Okay, so that one is a water droplet on the inside of the window of uh, the spacecraft. Um, I didn't actually include a link to it here. It might be hard to find it, but I know I know which one he's talking about here. Uh, it's condensation on the window, and it's it's running along. You can clearly see it's like a droplet on a shower door. Uh, so yes, yeah, Steve, you didn't do your research on it. Let's do this 51 UFO. Let's see if we can find it. Uh, let's see. UFO, UFO. Truth behind NASA UFOs. <laughs> now let's see if we can find the image. Uh, of it on the window. So that's where they're grabbing it. Oh, here we go. Is that the one? No, I don't think that's one. Oh, here we go. This is the one here. You can see it's a water droplet, right? Water droplet. I see it on my security cameras uh, when it rains, especially on the fish eye. But yeah, you can see that looks like it's inside the window there. Uh, let's see. Do we have a video of it? Uh, I'm, I'm surprised that Steve would include that one not debunking it and uh, Darcy we would include it in his shillable movie. Uh, let's see. That one's so easy to debunk, right? Videos, let's see. Uh, is that the one? Uh, that frame there, probably somewhere in that one. UFO man, give us a UFO. What's that the one? Oh, there it is. There is it. Let's have a look at that one. There we are. The water droplet. Let's see how it moves. <laughs> That's it, guys. UFO, hundred percent. 
Damn, water droplet busted again, Stephen Cambion. Uh, you think I probably don't know what I'm talking about, huh? Okay, we'll just carry on. Observing the NASA spacecraft, at least according to witnesses. Yeah, water droplets are serving NASA us. NASA Spacelink live footage of this. Um, and another sphere UFO sighting near the NASA spacecraft. Uh, then, of course, another because that droplet. one was a sphere, um, The in the film they throw in very quickly, I think it's like 10 or 15 seconds, but I still was like, oh, no. <laughs> They flew in Jeremy Corbell's so-called Mosul. Uh, oh, there we go. And, and I, I said that I one wrote, could oh, be a water no, droplet don't. on the dome of the camera too, didn't I? Until we see the footage. But, again, um, could be a Milo balloon, just like the other one they filmed. Um, I think Jeremy Corbell is the least credible uh, of all UFOs. Uh, so, shills using shills. Come on, Steve. Can't you see the light? And you're defending this guy. Profiteers like his. Let me just leave it as I would have cut Jeremy Corbell. It wasn't relevant. You have I would have cut great, a lot of it out. He wouldn't have had much movie left. You have left. a great <laughs> case with this STS-51A mission. And there's NASA Spacelink live footage of a spherical UFO object that appears to be uh, around this the space shuttle. You don't need to bring in Jeremy, but they kind of, I think they kind of went like, oh, yeah, many people re report. Yeah, maybe they should have called me in. Spherical, spherical UFOs. Here's another case. Um, no. Uh, and also, there was some suggestion that the, the word ice crystals was used as code words, but NASA <laughs> says ice crystals constantly. But I will say that NASA's explanation of so many <laughs> of hilarious. these UFOs that are sighted in space as being ice crystals, especially when they change direction or appear to be under intelligent control, is is completely and totally ludicrous to me. Some of these things are just not ice crystals when they say they are. They can't be. Ice crystals don't change direction. They don't stop in, oh, in yeah, mid so You know. I've I've done um, actually in eight years. I've done a lot of research on all this, <laughs> and read a lot of stuff on uh, water formation in space. Uh, space academia. How's it going? Hi, all female fifty New Zealand. What are you doing up this hour? Uh, either you're an early riser, or um, you're still up like I am. <laughs> Uh, we've been going now quite a long time. Uh, what are we up to on this? It must be getting up to six hours. <laughs> uh, five and a half hours. So I'm not sure how much I can do more, but there's a lot of more good stuff to show you. Whether my brain's going to pop, I don't know. Pop goes the weasel. Uh, thanks for joining us. So we're doing a debunk on Darcy Weir and his movies, and also uh, Steve's, we're, we're sort of busting Steve's review where he's slipping up um, and putting facts correct. My opinions are no yeah, good. But it is one. Uh, so. <laughs> As you know, water is negatively charged all right so let's just uh, bring that up let's do some quick science here uh, if my eyes will let me 
Okay. Look, I, what's it say? Likewise, a water molecule is ionic in nature, but the bond is called covalent. The two hydrogen atoms both stimulating themselves, held near them, <laughs> with their own positive charge on one side of atom, uh, oxygen atom, which has a negative charge. Uh, okay, so let's talk about other things there. Is water positive? So, water negative charge or neutral? It uh, is totally negative, I believe. Uh, tap water. Water molecule is electrically neutral because its atoms contain thing of protons. Yeah. Um, Negative charged water is water that has a negative electrical charge. That charge comes from electrons, negatively charged atom particles in the body. Negatively charged water reduces the damage caused. So what's that talking about? We want the science thing. <laughs> uh, so let's see. Um, water is repelled. Let's try that. I probably should have had some bookmarks for it, so I didn't have to look it up. Repelled by electrostatic. <laughs> uh, electrostatic. Okay. Oop. Okay. Static electricity and water. So you find bending streams of water with static charge. All right, homemade. And we can look up water uh, so it can easily be affected by a static electrical charge so here's more of that statement so it's saying having positive charge because in water liquid form these atoms are free to move around in any which way it can easily be affected by electrostatic charge okay there you go so we got Uh, probably need to look at a video of it bending, I guess. Uh, we'll find an image just to prove it. So that means uh, water um, that's frozen will be negatively charged and it can be affected by static. Alright, uh, have we got an image of it? Someone's got to have an image. Let's. Uh, There'd probably be videos of it. Okay, so someone's got a video here using, you know, you know how you rub a balloon onto a a jumper, a woolly wall or something like that, and it charges up and it bends water coming out the tap. And you can probably try it at home if you want to. So you can see there's various things where people are doing exactly that. So, the next thing is, how would ice be reflected in space if we can tell that water has got a charge on it? Uh, spaceships negatively charged. 
because uh, they're going to have static, right? So this is some things I've been researching over the years and making note of in my head. Alright, let's see what it says here. In sunlight, the photo emission current emitted from a spacecraft surface has to be taken into account in quiet periods without severe magnetic storms. The photo emission current often exceeds the ambient current, thus charging a typical spaceship positively. Okay. Uh, so that could attract, in that case, kind of negative. Oh no, yeah, negative and positive would attract. And um, okay, so now we got this one here. Do satellites become negatively charged? Hot electrons roaming the outer radiation belt have peeled, pelted the satellite, causing a negative charge to build on its surface. So now we got the opposite there. And we know they're 400 uh, miles up in orbit when they're working on these satellites generally, because we looked at that at the beginning of the show. So it's got uh, plasma atmospheric flow over the craft, so it would have a negative charge which would repel uh, ice crystal. So if it drifted too close to where it's being filmed, it could shoot off on the right angle straight away, just like the water bends. Um, but yeah, you can look it up and actually have a look at those videos yourself. Photoelectric effect. Uh, so there's all sorts of science reading you have to do. Okay, so that's just one thing that can happen. Uh, other things that happen is um, the space shuttle can is always trying to correct, stay in, in correct orbit next, or keep uh, in sack position with the satellite and has to uh, ignite the retro rockets which are normally off shot of the camera view so you get um, a rush of uh, new vapor that heads towards the ice crystals and pushes them in all sorts of crazy directions, right? So that's another thing that happens. And also you got uh, mitrometeorites that can hit something quite hard. So if you can imagine uh, like a little sphere of hardened water floating out in space and a meteorite hits it, of course it's going to cause energy and cause it to move off in a different direction, even possibly stop it. So there's all sorts of possibilities, science-wise, that can explain what you're seeing. Uh, Steve's saying that uh, ice can't move at crazy angles. Well, he's wrong. It can. And you just have to apply common science to it. Um, there's also radiation in space. Uh, that can heat up, you know, like um, the sun rays can heat up one side of a ice crystal and cause it to uh, evaporate gas which pushes it like a rocket engine to change direction or slow it down or whatever or cause it to spin and do other crazy stuff right uh so yeah we probably could look up all that and go over it all again 
but I have covered it in past lives. So yeah, Steve's wrong here. Um, got to know a wee bit of basic science, I think. Uh, you can't sleep. Oh, that's terrible. Too much coffee in the day. <laughs> I think I could uh, hit the bed and go straight off, right? Let's carry what on. Is, um, next we get STS Mission 69, which was also deploying satellites. There was a UFO witnessed on camera flying in the background. Okay, I'm not sure. I think 69 I got here somewhere. And we might have a video for it. Uh, let's see. 69, there we go. Um, so, you have a look at this and tell me if you can see any glaring problems. Uh, what's that comment at the top here? Can we get rid of that? Uh, let's see if it plays anyway. So Steve hasn't shown you this, uh, so I'll add it in, and we can see it's bollocks. <laughs> and I'll just probably mute it. It probably has music on it. SDS69, a good number. <laughs> so let's just zoom in a bit. NASA footage is public domain. So there's a little speck of light here. And you, you watch what happens. Now this is only footage I could find. So we got uh, lens flare there off the sun bollocks of it. Straight down the middle. So that kind of makes you wonder are we getting lens flare off other things here. But why is it moving? Well, spaceships are constantly moving through space. And why is it changing angle? Or maybe what's causing that speck of light is something else moving that we're not seeing that's off shot, right? So now they're going to show you this path being tracked here. And you watch how the camera and everything else moves, right? Look how it's wobbling around. Right, look. Ah, there you go, look. That moved the same distance as that uh, spec. So what does that tell you? That is a camera artifact, it's not actually in space, right? And look how bright this is. And it looks like it might be on different angles here. Is that slightly moving and that's changing? Um, or is it something off shot? So I'm trying to figure out where that speck of light's coming from. But it's not a UFO, it's a camera artifact. Just the way that moves there, and you can tell that it's not something out in space, it's something close on the window or something. See that? The way it moves. Look at that. All that moves, that moves too. <laughs> now, that shouldn't happen, because if that was in free space, that should be still going down that line there, right? 
Anyway, I'll post a link to that if you want to really watch it better. Uh, STS69 UFO equals bullshit. So why wasn't that put in the movie? Path analysis and some sort of video expert <laughs> like myself that can tell you what you're looking at. So um, that one's done with. Keep on going. Ground. And this time it was changing its direction. Again, NASA with the ice crystals. Ice crystals do not change direction in mid-flight. This object yeah, from do. STS Mission 69 But it did. wasn't an ice crystal. So it was correct. <laughs> I think this is another great unexplained case. Oh, and no. it can't be ice crystals, NASA, so try another one. Try ice, uh, try reflections, camera artifacts. <laughs> Steven, Steven, uh, this is just too terrible. Um, next, we get Jim Goodall uh, being asked questions about triangular uh, not him again. craft or the TR-3B. And Goodall says that we have the capability. So wouldn't they put secure team on there? <laughs> He's a TR-3 expert. Nope. <laughs> to reproduce anything using conventional technology. Um, he claims that some of these objects go 4,000 miles again. an hour and do right angle turns and that his skunk work friends say that it's possible to do that, but without pilots. Thank you, Space. Uh, I believe that's, <laughs> that's a true statement. I believe that the United States government certainly has something within its arsenal that can go 4,000 miles an hour and probably do right angle turns as long as there's not a human operator in there. Cause they, yeah, we just looked up the G force things and it might be possible actually, <laughs> And that was at 20,000 miles per hour stuff, wasn't it? So unless we calculated something wrong there in our tiredness, um, it might be possible now. And we might not know about it yet. But um, yeah, just keep on they going. They would get smushed to death, right? By the, that would be like 40 Gs. Uh, no human pilot could withstand that. Well, uh, 5,000. Did we actually look that up? That was like max five i think it was like 10 g's or something was it nine g's jim uh, goodall also says he thinks some of the delta shaped craft or triangle shaped craft seen are drone technology or black budget uh secret government again there's no evidence of that so why even have that in the movie if you want to be credible project and then he talks about the f-117 being misidentified as a flying saucer if you look at the F-117 dead on, it looks like a flying saucer. <laughs> uh, next, we get STS-73 mission from October 20. Uh, 73. I'm not sure if I got that one. Let's just have a look. We got 80. Uh, I'm not sure. Uh, was it the Mercury one, this one? What was this one? Uh, What mission was that one? Gemini program. Somehow we seem to have missed that one, but uh, we'll get back to that one because it's in the trailer. Because he hasn't, he didn't actually finish the trailer, I don't think. Uh, um, unless I skimmed past it accidentally. <laughs> but um, we'll get to that one in a minute. Seventy-three. Uh, let's see. Was it on, meant to be on that one? I'm not sure what this one was meant to be. Could I accidentally clicked? Let's go back one. 
No, it looks like it might be correct. Not sure what that one was for. Hmm. I'm going to just play that and just have a quick look. Replay error. I hate things. Oh no, not look now. Okay, so what was this one? Maybe it was on here somewhere. Ooh, let me just meet that crap. Yeah, I'm not too sure. I think maybe I got the wrong link here. Plus a helicopter. Don't know if that was in the movie. <laughs> I wonder if it flipped past what I was looking at. Hmm. It means I've might, that might have been the 73 one. <laughs> uh, what the hell is going on? Looks like a spider web there. Hmm. I don't know. Looks like a lot of fake stuff there anyway. Um, yeah, I think something must have happened. Oh, could it be on this one? It looks familiar. I'm not sure what I'm meant to be looking at. A bird, a plane, a bat, a balloon, could be anything, right? Uh, yeah, I'm not sh I don't think that was the footage I was after. Damn it. I made a mistake. Uh, that happens when you're tired. Uh, I wonder what it was searched for. Be one of the NASA footages, I bet. Uh, we'll just leave it there. Uh, what was that one? One fifteen. Uh, mystery object. What was the next one? Fifteen. So we missed. I think that one there stuffed up. Uh, okay, we'll just look it up again, maybe. Sometimes it's really hard to find what you're after, though. Seventy-three. Okay, what was the seventy-three one? Nineteen ninety-five. Um. Kathleen Coleman, uh, an astronaut, says, we have an unidentified object. And then communication suddenly goes silent. Uh, but we have to remember that NASA runs two channels. One is a public channel. Uh, and the other okay. channel, a lot of people may not be aware, is a channel for the Department of Defense. And Okay, so it makes sense, uh, right, uh, that they have a code word to switch to the other channel. Because they don't know if a Russian satellite is spying on them or if something from Russia is following them. And now we've got China uh, nowadays. But yeah, they weren't the only people in space. So it makes sense that they have an encrypted channel and a public channel. 
probably for the secret government. So on FCS Mission <laughs> 73, we have an astronaut saying we have an unidentified object. And well, the encrypted channel I would have thought was when they want to, you know, in the downtime, talk to their uh, wife or kids down on Earth, right? Uh, as well. So doesn't have to be for secret stuff. Could be for private stuff, uh, where you don't want people recording what you're saying to your wife uh, over from space, right? And then communication goes completely silent. People speculate, okay. probably rightly so, that after she said go. that, NASA told her to switch to the private channel, and she did. Okay, next uh, we'll talk about the elephant in the room. Richard Doty is included in this. Um, in oh, yeah, so that should be a red flag. Uh, why? Darcy Weir is not credible because <laughs> uh, anyone should know uh, if you put all these people that we've exposed into a movie you know it's not for truth it's for you know sensational claims and unverified stuff that sort of sells things and that sort of just pisses me off <laughs> frankly in this documentary and um here's what i could say i like richard doty as a person i just don't believe anything he says nothing i think richard doty does say real facts but he mixes in some you know disinformation so he can't be trusted but i think there's some truth in some of the stuff he says mixed in with other things he said which is pure lies so, but yeah, uh, anyone that works for the government shouldn't be um, taken seriously, and that includes Lou Elizondo and many others out there. <laughs> I, I do not believe anything Richard Doty says for two reasons. First, he is a known paid government disinformation agent who literally drove a man crazy with fake yeah. UFO information. I think he killed himself, didn't he? while being paid by the United States government to do so. That's the famous Benowitz case. Um, yeah. And, you know, I try... So Stephen's right here, but why defend Darcy V for including it then? I try to be forgiving. I try to get over it. I even interviewed Richard Doty once, and one of the biggest questions I had for him is, do you regret what happened? Like, and, and basically Doty was like, oh, I, was, I was just following orders, you know, and I said, no, no. No, but you'd have emotional response here. Obviously, there's nothing inside the guy, right, to say, yeah, of course I regret it. Uh, or say, of course I regret it, but I didn't expect it to happen uh, that way. Um, that would have been a f much more sensible comment coming out of Richard Doty's mouth anyway. Don't give me the following orders. Like, do you regret what happened to that man? Do you regret doing that? You know, and he kind of said, oh, yeah, I do. Hindsight's always twenty twenty, But I can't get over that a paid government disinformation agent, a known paid government. Well, it's something that sort of loses it. It doesn't sort of happen instantly. It sort of progresses over time. So you'd see a guy slowly losing it, right? So you'd know that you don't want to do that anymore because it, it might get suicidal or whatever. So, yeah, Richard Doty is a bit of a scumbag, really. Government disinformation agent that once literally drove a man crazy with fake alien information 
Yeah, uh, so that's the skill of the Shaw Stack. Uh, who, for, for those unaware, Seth is the head of SETI. This. Uh, so we played a bit about Seth and, um, yeah, we, what we said about him. <laughs> so you just go back and listen. Search for extraterrestrial intelligence. Um, and Seth Shostak explains how SETI is able to sort of separate the, the noise, earthly noise, and tell if a signal is alien or if it's human in origin. Um, Again, we've been through that. Who's to say uh, uh, UFOs are using radio microwave frequencies? <laughs> it seemed kind of out of place there, though. It was kind of like... Uh, couldn't they possibly use x-rays even or something other crazy stuff that we've yet to figure out uh i would have thought light communication would have made sense um but yeah you want something really faster than light <laughs> for those great distances oh we'll just throw this in here Seth Stoshak's like yeah so uh Here's how we uh, determine if uh, if uh, a signal is truly from an alien civilization or not. And it was kind of, to me, it was a little out of place, but it was still, it was. I mean, it's fine, but it. Yeah. So what's this got? All these ones got to do with fast workers. Did you see any of those video videos of UFOs from NASA being fast walkers? If anything, they're slow walkers. So to me, that's just like filler nonsense in a movie, and it's not even related to the topic. Uh, it's just padding it out, trying to get UFO believers to say, well, that was amazing UFO. But it's nothing to do with fast walkers. <laughs> Maybe because there is no uh, pictures of these so-called fast walkers, right? Uh, just like streaks of light um, that they're caught in the sky, which could be bugs and birds on... Uh, crappy cameras you know um ufology is really toast doesn't it it, it seemed out of place like w w you know it's kind of like just dropped in there um avi Loeb is talked about um and oh, they no. talk about amuamua and by the way just to be clear amuamua was proven oh, to yeah be so that's another guy that appears regularly on third phase of the moon so he can't be taken seriously as a credible scientist in my book so yep another guy that shouldn't be in a movie because he's um trying to plug his stuff to make money and he's only got like enough to build like a few satellites uh, so, uh, stations to observe the sky uh, and he needs millions and millions of dollars for that project. Only way you'd get that if, if he had a, like a black project funding it, probably. Um, which they probably should do, but they probably got uh, that kind of technology already with um, this um, Skynet. <laughs> so, yeah, maybe it's just pointless, and that's why they won't fund uh, someone like that to build these UFO network sky watching stuff. Not alien technology at all at least i believe it was based on the, the the papers that i've read um and nobody ever addresses that they sort of give avi Loeb credit for identifying hey this interstellar object that's passing through our solar system hey it it may be alien and there was all right so stephen is correct here that there's a bunch of bs um recent stuff come out about that rock that may had um frozen water on the outside of the the rock and 
as it was passing earth, it got heated up and evaporated. Uh, I can't remember exactly all the details or something, but it gave it a push, uh, but didn't leave a vapor trail. So there's other, you know, there's, I think the um, more we get out into space and actually start filming stuff, uh, the more answers we get, but probably more questions we get too, and that may change all our science views of things that we've been seeing from afar uh, when we get new information coming in, right? was some compelling evidence that this thing was changing course and under intelligent control uh, but those right, we're just can we skim on a bit uh, you know if you've got all of this different uh cameras i would like to see more angles maybe enhancements of some of the footage uh not not very much information on that one and then in the very okay so we missed what number it was i think i might have that the, one the uh what, what is those things called the uh Oh, I'm blanking. The uh, they have those tiles, and one of them failed uh, on re-entry, and and one of the shuttles burn up. So they take two and a half years off, and they improve all those systems. And because they did so many improvements, they basically had high. Uh, high they had air. Uh, you don't think so? Ufology isn't toast. <laughs> I mean, it's full of shells and 99% uh, explainable stuff. There's only very few cases that are really credible. And uh, most of these UFO profiteers or UFO channels focus on the 99% of zero uh, fact-checking and uh, analysis done, uh, which, again... Is what MUFON investigators do. Uh, Stephen may hate them, but the, the feet on the ground investigators are just everyday people that have uh, scientists and whatnot trained up to investigate the proper way with um, the tools and collect data scientifically and analyze uh, flight paths and all that sort of stuff. So, uh, all that online is not done because it's a lot of hard work, right? And a lot of them are low information, so so all these shields are turning ufology into toast. <laughs> craft assigned to fly way high up in the atmosphere and film this space shuttle discovery, STS-114, as it ascended to space. Okay, I think I had 114, unless something's happened to the book map. It went to 80, though. Uh... 115. I know I did have 14 too. Uh, I, I think I've lost it. Again, another one gone to the trash can. Yeah, it looks like it. Unbelievable. Okay, what was that one again? Let me just see if I can remember. Because they wanted to get a good view of all the improvements and make sure there was no additional problems. So during its climb to orbit, and this was documented by many different cameras and imagery captured on uh, launch UAV camera, the UFO was detected, and that UFO appeared to be flying under intelligent control. It changes directions as it speeds off the cameras. 
Um, that's another great, strange mystery. I wish there uh, I did have it. I wonder what happened to it. Um, I wonder if I can find it again. Uh, I don't know if I got it in history here, though. STS-114. Let's see what comes up. Uh, UFO. Uh, I did have it, but if not, I'll probably include it later. Oh, here we go. Uh, that might be the other one that got deleted. Okay, let's just see, see if that was the one I was after. <laughs> Uh, could have been. Uh, it's gonna let me play it though. Uh, let's just play it. It's got music. Uh, here we go. Yeah. Uh, this one does a curve, right? So again, UFO doesn't mean alien craft here. And then it sort of bends around. But I noticed there was like a lens flare here happening. So is it actually outside the spacecraft? Or could it be some crazy light reflection because they're moving, moving around in orbit? Uh, does it replay it again? Does it do path analysis? Uh, or is it just repeating it? I think there's something going on over here. Look, see that thing there moving? That kind of suggests they're filming through a window, right? And they're getting reflection. So is that really in space? Is another question. Or is it just a reflection of uh, the spacecraft part? Uh, on the window. Uh, on the camera lens. See, again... I might have to look up more information on that one. But yeah, again, I think he, Steve said there's low information on it. So yeah, if you look carefully, there was a reflection on, and it seemed to be related to the other one. Ah, so that's probably what happened there. Um, have we got any better footage than that? Uh, NASA catches UFO, NASA. Oh, okay, let's see. Is, I just typed it there. Let's try debunked. Let's see if anyone's mentioned about that one. 
Where we go. Got NASA one. Two thousand and five. The best UFO footage ever, apparently. <laughs> All right, so let's have a look. Maybe it was that one that I was playing. It looks like a different video. Let's see what he does with it. Alright, you can see how crappy the footage is though. Yeah, at least it's got more information on this one. Yeah, let's just go. See what happens. So we see the other bit of lights on the screen. Or did I dismiss it? Yeah, there it is, look. So what one's in that called a UFO? Because they know it's on through a window. Notice it doesn't seem to be the same brightness as these other things there, which I don't know if that's just ice particles or what they're filming there. Alright, this one's got the path analysis on it. Three times the speed. Okay, let's have a look. Ooh. It looks like they've darkened it too. And there's that flash of light there. So that could have been something else that they're moving around, like the space arm, because that's a shuttle mission. So uh, I didn't actually see the path analysis there. Oh yeah, it was look now. It must have been the one we didn't get last time. Let's get rid of that. Yeah, um, so yeah, um, got no other information on that one. So if you had a robot arm that was rotating and it's reflecting the sun, uh, you're going to get something like that happening, right? And curve right around. Uh, it's very possible uh, with refraction and reflection of light, right? But yeah, we haven't got time to do full deep dive into that one. It's pretty crappy anyway. Space, uh, what are we seeing here? I'm what Cambian would call a grifter, are you? <laughs> oh dear, but I'm a Kiwi, not full of BS, I'm straight up, so hopefully I'm the 1% legit researchable. Why would you be called a grifter? Um, do you make money of it? Um, yep. Hopefully I'm sort of legit because <laughs> I can sort of back up everything uh, normally if I got enough information uh, that last one was what I would call low information zone and a lot of these UFO prof profiteers obviously crop videos uh, which we've seen in the past for Street Cap 1 so you don't actually see what's happening and they invert it and make it even look better you know play around the colors and or the contrast and so on. And let's just there keep was a on little going. war 
on some of these because it's just kind of like thrown into the documentary like oh yeah and on this one here's a ufo and this is what i was saying before you know the throwing all these into a meant to be so-called credible documentary and nothing to do with fast walkers that didn't look like it was going super fast um so yeah where's the link to fast walkers and why is it NASA not airbrushing it out? <laughs> you see what I mean? It's just all complete uh, nonsense. You best to forget all this crap and not waste time on it. And actually trying to get new footage on your own cameras. Or we'll probably get more as they get into space again. And they've got the high definition cameras. You know, they're meant to be landing back on the moon in 24, is it? 2024 next year, is it? Uh, somehow they've had a lot of issues though with the SpaceX, uh, what's that, the Starship thing. Uh, I don't n really know what that means. I thought it meant uh, only in UFO space research. I have written books and making a course. Well, it depends uh, what's in it, whether you're being honest or not, or whether you're putting deceptive information like in this movie, right, and claiming things. Uh, something bending around in space and it might not even be in space it might be simply a artifact on the window being filmed like that water droplet that we we're looking at earlier <laughs> um, so yeah uh, so yeah if you do uh, legit stuff in books that's okay you know like if you're debunking stuff or trying to educate people how to be a credible researcher well a ufo hunter i should say to use the technology to actually and multiple cameras and different types of cameras on the same event to prove uh, what you're seeing which is um the idea of the sky hub and what i've been trying to do uh, which I'm still it's peeing down outside at the moment, so uh, the cameras are a bit of a washout today. Uh, but I think I fixed the other camera that got water in it, so what I could do with it, I don't know. I might put it looking north, and then I've got west, north, east, and summer south covered around the house. Uh, we're looking at stars and planes and whatnot. And we don't know what it is. Uh... You know, if you've got all of this different uh, cameras, I would like to see more angles, maybe enhancements of some of the yeah. footage. Uh, not, not very much information on that one. And then in the very so why are you promoting it, Steve? Is a good documentary. Very next mission, STS-115, during a space. Yeah, uh, so we got some S-15. So what's he going to say well, about it? There was three, count them, three separate UFO incidents reported oh, no, during not three. the mission. Uh, an object with the triangular light formation, uh, which was described as metallic looking cloth by one of the astronauts who said it appeared to not be rigid. Uh, so let's just have a look what I've got here. Uh, some, I think I missed 80, so we'll come back to that one. Uh, I think I might need to go to the toilet, guys. <laughs> Uh, so this is from uh, Black Vault, uh, Gene, so let's just have a look. KU, uh, 
Okay, so this is uh, the so-called three UFOs. Can you spot that? <laughs> and we got it on the highest setting here too. Yeah, typical NASA. Um, so I suppose the TV transmission ones were more designed for TV. Uh, not 1080p because that's all like modern technology, right? But can you see anything in that? It's very hard, doesn't it? Uh, maybe you can run some filters on it because they've got highlighted it here, but I don't think it's very really good. Um, let's just see if we can improve it. At least they've got a, a circle around it. <laughs> oh, that's uh. That probably would have come out good if we could get that circle to match. Invert it. Yeah, see, they've mucked it up with that and highlighter, which didn't really help. So I don't know if we've got anything better that we can choose. Can't see anything still. Oh, lose it completely. <laughs> Let's just try playing around. You never know, you might get lucky. And uh, this is this basic sentence here, though. Uh, back to the overexposed nonsense there. Uh, it's a shame that they put this bright circle around it. Uh, I wonder if you can find a better footage. So that would have been good to dim it down there. And then brighten it. I don't think we can see it. I really don't. Now we'll just put, reset it back. A um, couple of pixels, blurry dots in the middle there, right? And we'll just uh, play it. Uh, Why is it not playing? Uh, and not stow it. And okay, so we can see kind of looks like a little blob. I can't see like three pins of light from it though. Just sort of look, look like a triangular shape. Um, clean up activities. Yeah, it looks like it's rotating even. Uh, just in case we need to uh, use those systems here in the, for other video. UFO man, typical spud cam. <laughs> Turkey, to run that prime again while we're holding off on that stuff. It was because, um, like I said a few hours ago, we just noticed um, Inco had seen an object in the uh, video doing Earth observations, and we just want to keep the KU up um, to possibly downlink more uh, video here in the near term. Okay, so that this road that something maybe has broken off their spacecraft rather than being aliens here. It's not doing anything crazy like, like zooming off. So um, we got that one, and we got 
some information on it. Turns out it was a piece of the space shuttle, uh, Atlantis crew, right? 2006. Third heat shield inspection. Okay, so could re read for all that, but uh, STS-15 astronauts have already made two detailed surveys of orbiter's heat shield using robotic arm. Only after inspection will shuttle engineers and mission decide whether to unstow Atlantis. Uh, it's probably 50-50 whether that's going to bring the boom out or not. So it's one about okay, mystery objects redux. <laughs> A flight recorder at NASA shuttle mission room spotted the debris at 2.45 a.m. while uh, using one of the orbiter's payload cameras during routine Earth closer observation. As we've told you that the shuttle flies upside down so it's always uh, looking at the Earth because it's cooler that way. Because uh, the sun's behind or over the sides. The mission analysis was unable to identify what the mystery object was and likely uh, will not be able to, uh, shuttle officials said. Uh, the engineers think it could still be a piece of plastic inadvertently left behind uh, between tiles um, along Atlantis' underbelly. We don't know for sure, but it's likely candidate. Uh, but a second object photographed by Atlantis crew is thought to be simply a plastic bag. <laughs> um, what else we got here? Uh, let's see. Was it part of the heat shield, that one? I think they said it was a heat shield, didn't they? And they said, yeah, heat shield inspection. Did I miss something here? I think I have. Two detailed surveys. Uh, both inspections turned up no signs of any damage. Um, let's see, let's see. Was there anything I missed here? Alright, oh, something about Shimstock. We don't know that for sure, but it's likely candidate. Hell said, referring to uh, the bit of orange plastic known as Shimstock, seen dangling from a gap between the protective 
heat tiles along Atlanta's belly. So, uh, yeah, did I actually look up that? I think I actually did. Okay, we come back to that one. No. Yeah, I did actually look it up. Um, shim stock. So why would they use plastic? Shimstock. Okay. Shimstock, so it seems like a common thing. Shimstock, middle shims. So obviously there's plastic ones too. Shims are thin pieces of material used to fill a gap between two surfaces or components that are sometimes referred into the spaces. Okay, so between the tiles. So obviously it was left in, was it, uh, on the space shuttle? Um, orange plastic. And there we go, we've got some pictures of it. Uh, okay, let's see. Shimstock um, shuttle use. Let's see if anything pops up. Typically used to support leveling or adjustment. Shims can also be used as electrical installation to seal joints. Ah, sorry. Wouldn't they get? Wouldn't it simply mount? I suppose there's high. Melt point plastic though, so it might be something to do with uh, static charge along the bat belly, I guess. Um, there we go. That's talking about the same thing here. Anyway, we tried our best on that. Oh, we got some more pictures here. Anyway, uh, moving on. Because uh, we're going to have to wrap up soon, I think. <laughs> uh, so much to cover. So, yeah, this is the other thing come out. Uh, so, we got that one there on space.com about the shim rock. Uh, hey, good night. Uh, yeah, I've got to get to bed myself. Uh, STS 15. So yeah, again, that's on a UFO documentary, right? Just a wee bit of research. Um, we could back up those claims that it is plastic. And this is the one they said looks like a plastic bag. And it actually looks like something they might have wrapped up in the, in the bay. Like food parcel wrap. And uh, when they launched, they probably didn't remove all the bits of junk. And it simply floated out of the bay when they opened it up. It does look like a sheet of plastic, doesn't it? I'm not sure if it looks like a plastic bag, though. Kind of reminds me of um, what happened with the thermal blanket, right? And uh, it looked like they kept calling it the Dark Knight. Oh man, space angels. <laughs> Jellyfish. <laughs> it's the plastic bear from American Beauty. I'm not sure what that's referring to. Um, 
Picture of an identified possibly small debris was recorded with a digital still camera. This shows you how much they can zoom in some of these pictures uh, when they use a decent camera. <laughs> uh, I think uh, you can see how small it was. And once uh, it travelled into space, you had the background behind it as well. So yeah, it does look like plastic, Stephen. <laughs> what can you say? Hey, John, you're still alive. <laughs> you're still coping with those long things. Paul had to do double hours to counteract Steve's uh, arguments. <laughs> uh, SDS 15. Plastic. See, we got plastic, not just on Earth. We've got it in space now. <laughs> We're polluting everywhere. 6 p.m. Now, oh, that would be dinner time for you, wouldn't it? Uh, I'm almost done here, but yeah. Uh, we're done with that one. Okay, so what was the one we missed here? There's a couple here still. Uh, here we go for time. It's ridiculous. Six hours and 20 minutes. This is going to be a record run. Probably... Um, some websites won't allow me to upload it. I think they've got a six hour limit. <laughs> I might have to chop it into part one and part two. <laughs> see, this stuff takes a lot of time and a lot of research, as you can see. And we can't always find the answers first time searching. That's why you might have to spend a couple of months researching everything and digging it up. Uh, so, what do we got here? Uh, S80 uh, focused on one of the shuttle missions. S80 flown in late 1996. Some have maintained that video shot during Columbia Space Shuttle flight provides evidence for unknown objects. I reviewed this video for the first time in 1997 and concluded it just shows commonplace and well-known objects near the shuttle. All of them are served on every sh shuttle flight. These videos show light, low-light television camera images of ice particles and man-made uh, man debris drifting out. Uh, is this the one where it goes into a circle? Uh, was that the one? I think it was. Again, I've lost... Uh, I've lost my images. Um, I did have a get some information on that one. I had the video at least. Now let's see if I can find it again. So I wanted to explain that with my drawing, uh, how it can form circles. You uh, Uh, behind the truth rebuts uh, UFO speculation. So this guy here that analysed it, he is a PhD, Tom Jones, but um, he's not working for NASA. 
He says a regular scientist that looked at it. Um, which is quite interesting that he said it's debris and space bits. Uh, I think Stephen talked about it being most incredible footage. I must have skipped past that part. It doesn't really matter. Uh, so we, we just need to find the video of it. <laughs> Uh, let's see. Let's see. We'll just pick one of these and see if it's in that is footage. Okay, here we go. So it looks like the one that forms a circle. Oh, yeah. It must have been when he was talking about ice doesn't do that. Okay, we've got some music, so we need to get rid of that. Okay. So, again, the space shuttle's probably. Um, upside down, the bay's looking towards the earth there, or maybe on a slight angle too. And of course, um, they would be firing the engines, which you can't see off screen here, generating more ice particles. So let's see what happens. Uh, I can't see any fast <laughs> walkers. Uh, here's one. Doesn't look like it's moving very fast. And it looks like irregular circular shapes, right? It doesn't look like perfect circles here. And they're sort of pulsing, which kind of suggests they're spinning. Uh, as you know. Ice does do that, but there's something special about space ice that it doesn't form regular crystals like snowflakes. So why would it form a circle? Uh, I think it can't be explained because we're only looking at 2D here. Uh, looks like that one flew in from a different angle, didn't it? It wasn't sort of from the bay, it didn't go around. That one seemed to always be there too. And that one. So that I don't think is very credible at all. And it does look like ice, the way it's sort of blinking. Uh, let's just uh, bring that back down there. So, oh, damn, I need to go to the toilet. Uh, where is it? Oh, there. So we got the space shuttle here. Orbiting at 18,000 miles per hour. Where is bay bay's open. I'll oh, just get rid of those as well. So, if it fires its rockets, uh, side rocks, rockets here, but you don't see it because the camera's looking this way, side of the earth, right? Uh, let's just change pin. Uh, color. So, it's it's got the cameras looking down at the earth because you can see it looked at some of the space there. So, if it's firing um, some of the 
correcting uh, thrusters that are off view there, you know, this way, to keep it in the same orbit path because they're going to be working on a satellite or whatever or try and get close to it. Um, got to remember everything's moving, even though on the camera it looks like it's stationary above Earth, it's actually moving at 18,000 miles per hour, but it's also uh, correcting its orbit all the time which um, as you know generates water vapor so um, so this uh, ice um, in space instantly boils when it's uh, when it creates the, the, the water vapor instantly boils and then it instantly freezes it doesn't have a liquid state right so it forms like clumps of circular mass because uh, gravity um, in space is not acting on it so it forms a sphere just like uh, the, least, uh, the best shape that conserves energy right so um, these probably were drifting in a certain direction right we probably need to see if I can explain it better. Um, so this to say a shuttle we'll keep the same view and we got these objects that sort of appearing and going around in a circle but you got to remember everything's in motion so as that ice crystal appears there, yeah, the, the rockets keep firing and uh, it might be not from the back even, it might be from the front, they've got little uh, retro rockets at the front. So how would it create a circle? So if one object appears there, then they move back and then another object appears here, uh, it's going to look like it's forming a curve, right? You know what I mean? So we got a really neat object. <laughs> I'm not sure how we can draw it and explain it better. Ah, rocket. So they might be firing their rusters coming back this way because it's upside down and pointing slightly to earth there. So it might be the small adjustments from the boosters as it's sort of drifting back with gravity and it fires the rockets to try and slow that down. So as the particles are being produced, they're going to go come from the same booster rocket angle and also seem to, to drift, right? So we need a little circle. Who said it's going to be easy to explain it? So these particles are coming from the booster rockets and that's moving backwards, going that way. <laughs> and uh, these particles are being released at different times and they're going to look like uh, they're going to be attracted to gravity of the Earth so they're going to sort of bend around, right? You see what I mean? And also, some of them were already there, you know, from other 
boosts of the rocket. So it can quite, e quite easily be ice droplets that sort of being attracted by gravity and the space shuttles moving and firing the rockets. So they're appearing at different times and uh, displaced so instead of them all sort of coming in a straight line if it was purely stationary right that's uh, not happening there <laughs> uh, i think i'll get a bit uh, uh, stuffing up things now i get a bit tired uh, yeah i got the wrong thing and i duh that's what happens when you get tired so if it was stationary it should go pretty much in a straight line but it's constantly moving going backwards then they're going to form a circle yeah, I want to probably something you need to do in CAD CAM and emanate it right but anyway enough on that one so yeah Hopefully uh, you understand what I was getting at here on this shot here. So you've got to remember everything's in motion. And uh, they got the bay just looking at the edge of the earth. And it uh, makes sense that as they're coming from the engines being created, or well, some of them, most of them are probably off shot here, uh, that they're going to get attracted to earth gravity and just slowly change course slightly, right? Also, we got the electrostatic stuff that we can talk a bit uh, mentioned before, which can also affect it. Um, to me, it looks all like ice particles, but um, maybe that other blob that was stationary here, where it does appear to, could be some debris, uh, like something looser left in the in the payload bay that sort of floated out and it's sort of sitting there, and it looks like it's part of the circle. Uh, let's see, um, that one there is it. It's these ones that seem to be coming out and creating a circle. But anyway, uh, uh, I'll post a link to it so you can have a little watch of it if you want. I, sh I, have, I haven't been consistent with the posting, have I? Uh, ta -ta, I keep forgetting. <laughs> I've got a few there though. John, you're still here. <laughs> Infinite life. Uh, yeah, I'm almost dead here. <laughs> uh, but I have done an eight-hour live stream before, but not this late. But once it's done, I'm going to crash probably for a few days, right? <laughs> and then I have all the people slanging me off, you know, all the haters saying, oh, you did this on Steve Cambion. <laughs> See you, Vike here. Um, I'm only just... Uh, telling what I can find out truthfully and fill in the gaps, right? <laughs> and uh, my opinion still stays that Darcy is no better than third phase of the moon. Okay, so uh, this was STS 80, was it? Uh, brain's going. I'm going. Uh, what was it? Was it 80? Yeah, I think it was. Uh, does it say that? Yeah, 80. Okay, there you go. And then we got uh, the breakdown one here about the sky walking thing. I'm not sure how I managed to miss that one, but yeah, I did. <laughs> and debunk. 
We got that one. Uh, yeah, so, yes, I think we're pr getting pretty much near the end, apart from this one here, uh, which uh, was in the trailer, but I don't think Steve mentioned it. Rigid or solid metal structure, the astronaut said. It appears to be three objects directly above the shuttle, moving in formation. Okay, so again, shuttle's upside down, so technically it is above the shuttle, but it's actually... Um, an orbit around Earth, well, an orbit near Earth, and they're looking down at Earth. And uh, that one, they said it was possibly plastic installation orange stuff, right? And the other one, plastic bag, right? So that one's debunked. Apparently. Um so this is a weird one because NASA said that it was metallic-looking cloth, but I don't understand uh, not, how three identical <laughs> metallic-looking cloths could be moving in formation above the space shuttle. I don't know, and, and this is another one of those that I'd like to see. Um, Unless that's another one that we've missed, uh, but that didn't come up in the searches, so they only mentioned two, right? So one must have had been the plastic heat shield that was reflecting light that looked like three spots of light you can see how bad the footage was right that's that's crap that's spud cam right <laughs> of the available footage done to see if we could see more detail but i appear to be moving in formation three identical objects and nasa said they were metallic well did you see three identical objects in that footage that we we're looking at unless it, uh, some other footage right uh, which i haven't got handy because i refuse to buy the that movie, <laughs> uh, if it's not in um, um, what you call it, the views and stuff over people, you can only look at what's in those and what information we're getting here so we can look it up. Could be three space blankets got loose somehow, I guess. Uh, but well, that's actually not too bad of a guess, really. <laughs> it could have been three bits of plastic, right? But I, this is another one of those strange ones. Um, uh, did we lose uh, Shogun? Did we? Haven't seen or heard from him for a long time. And and then also on STS-115, they had another incident of a UFO, but NASA said that was a piece of plastic. And, and this is where, you know, NASA is like, need a silly answer. Well, it does look like plastic. Right? NASA, we need a silly answer for these UFOs. So, obviously, they didn't include that in the documentary, what I've just shown you, because it clearly looks like plastic. <laughs> well, there's this piece of plastic, and it somehow got free of the shuttle, and that's what that UFO was. Okay. Um, so, everything we've seen so far is moving in natural orbits um, to, with gravity and uh, all that sort of business, right? Moving in straight lines or moving in tr curves, isn't it? Isn't that, there's been no amazing, amazing stuff that we've seen in those missions of UFOs, right? Bob McGuire then says that the Defense Department should be analyzing these things to determine if they pose a threat. Yeah, I would think so. 
Next, we get a more skeptical view from uh, Seth Shostak that he remains convinced that the public is not being. Um, I guess. So I mean, the average. I think it's less videos now. Where the woo really comes in, because in 2017, this guy Jimmy Blanchett, who has a quarter million watt transmitter in his backyard, and he's bouncing radio signals off the moon and the sun and the. <laughs> Anyway, in 2017, he heard about Stephen Greer and CE5, and he started creating his own. Uh, so uh, he talks about that guy pretty much, I think we're near the end. Uh, but I did actually look up the guy's claims, and I got this one here, which was in the trailer, to talk about, because um, it's garbage. <laughs> So, uh, this is the guy he's talking about now. He's got his own radio transmitter and he talks about moon bounce communication. So, basically, uh, they send a signal to the moon and it bounces back. Um, this is this is how they used to communicate uh, long distances, you know, because of the curvature of the Earth. They used to bounce the signal off the moon uh, to win, uh, obviously, certain range um obviously because of the curvature of the earth they can't get it on the other side of the earth this is where the heart technology come in to bounce it off the iron iron sphere but yeah that's another long story <laughs> uh all sorts of conspiracies on that one too but uh yeah uh, so this is his thing jimmy uh whatever his name is blanch triangle array rotational thing so this is uh, all the information on his web page, what he's doing, and uh, some videos there. So Steve talks about he knows about radio because he used to do a ham radio, blah blah blah. But yeah, it doesn't doesn't sort of um, bring up any information on him like I have here. But quarter of a million watts uh, is. Uh, I think what's happened here is, is if you look at the license agreement, because uh, he's got a Class D uh, license, I found out, uh, you're only allowed to go up to 1,500 watts, which is what he states here on his page, which is not a uh, uh, quarter of a million watts, right? But down here, he talks about the effect of uh, isotropic radiation power, uh, which is like... Is it a dipolar, some monopolar? I uh, can't remember now. Antenna that goes one direction, right? And it bounces back off the moon. And he's got that cranked up. Obviously, this is all information to 250,000 watts. Uh, with 1500 watts, uh, uh, what this means here is uh, the power from the transmitter and the size of the antenna so if you get the right size antenna with that 150 150 uh, 1500 watts um you can go up to, easily up to a million watts so he's talking about 250,000 watts and that's uh illegal i think obviously uh with that license because um and we pointing it to, uh, but there are sorts of regulations and all that sort of stuff. So uh, I don't think it would affect uh, many houses around them in 
that sense of it here, but uh, 150 watts, depending, uh, I think it can go up to 30 kilometers. And normal radio stations and all that, all the big radio stations in America can get up to a million watts transmitter. I think uh, they had like uh, 250,000 watts, which is a quarter of a million watts, which is what this guy was claiming. But I think that it's been misinterpreted by Steve. So um, I did actually look up a lot of information on that. As you can see, US amateur transmitter power limits, unless otherwise noted, the maximum power output is 150, I mean 1500 watts. PEP, novice technicians are limited to 200 watts PEP. So um, probably not too many people have that sort of uh, license here to go that high. But this guy, if you read his website and all of his information, sounds like he knows his stuff. But he's a bit woo-woo. <laughs> he thinks uh, when he bounces a signal back off the moon that it, uh, the static sound is communication from aliens. So maybe he got fried in the head. <laughs> he talks about um, Galactic Federation. I think it was on... Did uh, I close that page down? No. Uh, I think he talks about Galactic... Uh, Federation somewhere. Yeah, let, it talks about it all here. Oh no, it was on coast to coast. Have I lost that one too? Uh, ham radio. Oh, here it is. Coast to coast. Here he is. Um, let's just have a quick skimmy of that one. Denise uh, developed a unique antenna. So this is where it boosts up in watts for moon-based communication which allowed them to communicate across the planet with other like-minded people using the moon. Across the planet, it doesn't say the other side of the planet though. Um, so it certainly increases the range, right? Jimmy published his work and his engineer creation. So he sounds legit on the radio, ham and science side of things. So seems like uh, the information is correct in the documentary anyway. It's just how you interpret it. Uh, so yeah, what's he talking about here? Um, first contact protocol. Developed the first contact which gives the possibility mankind to establish contact with non-human intelligence and hopefully help humanity integrate with the Galactic Federation of the Worlds. <laughs> So that's uh, certainly woo-woo right there. He strongly believes that humanity will be reunited with his galactic family <laughs> in the near future. Yeah, uh, a lot of belief, people believe in that galactic federation stuff, but um, probably one that needs uh, better evidence of it. Uh, so yeah, you got coast to coast AM there about him. And we got his website. <sighs> and you don't need to know that, but that was a Google search on what the maximum was. 
Yes, you would knock out everybody's electronics, right? If you had a powerful antenna like a radio thing next door to you, it's going to uh, cause a bit of problem with houses close by. Uh, there's this page there and his call sign. So if you're a cam radio operator, you might better get in contact with him. Uh, what's his name? Jimmy. Beam me up, Jimmy. Alright. Um, what was this one? So this is a discussion about limits where these people talk about um, that it can get up to a million with that sort of wattage. Maximum allowed transmitter output is 1.5 kilowatts, which is 1500 watts, right? Uh, peak uh, envelope power. So that's what PEP is. Uh, no limit on EI, e, uh, EIRP. Uh, slapped up a high gain antenna and your EIRP can easily reach megawatts. Okay, so that information is correct. And like I said, it's calculated based on the transmitter and the antenna that you're using. The bigger the antenna, the better. <laughs> I won't share that link, but yeah, we got uh, what all it means here exactly, and it talks about how you calculate it. EIRP is the total power radiated by isotropic, that's probably the word I was looking for, antenna in a single direction. An isotopic antenna is hypothetical antenna that radiates evenly in all directions with zero dB gain. But it talks about single direction here, so there you go make sense of what you can of that that's quite technical um all this stuff and uh, it's not my sort of area of expertise either but i do know people that are ham radio operators and um, they probably could explain it better that i worked with at university Coast to coast, done. Uh, ST48 was mentioned at the end. Uh, I've already debunked this in this video, which I will share. And uh, NASA tapes are raised. And we got this last uh, video here. Uh, but I'm going to have to quickly dash off for a second, and I'll be back in a minute.
also up. Okay, so I can go for another eight hours now. My bladder's empty. <laughs> so um, probably best to go to um, these are the websites I got the images from. Best to go to my folder where I did analysis on this one, uh, which was in '65. Uh, it's uh, 65-18737 so let's see there's a screenshot from the trailer I took uh, where is it which one is it this one here I think let me just have a look alright so there's an object there right <laughs> you can see um, this is from the movie and they play around with the filter and, and they're trying to claim this little light anomaly uh, as a reflection of a UFO and I just run it through some basic filters but here's the one where they enhance it to make it look like a UFO <laughs> So that little streak of light suddenly has all this added to it here, uh, which to me looks like it's um, nothing like a UFO anyway. Uh, when you really look at the pixels even on that, you can see here, um, it looks like a dark bit and something bright. And they're trying to combine it together into a UFO, right? So what is it? So when you you can see how nicely cropped it is, and I don't show you the original image, but they gave us information, so we can actually analyze it. So what I did is I run it through some filters. As you can see here, and suddenly we're getting a lot of uh, stuff still not cropped off the image I didn't do a really good job of hiding it but you can see there's uh, a huge amount of light reflected off the window which is they don't tell you it's filmed through a window here and I run it through this filter here which undoes their filter and you can see what the class in this part of the UFO is actually just noise right so this is what you got to be careful of and you can see again it's on a window where it's been illuminated overexposed and it's uh you can see the the, the flare of light on the window going up here and uh, if we look at the original photo um there was two done uh the original one was here uh, you can see that it's a Polaroid <laughs> and this is the original photograph and you can see it's out of focus even and it's ugly right you can see here all this light here it's going to cast microscopic little light splatters onto the glass you know and we, we know there's a lens flare happening here I mean uh, a light reflection happening here and I believe 
that there looks like a circular bit of light uh, called camera artifact because look where the lights coming from over here it's a lens flare side view one <coughs> you know lens flares uh, let's just bring up some examples um, we saw it in some of those NASA ones where they had it going down the middle and you can see how crazy some of the lens flares get uh, lens flare examples lens flare example. I'm not sure if that will come up oh I forgot flare uh, images so here's some here uh, you've seen them probably on TV Hey, look, two UFOs, right? And they can look like that, and they can be curvature, depending on the angle. Uh, let's see if we can find some other better ones. Look, here's one. Here in front of the lady, is it? Uh, let's see what other ones we can find. Here's a series of them here. Oh, look, looks like a little UFO on a little angle, right? So it looks like a UFO. Very strange shape there. Uh, let me just see what else we got. There we are, little UFOs everywhere. And different angles, right? But then you don't normally always get multiple ones like that. Depends how many uh, lenses in the camera. Each of these is a reflection back off the lens inside the camera. That's what creates a false image. And they got special names for it. Glow, polygon, disc, <laughs> like a UFO. But yeah, uh, all that is hidden and no analysis done on it. Now I know James Oberg did mention a particular mission where it had terrible reflections on the window and they were filming, meant to be photographing uh, that tracking balloon. So could that possibly be the one he's talking about? Uh, I don't know. So if it's not a lens flare, he reckons it's a tracking balloon, but it's a bit hard to tell, isn't it? What it is. <laughs> Certainly looks like a lens flare to me. It's got the right direction happening because we can see the other flare going this way. But yeah, it might be uh, reflections as well as a tracking balloon. But yeah, you can see it's crappy. <laughs> uh, it's embarrassing. Uh, that should be in a UFA documentary, full stop, right? And see how much they played with it. Uh, here's another one I did using the original. Ah, right, this one here was the one that was reprocessed to improve the image. Right, and you can see here, they have removed that bright speck, which kind of tells me they removed the, the, the bright um, lens flare. Because if it was like a tracking balloon, why wouldn't they want to enhance that to keep it in the image? that's what they're meant to be filming so 
Yeah, I'm not 100% sure if that's the same one that was mentioned in the article. 65 Mercury, I think. 62. 65. So it would have had them in 65. You have to go back to that original document. Uh, what else have we got here? Uh, yep, there's another filter I did. And again, you can see it's not... It's a bit clearer on that filter there. Doesn't look like a UFO. So it's either a sunlit track and balloon as they claim, or it's lens flare. Look, you can see how much that reflection is happening. Okay, move on to the next one. It's garbage, it really is. Okay, here's the original one with some filters added to it. Now we can actually see a wee bit better. And you can actually see other specs here. Specs, see? So is that a real object or is it a flare? And we got these other ones here, which I don't think you can film stars, right? And you've got to move it through a window. Uh, so yeah, could be all sorts of light sources inside the cabin. And there, it looks like it might be in two parts. So it could be like a balloon with something attached to it, couldn't it? Like a parachute. Maybe they call that a balloon, I don't know. We couldn't find information on it. But clearly UFO bollocks, you know. <laughs> uh, so there you go. So I thought I'd look at it uh, in a neutral way. Just follow the evidence here. Uh, knowing about camera artifacts and stuff and s seeing the original changes the whole thing doesn't it so just moving on <coughs> so these are the sites I got it from if you want to grab it yourself so this is the site that um, reprocesses bad images and there's all the all the snaps they took. There is kind of maybe there's a tracking balloon. In it. I don't know. Looks like a smudge on the one here. Look, uh, if it's going to load, look, got some smudge happening here, which again looks like uh, light reflection, right? So it's obviously a different location slightly. And you can see a light glare coming this way now. So it's good when you see the whole collection in a series. And this is the improved versions, right? <laughs> so, um, yeah, that's why I had to hunt down. Uh, what's this one called? S65. Improved versions. Looks like they haven't tried to airbrush it completely out. They've still got the black bit in there, right? And then we got this original site here with the image uh, with the Polaroid included the edges of it. And it talks about it here. First photograph from space taken during the Gemini program. Okay, I thought it was Mercury. 
1965. So we might be able to look at James Oberg list and see if that matches 63 or 65. I mean, matches it, but it won't bother. Uh, it's just garbage. Just real garbage that one. <laughs> S65 original, untouched, because it includes the whole Polaroid, right? It has to be. Uh, paste. So yeah, if you want to do your own investigation on that, I'm a bit tired. Okay, the ST48 one I've analysed here in depth. Uh, anyone that has that on a UFA documentary now is a hypocrite, as far as I'm concerned. Um, that's the one with the so-called missile firing nonsense uh, which is just ice particles i've done a path analysis on it and you see the flashes where they fire off the engines and that's when things start moving right um debunked so yeah darcy movie sounds really bad doesn't it uh now i've gone through all that so uh, we could play a little clip here quickly. So I do my little emanation, and it's all free. You don't have to pay me, <laughs> and I include all my research and other people's comments on it. And I do my own path analysis. I don't think anyone did path analysis. Uh, not like what I did anyway. Need to uh, prevent contamination. I know a lot of people copied what I did here. And also come up with the same conclusion. Okay, I understand you want us to start. Okay, so where does it fire? So that's the full video of the whole thing, I think. Uh, so there's some articles I found, but that was after I did the analysis, of course, so I wouldn't be influenced to my findings. Uh, a top secret there talking about it. Uh, so where's the path analysis coming up? <laughs> so I was looking at all the different engines they got. All these are different engine, Verna uh, engines underneath to keep it. You know, these are what fire to keep it in orbit, and this is what creates uh, a lot of those ice particles that you're seeing. Not these big ones, but these little tiny ones. And of course, this one here was what the STS-48 created those ice particles. Uh, this one on this side fires, and the one on the other side fires, and they correct their position from being upside down. Uh, well maybe on an angle because they're slowly rotating and uh, you can see the flashes when they fire the engines and the ice particles move and when you do a path analysis on it so this probably was more up um, upright <laughs> I mean that, that kind of flipped over on the side view uh, I was sort of guessing on that bit, but uh, we know the cameras were facing this way, regardless. Um, but yeah, and then we do the path analysis here. The 
camera will be brighter and as it goes further away it dims in contrast or brightness and you can see it tapers off uh, when it flies into space and also I've added the motion okay so that's the puff analysis of this so-called UFO you can see all these other things you can see the space shuttle is moving right but yeah I, I put in the flashes and all that where the engines are firing um, but I haven't got time to go through all that plat. Uh, you have to watch it in your own time. So apparently this is where the missile comes up. Uh, oh right, um, the UFO goes like this, goes along there, and then we see the missile come up. It's not even close, uh, close hit. Right? Tracking, so it adds to the previous frame and enhances the the footage. You would notice the fast moving streaker or streamer. Um, it's the flash not of the very engine. easy to see uh, in this analysis because it's um, thinner and fast moving and it's not as bright as the other objects. Back which then means I had a two buck mic microphone so it's pretty bad. It should be smaller or further away from the camera. The streaker or streamer is the so called missile or energy laser weapon that was fired okay, at so the UFO object yeah. according to the UFO believers. Now you can see the object is gliding along and then suddenly does a right angle fast zoom out into space and then the missile shows up. On this next sequence I have darkened it and uh, added in the labels where the flashes of the shuttle rockets occur. And you can see when L5D fires, um, the particle or the UFO shoots off into space. That kind of tells me straight away it's related to the okay, so thruster. Okay, so there's the missile. It's miles away. Um, missiles are not that f so wrong, right? <laughs> uh, you'd make allowances. You'd fire maybe one or two at the same time and have one further along just in case it speeds away so the other one seeks onto it uh, I'd, yeah so as you can see it's crappy footage again and uh, you have to study it and uh, I think not the uh, missile that shoots up after the event so like the NASA scientist looking at this, I'm leaning okay, towards so this, it actually this being fires, a The engine ice. fires there, flash, uh, R5D, and suddenly this particle, ice particle here, gets energy coming from the engine this direction and knocks it this direction. It's crystal. Myself, uh, flash of an engine. A alien craft. Not the I'll flash of the thing. And then we see the streaker coming through here. Okay. And it wasn't even near where the UFO was, right? So, just uh, ice particles generated from the engine firing. That one knocks that existing one energy, and that one's a new one that's generated from the vapor, shoots across. But yeah, just garbage. Um, and this proved to me, I gave this footage to Ron and Stephen. And Stephen clearly didn't watch it fully, like uh, we just zoomed in here. So it's easily solved that one. And uh, when I checked out Osberg, 
and other people were saying exactly the same when they analyzed the footage and I still talk about it here and do different shades to make things easier Come to see. Come closer to the camera and uh, appeared because so, the sun is now off it. So they don't talk about that missile launch there, do they? <laughs> they talk about this one as soon as past uh, the UFO. So yeah, I'm just going to check it out. Um, but I've got to get to bed. And what is the time? <laughs> Coming up to 6am, so me is stuffed. So there's an article here, just some final wrapping up. Uh, I don't think it was included in the Darcy thing. I just found it. NASA erased the first moonwalk tapes, but restores copies. <laughs> so apparently they deleted the original, but um, copies were sent to television onto their commercial tapes, and so they restored the copies from that, which is not going to be very good. As you know, copies are never as good as originals. And it talks about why they did that. Uh, it's the so-called lost tapes. You, you've probably heard that on a lot of UFO channels too. How they're trying to cover up stuff. Uh, but obviously copies are copies, right? Uh, from the broadcast in Australia as well as other places uh, that was recorded. So apparently when they filmed it, they transmitted it to Australia. And then Australia re-broadcast it to America. And... Uh, because it was on a different TV format, they had to uh, record another screen of, that's why it's so crappy, into uh, using a commercial camera for television to broadcast on the TV network over there. <laughs> but yeah, it uh, goes in quite a lot of detail here. Uh, a lot, and I'm not going to read it out, unfortunately. But that's quite an interesting little article about it all. Again, on space.com. Ah, he's still here. <laughs> Just took the dog for a walk. Yeah, I have to do that too. <laughs> uh, I've already done it before the show, though. Uh, so, yeah, I've got to get going. This must be up to like seven hours now. <laughs> Lost tapes uh, explained. And of course, like I said, um, BBC got caught on that too when they wanted to re, re uh, put old shows onto DVD and preserve them. Now we've got newer technology and the storage is a lot better. And we don't use crappy tapes. Well, maybe some people still use them because um, you can actually store digital information on them and have uh, error correction. So they still might still use it in some places some things so i'm not too sure on that but now we've got digital memory where it can record multiple copies simultaneously to different um, solid state devices and stuff um with like a hundred terabyte ones they make now drives and uh so yeah and technology is getting crazily big uh so yeah space for storing video even at 4k is not a problem anymore so, yeah, go and have a read of that article. And I think Steve talks about that guy and the antenna and the SD848 for the next 30 minutes and rounds up at two hours. So we just went over that and skimmed over it under fair use and added in our bits and uh, why I dislike what I saw. 
or heard through the review here. Uh, so nothing really nasty uh, on my part. I just been I was being really fair and honest. I thought in that whole review, my review of the review of the movie as well, <laughs> and all the other factors involved. So it's not about hating on people, but um, more that I'm upset for ufology in general. And you can see all the stuff that I showed there. It's just pure garbage if that's in the documentary as UFOs. And Steve's loving it. So um, I've just got to wonder uh, about what he thinks was good. Um, and what the motives are of any. And we'll find out in the future if he ends up in a movie of Darcy or something like that. And you probably began. Aha! I remember Paul talking about something that might be going down. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I'm just going to round up quickly now and hit the sack before my eyes bomb out completely. <laughs> uh, so thanks a lot, guys. Um, I think we had like a only three people watching. I think we might got up a bit higher than that actually. I think we might have peaked at six at some stage. <laughs> Which is kind of surprising, uh, since we don't seem to have many UK people here. And of course, it is Friday over there, so some people are going to be working. That's all, folks. Uh, that's my longest slice string I've done for a while, actually. And you can see uh, certain people uh, are not joining me anymore because uh, of that little disagreement we had. <laughs> And far as I know, that sort of um, my show just ran perfectly smooth here, and uh, we can always add to it extra stuff as we find it if you want to. Stuff that we couldn't find initially in life searches. Anyway, um, just keep questioning everything you hear and see, guys, and don't believe it all. Um, but there is real stuff out there, but. Uh, you're not going to find it in a UFA documentary, <laughs> uh, as far as I can see, going down anyway. Uh, you're more likely to capture something real on your own camera if you just keep looking, I guess. I think I'm in the wrong spot here though to capture stuff, but I might capture some good meteorite showers or some good uh, cloud formations and uh, planes flying around, but uh, we'll see as I get it all developed here. And people can copy it and uh, know what to buy without wasting too much money, hopefully. But anyway, I'm just going to click on the close down function. And I'll see you again next live show, which I'm not sure when it will be because I'm going to be knackered <laughs> for a wee while. And probably in a lot of pain because I can feel my neck going. Good night. Sleep tight. Have a good dinner if you've not had it. And stay safe on the roads. There we go. Too loud though. No, not too much. 
So I don't know how it sort of come out on Google until I play it back myself, but I think it was alright. No one complained about poor low quality audio. Um, my parents have probably been listening to me and complaining. <laughs> Uh, but they only like sleep five hours anyway. They'll probably have an afternoon nap. <laughs> They're getting a bit old now, so am I actually. Um, we've all got sort of health problems. Um, it's going to end it there. Seven hours, 20 minutes. That's uh, the longest one I've done for some time. That's what happens when you get to a pool all wound up with massive stuff and dicey wear. <laughs> there we go.